are watching the vodka stream. What's happening, guys? All right. We are now on the official show. How's everybody doing out there? Yeah, are we nice and cozy? People already, you know, pre-gaming, pre-gaming, and now we're now we're in for the main show and for the, the main drinks. Is that what's happening? What's happening, guys? Who's out there? All right, Jason, what's going on? Eric, how are you guys doing? All right, we got Mr. Hummingbird back. Up, 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 up. So glad to see the. Yeah, I know it's been a long time coming. I know he's been a, a highly requested uh, guest. So yeah, finally get to uh, talk to him. Should be a good conversation. Talk about all kinds of stuff. What's going on, Niner fan? Yo, what's up, Nick? It's hanging pretty good. Said chilling, Miss Stewart. How you doing? All right, we got Ryan, we got Nick, Symphony. What's up? Worlds colliding. That's what it's all about, man. It's what the vodka stream's all about. <clears throat> now the sun's finally going down. I know, like with the with the first little show, it was like, eh, I'm just going to use the natural sunlight. Like I said, it's a pregame show, and then now the stream is open, even though you can't really see. See now, my lights like reflecting off that. Hold on a sec. Ah, no, go that way. There you go. So I kind of angled the, uh, try to angle the the camera just a little bit different, a little closer, because I know you guys are saying I was a little too far apart, but you know, a little too far from the camera, but see what's, what's going on. I don't really have an NFL team, to be honest. I really don't. I mean, I like to play uh, fantasy football, and I like to watch football, but I don't really have a team. I try to be a Niner fan, but, you know, because I'm a Giants fan when it comes to baseball, but no. What's going on, Jason? How you doing? Thank you for joining, sir. We got Slafter, Slofter, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, round two, baby. That's right. All right. So let's see. Let's see. Mr. Will Diesel, how you doing? Hey, you're the man. What are you talking about? I don't, I don't know why your membership went away. That was a little weird. And speaking of the memberships, um, yeah, like I posted like an in-between uh, video. It was supposed to be a members-only video, but I, I accidentally made it public. My bad. So some of you guys saw a member-only video. So, eh, it's not like it was anything. It was just me, like, coming back from the store and whatnot, uh, you know, because I needed to get some uh, booze, which uh, – Got some Buffalo Trace right here. It's not even open yet. So that's right. I was feeling like a little bit of bourbon tonight. I wasn't feeling full on. I got vodka right there, but I'm like, eh, I think it's time to, uh, I just felt like, ah, there it is. Felt like a little bit of bourbon tonight. I'm usually, you know, you guys know me. I'm usually a bullet bourbon guy, but for some reason they didn't have, and I, and I still don't, I even said this on the video. I'm not sure, like, uh, I forgot exactly what the difference is between the, the red label and the green label. And uh, I, I just know, like, there is a different flavor to it. I know it's probably just the way that it's uh, made or whatever. But, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't, <clears throat> they didn't have, like, that particular brand, the, uh, the red label, I guess you could say. So I was like, you know what, let me do some Buffalo Trace. So cheers, guys. Thank God it's Friday. Yeah, kind of a long week. Yo, what's going on there, Mr. Thawne? Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, put me in, coach. Give me a chance. But, uh, yeah, 
Thank you guys for, uh, hey, there's Jess. How you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll talk. We'll probably be talking about that, of course, the uh, Green Lantern news today. I was actually going to bring that up right now before uh, Robert comes in here. It's like, yeah, I don't know. What did you guys think about uh, Finn Whit? What is it? Whit Rock? Whit Rock? Yeah. <laughs> Trying to remember his last name, but I know it's kind of funny because a lot of people wanted him for Dick Grayson. They wanted him as Nightwing, and I think he even leaned into it when people were fan casting because he does look like he could play a Nightwing. And, uh, I mean, you know, he's been in various things. I think the the, the, the main thing that people uh, see him in is um, – seen him in, I should say, is um, uh, American Horror Story. So, um, yeah. So, I don't, you know, and I've seen him in a couple of those. I haven't seen all the seasons of American Horror Story, but I know I've seen Freak Show, and he was part of that. I mean, he seems like he's going to be decent. I don't know. I know a lot of people are looking at him going like, hey, he doesn't really scream Guy Gardner. But, you know, somebody saw something in him. And hopefully, uh, I don't know, like how much of the look they're going to try to give him. So that's going to be that's going to be very interesting to see. Oops. Let's see here. Boop, 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 boop. All right. Sorry about that. I was just trying to bring in. Why is that not? Hold on a sec. Sorry about this, guys. Trying to dance. Oh, no, that's something different. All right. Never mind with that. Jeez. Technology. You got to love it. Um, sometimes technology just doesn't work. Let me see. Okay. Oh, it's not downloaded yet. What the hell? Okay. All right. Sorry. Just bringing up something in my email right here. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people, like, when I, when I had Sam Wynn on, they were screaming, like, yeah, let's do, um, let's get her for Jessica, uh, Jessica Cruz. Why not? Um, she'd be probably, she'd be a good, um, Jessica Cruz for Green Lantern. Why not? I mean, and they're supposed to be, supposed to be casting for that anyways, right? I mean, part of the show is like, it's going to be jumping all over the place, like different, uh, different times and everything. I just wonder what's going to be happening with Green Lantern cores, you know, what's going to be happening with that? Maybe we'll get some word on that. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's bring in my guest has joined the stream. Let's bring in my guest right now. Let's see here. Is that did that download? Uh, see, something weird's going on. I don't know what the heck. I was trying to get one of the uh, fan videos, and for some reason, it's not working. But uh, we'll figure it out. Anyways, guys, without further ado, Mr. Robert Mayer uh, Meyer. Sorry, Burnett. How's it no going? No worries. Sir? How's it going? <laughs> Good to be here. Thanks for having yeah. me. No problem, man. It's been a long time coming. I know a lot of people have been requesting you. I think you've even uh, made it in the live chat a couple of times. And I was like, yeah, we'll get him in here. We'll get him into the vodka stream. We'll get well, him. In the, uh... Your vodka stream is the aptly named. That's exactly. Uh, I like it it. any any stream that has liquor involved in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Although I, must say, I have to say right now, I'm not drinking oh. any alcohol because I'm doing a midnight metal show. Oh, that's right. You do that. That's right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I was saving it, but I would be drinking whiskey. Jameson. Okay. There you go. Good choice. Well, mm. cheers anyways, even though you're drinking water. I, I'm drinking uh, Pellegrino. Mm. Pellegrino, there you go. Like I said, I mean, yeah, I don't discriminate on any kind of drink. You know, it's kind of funny because I, I mentioned this before. When I, now that I, I get, you know, when I get like certain actors or some people within the business, I, I, I kind of go, all right, hey, yeah, it's like kind of like a relaxed, you know, have a drink. Let's have a discussion. Oh, yeah. You don't have to drink. You don't have to drink. It's fine. I mean, because there's been some times where I actually had a response go, well, so-and-so is sober. I went, oh. <laughs> I was like, right. 
Yeah, like, mm, uh, well, th- it's not necessarily that they could be just chilling. It's just the atmosphere. That's Absolutely, all it <laughs> you know, it's 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 a, it's Friday night. It's time to chill. It's time to just hang out and have a conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we're gonna definitely have. Um, yeah, we got lots to talk about, but of course, you know, anytime like a new guest shows up, I always try to get to get to know them. And of course, you know, everybody's familiar uh, with you and um, all you've done. But you've done. I mean, you've been kind of in this business for a little bit, haven't you? Yeah, I, I've. You know, I've sort of been a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> I've done. Put a, it? I've done a lot of you know a lot of different things. I mean, I um, I mean, my goal was always to make movies but yeah. i didn't you know when you come to california i didn't have any connections to the movie business not really yeah. and um you know you just start working and i realized that in the in the entertainment business work begets work if people like working with you and you do a good job you kind of get swept along <laughs> you know and, and then people right people kind of take you with them and um uh, it was interesting. That's kind of what, what happened to me. I was people I knew and, you know, you, you, you have to also make work, work begets work. And so the first job I ever had was I was the art department production assistant on Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. Yes. And uh, <laughs> with Vigo Mortensen was there. Yeah, I remember. And, yeah. and uh, it was just, uh, it was, a, it was the most like, I couldn't, I had to pinch myself. It was like the hardest job ever. I was working six days a week, 20 hour days. Uh-huh. It was brutal, but I was having the best time ever. I mean, I was on the set of a horror movie. And since we're in the art department, I was building sets or yeah, I was doing, you know, grunt work too. Just yeah. if, if the, if the art department needed like water and soda brought to the location, cause we built a, a, a gas station. Then we built a farmhouse behind magic mountain in the Hills. So, you know, I had to always go get paint or water, whatever needed to be gotten. You know, it was, that was my job. And I loved every minute of it. And then sometimes, you know, they'd have like, hey, can you go build uh, that thing over there? Or can you help us uh, get bones and, and, and bring bones out to the set? You know, fake foam bones. I'm like, yeah, man, what if you want me to do? Whatever you need. Greatest thing ever. Loved yeah. it. See, I mean, and then you just got to put that grind in too. I mean, you got to put those hours in to try to, you know, progress oh, yeah. through. And I mean, that's basically what it is right there. It's nothing, nothing's going to be uh, instant when it comes to this business. That's for sure. And like, and like no. you said, sometimes you got to create your own work, which is, which is awesome too. But then of course, you know, it can be a little discouraging when you're trying to do that stuff, you're pitching it here and there. And I think what, you know, when it comes to today's medium, it's like now you can just really just create your own shit and be yes. like, Hey, Let's do this as opposed to, well, I got this idea. Let me go pitch it to a guy in a suit who doesn't know shit about this. And let's see what happens. I mean, that's what's no, going it's, cool today. Yeah. And, and that still happens. I mean, you're, you're still at the mercy of uh, pitching projects and getting people to sign off. And, and um, it's hard. I, I've always preferred what's frustrating is I've always like, I've never had any real huge breakthrough commercial success, but I, I've really loved what I've done. Yeah. So I've I've always had a good time doing it. And I've got to work on, you know, some I I was in New Zealand for years, a couple of years working on doing the um the documentaries for the extended versions of Lord of the Rings. You you know, and and it was it was amazing. (laughs) You know, it's like and I I love that. It was fantastic. And then you just never know where things are gonna take you. And even even in like the I don't know if you've ever seen the movie A Christmas Story, but uh I work with Peter Billingsley. 
We, uh, yeah, we, Peter Billings and I edited a film together. And then after we were done, we basically started our own production company and we were doing commercials and music videos. We just sort of made stuff up, you know, and we started working and, and, and again, we would get these really interesting jobs and go out and make videos and whatever anybody needed. And it was, it was fun. And then you get more clients. I mean, we could have ended up running an advertising agency, but we wanted to, you know, work on movies. So, um, but yeah, it was it was great. I mean, that was and I think to this day it's still the same thing. You know, you keep doing work and and more things happen. Like the the my latest project, I was the animatic editor for uh a Netflix anime show called Dota Dragon's Blood that dropped last month. Oh wow. and um so that was something I you know I worked on that for two years. And then it comes out and people are like, When did you work on this? And I'm like, Well, I've been working on it for the last two years. Well, I didn't know you were working on that. And it's like, well. You know, I don't roll out my resume. I'm just on YouTube every day. So people think, well, when did you work on these things? And I'm like, well, you find the time. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think some people don't realize how much man hours go into something that you're, I mean, like you said, you worked in, you know, in New Zealand for a year. It's like, you know, and you had a great time, but was it, you know, was your name displayed out there? Hey, guess what? Guess what Robert's working on right now? It's it's never like that, but you still enjoyed it. And then it was just like, hey, by the way, I did this. And then people are like, oh, well, what the hell? And like you said, with this Netflix thing, it's like, yeah, you worked on it for two years and everybody's going, wait a minute, I've been watching you on YouTube. Right. You know, you didn't mention anything about it. It's like, well, yeah, you don't, you know, you're not going to just talk about it with every stream or show or video you do. No, I mean, it's it's interesting, too, because like I I used to, I guess I still kind of am obsessed with my imdb credits because i i'm like i judge my life but i want every year to have something i've done new yeah you know even if it's not a big thing but just something that you can point to and go oh yeah this year was spent doing that <laughs> so at the end of you know at the end of the year it can be like all right that's cool and like of course uh, a film that i produced and i also edited is playing on the festival circuit now and we worked on that for years yeah you know and people are like you're still working on that well yeah yeah (laughs) you know it's it takes it takes a while so well yeah i mean you hear about that a lot i mean i I, you know i've talked to people too or i mean for instance i you know i I interviewed the the two directors from uh from fat uh the uh, fat man you know the mel gibson santa claus movie right sure talked about how they were trying to they were trying to get that going for over a decade I mean, that's just what happens. I mean, you have an idea, you have a script and you're trying to pitch it everywhere. You're trying to do it. And sometimes it just things just take a long time. And then, you know, sometimes they'll get to somewhere and not a lot of people hear about it. But, hey, as long as you had a good time and you feel fulfilled about it, move on to the next thing. And, you know, I mean, that's the way it is. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, the one it's very interesting because I think that the world we live in now with the Internet and I've always I guess I'm obsessed with the idea that if you have two hours of time, you can do a number of things with that two hours. You can play video game. You can cruise the Internet. You can watch YouTube videos. You can actually watch a movie. Uh It's still the same two hours of time. But let's say you watch a video game that took five years to produce. Like, Uh say, it's a rock star open world game like Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh You know, they might have worked on that for five years, even longer. And when you sit down and play it, you're like, you're not aware that hundreds of people work for five years to create this game. You just get involved in the game. Or like I worked on this movie, Tango Shalom on and off for five years. And that's the same two hours you spend watching me daily on a YouTube show. And it's still the same two hours of time. So what is, and really at the end of the day, 
It's are you entertained in that two-hour period of time, no matter what you're doing? And so I used to be like, I was totally like snobbish. I'm like, well, I just, I have to work on movies because, (laughs) but then I realized, you know, what you're doing is you're entertaining people. Yeah. And I love movies since I was a little kid and wanted to make them. And I love the process of making movies, Uh but it's a long, difficult process. And if I can sit down and deliver a two hour show on YouTube that people are entertained by, well, isn't that a good thing too? It's the same two hour period of time. But you know, our, 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 our society values you win an Academy Award. Suddenly, it's like, oh my God, you're, you're, you're a deity. Yeah, you, you, you got, you got an Academy Award. What's that like? Yeah. And I'm like, yo, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make my 700th YouTube show. How many people can say they did that? You know, and it's, it's, it's all relative. It really I mean, I'm still is. a movie snob. I just, I'd rather yeah. be working on movies. And but, I, mean, you know, I mean, nowadays, nowadays, it's like, well, you know, when it comes to the Oscars, it seems like people aren't really watching those anymore. If you look at their recent ratings, woo wee. Yeah, I know. I, well, I mean, it's, I, I think that part of the problem was this past year. I mean, if it were up to me, I don't, I don't think I would have had an Oscars because the movies, no one went to the theater. Yeah. And ultimately, that mo- movies are ultimately at the end of the day still that shared theatrical experience. And if you don't have that, how do people get excited it, when you're just watching one streaming show, whether it's a, an episodic or whether you're watching a movie? It's all kind of the same. The playing field, literally, the screen that you're watching on is the same. True. And going out and then being in a, in a movie theater and seeing a film, you know, 80 feet tall or if you're on an IMAX screen or, or, or 30 feet tall, whatever, that makes movies special. And there's a mystique and a mythology and, and to Hollywood. And, and all of that has been sort of stripped away. I think we live in a a society now where everybody just wants to be the same. Like no one's better than anyone else. And and that on one level is fine. But what about, I want to revere people. Like if I met Martin Scorsese, I'd be like, oh my God, dude, you're one of my heroes. Yeah. And I, even though he's shorter than me, I would, I would bow to him. I get on my (laughs) knees and and pray. Oh my, to the film gods. And and, still be taller than him. uh, Well, I I like that. I mean, I like having people that I revere, whether it's Ridley Scott or Quentin Tarantino or, you know, John Woo or, or, (laughs) you know, anybody, all all the the people that I, the directors that I love. Nice pull, man. When was the last time that John Woo actually like, what was the last movie he made? He had a few that were on streaming. Yeah. And, and he's doing really, something now. Um, like you're saying, when it comes to streaming, sometimes you don't hear that it's like, oh, this is a John Woo movie. Right. Kind of just, hey, there's another movie that you can pick up on, you know, Hulu or Netflix or something like that. You know, and, and instead of like seeing like uh, a movie poster or whatever, like, and you see the name, oh, yeah, this is the John Woo film. Yeah, I'm sitting there trying to remember like the last John. I mean, I know there was Paycheck. That was like one of his last. Oh like, yeah, that movies. was with with Ben Affleck. Yes, yes, and Uma Thurman, which was it was a decent. You know, it wasn't a bad flick. I mean, um, no, but I mean, I think you know, it's very funny because yeah. when John Woo, of course, I loved his Hong Kong movies. I mean, I yeah. love things like A Better Tomorrow or uh, or uh, Bull in the Head, and of course yeah. The Killer and, and Hard Boiled, which Hard-boiled. I love. But then they bring him to America and they're like, okay, make a John Woo movie. And his first American movie was Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And the studio's like, what's all this slow motion and people's yeah. jackets fluttering behind them and all the doves? And because it wasn't what they were used to. And so the studio recuts 
hard target and it gets turned into a conventional action movie. And I'm like, but a conventional Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, essentially. Yeah, and it's, but, it's like, oh, where's it's the nice John? Little nice little curly mullet he had in that. I must say. Oh, yeah, right. And he's <laughs> in Louisiana. And, and uh, <laughs> what was interesting about that, though, is for a long time, I have it somewhere. I, I, I haven't seen in 20 years, but I had a, a bootleg videotape of that. That was his director's cut. Oh, wow. And it was very, a lot of people in LA, it was kind of a cool, hip thing to have that. Do you have the director's cut of Hard Target? And I'm like, yeah. And it was cooler because it was much more of a John Woo uh, movie. Yeah. Release the Woo cut. I want to see that. That's for sure. I just remember, I mean, the, the infamous scene in there is where John Claude literally punches a snake in the head. Like he grabs a snake and does his little, yeah, like that. And he punches a snake out which a lot of people I've seen that, you know, use as a, a, a gif or something like that. And then, but then came Broken Arrow. That was kind of like his breakout, right? I would say, was that the next one? Broken Arrow, yeah. It was, and then he did Face Off. Face Off was just, I mean, that's his, to me, that's his, that's his, uh, I mean, I love Broken Arrow too, but Face Off was definitely such a ridiculous plot. And the fact that, but the fact that he had the the two powerhouses of Nick Cage and John Travolta, and, it, and a lot of people don't realize, like the beauty of that movie is like, yeah, the action's great because there's literally four big action sequences in that movie. But the beauty of that is the fact that the characters have to swap roles and they have to right. act with each other. And the people yeah. don't really, they kind of miss that with all the, you know, the doves and the slow motion and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, it's cool. But it's like, do you realize though that both actors do swap and now they, they're like literally walking and try to talk like each other. I mean, Travolta really nailed a cage. And then there's even a mo- like ma- many moments where cage is like, wow, he's doing a good Travolta. And Travolta yeah. didn't really have that distinct, um cadence to him like like cage does but but i think cage still like did a very good job of trying to emulate you know trying to trying to be travolta and that's what's so great about that movie yeah and then you know then he went back to china he actually made a couple of good like the red cliff movies yeah, red cliff one and two are really really good and then uh um he made he made the crossing one and two and i haven't seen those I and then manhunter which is what i think i saw on like netflix Maybe, hmm. um, but uh, Windtalkers, right? Windtalkers. Yeah, he made Windtalkers. He made that's right. He made Windtalkers. Yeah, War Flick. But then, yeah, yep. then, then when yeah, Paycheck. I remember that came out. And then yeah, he just kind of. Oh well, then there's also Mission Impossible Two, which yep. you know, a lot of people revere that maybe as the weakest one in the bunch. I have a I have a special place in my heart for it because when it came out, I thought it was like, you know, I was just big on John Woo and I was all about the slow motion shit. I was all about, you know, I mean, yeah, you watch it and there's some ridiculous, <laughs> I mean, you watch it, it does, it stands out when it, when it comes to the Mission Impossible yeah. franchise, it definitely stands out when it comes to stylistic because when, when they went to three and they went with JJ, went really back to like, okay, let's get to back to where we were at try to do what Brian De Palma tried to do with the first one. Let's try to do that. And then of course, when it came uh, you know, to the other directors and then of course, now we have um, um, what's his name. That's Chris McQuarrie. Yes. I mean, he's doing a great job, obviously, but oh yeah, you watch the mission impossible too. It, it stands out. <laughs> well, it's also kind of, you know, it's, there's a lot of goofiness in it. Oh, pig I pig. mean, riding the front wheel of the motorcycles oh. and all that. It, it's very, it's very overwrought, but there's oh. something about it. 
you know, it has a verve to it. <laughs> it has- really does. And then you got Hans Zimmer, who kind of his score was like a lot more. Okay, it's not going to be as Hans Zimmery as it usually right. is. It, it's got a lot of guitar, a lot of drums, a lot of electronic, like electronica, I guess you say, techno vibe to it. Yeah, I really like love that score. To be honest, I think that's like, you know people don't talk about the Mission Impossible two score uh, too much, and they should because it's actually really good. Yeah, no, I I, I like the movie. It's yeah, it, but it does right. stand out. It totally stands out. But it is very much a John Woo film. Oh yeah, and uh, it, it's I don't know if it's a great Mission Impossible movie, but it's a fun movie to watch if you're a John Woo fan. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, when it comes to Mission Impossible, it's like yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that Tom Cruise is doing where you're like, wait a minute, how did he just achieve that? <laughs> how did right, he just do that kick. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that a good doesn't one. matter. It Just doesn't matter. In. It's it's a it's Tom Cruise. He's doing his thing, but uh, you know, yeah, uh, but yeah, I know. I, I kind of missed the. I kind of missed that. I mean, because there was like a there was like a little moment there in the '90s, probably like the mid '90s, from like '94 to maybe like '98, where there was just like a good chunk of like these '90s action movies, like The Rock. You know, when Michael Bay was starting to like after yeah. Bad Boys, he had The Rock, and I think The Rock is still his you know, best flick. And, you know, you just had that chunk. Yeah. Con air it seemed like Nick Cage and John Travolta were like the, uh, the leaders of that. He had some, oh, yeah. he, had, he had Robert Rodriguez doing his stuff. He had Desperado. There was just like a good little chunk right there with those nineties movie speed, stuff like that. Yeah. And they were fun. You're bashed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bashed. <laughs> uh, about your bashed. We just go home and fuck the prom, prom queen. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I mean, I miss, I mean, nowadays that movie would probably be canceled. <laughs> But um, yeah, for, for that uh, line, for yeah, that for that line. line. I, I mean, I, I I think that there there's there's something to be said for uh, I miss those heady days when studios were releasing Michael Bay movies or or Jack Ryan movies that were good, like Hunt for Red October, yeah. or Clear and Present Danger, uh-huh. and then you would get movie. I mean, the, the, there's I miss that you know that sort of movies that would cost you know fifty to seventy five million. They'd come out like Air Force One. Oh, you know, uh, oh, Harrison, Ford, Harrison Ford doing the fugitive, doing Air Force One, Patriot, you know, games, yeah. Patriot games and the, and the Jack Ryan uh, yeah. uh, clear and present danger. I mean, those movies were they were big and they were beefy and they delivered. Yeah, they were wildly entertaining. I mean, clear and present danger is so good. It is. So, I mean, Hunt for October is so good. Uh, John McTiernan and obviously the Die Hard franchise. And I feel that and even even second tier movies like Schwarzenegger and Commando. That movie yeah. kicks ass. Commando's awesome. <laughs> yes. You know, he's throwing table saw saw blades at dudes and shit like that. I mean, it's exactly. it's a John John Matrix. I mean, that's stuff- <laughs> he's got a he's got a Porsche that's on its side. He could just just push it down. You know. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah. I I miss I miss that. You know that that sort of even even uh, I mean I think of the some a Commando. I always think of as being a canon movie. It's not a canon movie, but even like American Ninja. You know those movies that canon made with Michael Dudikoff and Steve James, or the show Kazuki Ninja Ninja Three: The Domination. You know whatever with the chick. I mean I miss I miss that. Yeah, and I, I I you know I I grew up with that, and I feel that in a way, um, this the studio action film has really gone away and it's been replaced by bigger budget like i look at the like, i'm a huge fast and the furious movie fan i i love like fast five but i, I watch the trailer for fast nine and i look at it and i'm like come on man 
Yeah, I know. None of this but, this is now science. It literally is just science fiction. Physics physics don't matter anymore. And nope. and the, the thing about what I loved about the Fast and the Furious movies for the most part, I mean 5 to me was about outlandish and then by by after 6 the the runways is lasts forever and cars <laughs> are jumping between buildings in 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 Dubai. And yep. while that's fun, I tune out because yes. I did like the fact that the Fast and the Furious movies were I mean you look at the first First movie, it's just cars in LA. That's it. That's it. And I liked it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a remake of Point Break, cars in LA. It's all cool. Totally. Paul Walker is Johnny Utah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have compared it to that. No, I'm with you on that. Like, you know, I'm like, hey, these movies are, you know, they're fun and stuff like that. But then right after seven, I did not like Fate to the Fears. I thought I, I remember getting home from the movies and just taking a nap because I was just exhausted. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, the, the su- nuclear submarines yeah. and torpedoes. I'm like, and, it, what, what, and it's it's on. It bums me out because, uh, like, Fast Five, I thought was great, and the idea of two cars pulling this vault behind them, yeah, that strained credulity. But I bought into it. I liked it. <laughs> Yes. And and that was cool. Lots of urban well, and even that even that opening sequence. I think it was Fast Five, right? Where they go off the cliff and both Vin Diesel and and Paul Walker like launch. Or was that on six? I can't even remember which one that was. Were they like was, going up? Was that six? I think that was six. That was six because five far. begins with the bus. That's right. When they're, when they're okay. taking oh, that's right. Vin they're breaking them out. They're breaking, yeah, they're breaking them out. Them that's out. right. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I. But see, the thing is, I even liked Fast and Furious, which was four, because that mm-hmm. kind of brought. That brought that collided. It was like, all right, now we're gonna get the gang back together, okay? Because we had Tokyo Drift, and you know, which that's I like, still love. I'm a yeah. huge Tokyo there's Drift a unique, fan. There's a unique, you know, it's funny. Like for I think, yeah, uh, probably about I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, my friends that were really into racing loved that movie, so I watched it so many times because it would just be on like either in my house my roommate would have it on because they were all like street racers they like to drift and everything so like i got very familiar with that movie and even though it's cheesy as shit i actually you know it's even it's it's the mission impossible to the fan fast and furious franchise and i like it it's kind of like romeo and juliet you know yeah. the the guy falls in love with the gang leader's girlfriend and it's got the yeah. yakuza in it and it's anything in japan i'll watch you yes, know and it's got exactly. great cars and and uh it's got hot Japanese girls in mini skirts dancing around to Japanese techno. I mean, what's not to love? There's not exactly you just named it all right, but yeah. But then when they got the gang back together, I thought that was cool, and it was kind of like a small movie of like, okay, now it's getting to the territory of like, now it's gonna, you know, it's starting to be less about racing. Now it's about hey, we got to do some stuff. Then it just got to like heist, 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 and then now. It's just, yeah, like you said, it's getting to the science fiction level where I'm like, okay, is Dom just, is he Captain America now? I mean, what, yeah. is he, he's like charging through walls. I mean, he's basically superhuman at this point. And now we got John Cena, who's his brother. <laughs> it's just with a better, with more hair, way more hair, because it's like, hey, he's got right. a head of hair as opposed to Dom. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going to watch it, but I'm, but I'm just kind of going, all right, but. I was well, bringing Han back, so I'm I'm happy. Justice yeah. for Han. <laughs> That's true. He is coming um, back. But it, you know th- those movies are fun. But now, like with Hobbs and Shaw, there's no reality left. And no, if there's, there's no reality, I mean, one of the great things about great car chases, the reason car chases work, is because we've all been in cars. 
Yeah. So we as the audience know what it's like to drive fast and what it would be like if you're in traffic and you're going too fast. And now, well, we've got giant magnets pulling and repelling cars and throwing them through windows or walls. I'm like, that makes that 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 makes no sense. And it it doesn't really work. And so I watch and go, well, it's cool from a I guess from a certain standpoint, the the eight year old kid in me would have liked it but now they've taken away the reality of what it means to be in a fast car driving on the road very fast and that's what you that's what you need and you don't need any or or drifting in a parking garage i mean that would be that becomes exciting Uh or drive dragging a a a a vault behind you in the streets of uh, rio whatever you know and i i i i just think i'm i watched the trailer for fast nine and i want to be excited about it but it's just like so ridiculous yeah it's gotten to the point of ridiculousness and uh you know and 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 like you said too like when it when it comes to like back like the 80s and the 90s with those action flicks i mean a lot of that stuff you watch i mean like and it's just like they did that i mean there's they destroyed <laughs> shit i mean yeah. my god now it's just all vfx now you just do right. VFX, and yeah maybe there'll be they'll flip some cars in the street and stuff like that but man back then they just I mean, you watch stuff like, even if it was models too, I mean, it was oh, kind yeah. of amazing what they used to do with like miniatures. And, you know, when you see like, you know, at the end of speed, you see that subway, like, you know, they, they, they jump the track and it crashes through. I mean, obviously there was, but I mean, they did a, such a great job with all that stuff. I mean, no, it was and, so practical uh, to a sense. Yeah. It was a combination of practical miniatures. I mean, the yeah. Bond films too would do stuff yeah. like that, like living daylights when that, the plane at the climax of the movie, the Mujahideen, and they're they're in Afghanistan, and they've got some great model work when a bridge blows up, and they would intercut that stuff, and you can tell. I mean, I think now we're just so used to computer imagery that yep. it, it, but it you you believe it, uh, <laughs> you believed it back when there was because you can tell your brain still can tell practical from effects were from CG, yeah, and and I think that. One of the things that I really appreciate about like Christopher Nolan is he wants to do everything in camera. Yes. And, and while, yeah, he'll employ visual effects. What he'll do is like, I think one of the great, if you go back to like 1997, when Verhoeven did Starship Troopers, there's a really great combination of physical effects and model work and CG in that movie. And I think it really works for the film. And nowadays I think the real problem is, um, if you're going to make a movie that uses a lot of CG, it really is incumbent upon the director to make you believe. Yeah. And and I don't think that a lot of, you know, so often now films are prevised in advance by the the visual effects companies and, and, and directors are signing off on it, but they, they get so enamored or the studio gets so enamored of these sequences. It doesn't matter how they feel to an audience. And so often, you know, you look at this spectacle and it doesn't, you don't feel anything because you know, I mean, movies are all a trick anyway. Nothing you see in a movie, it's all fake. It's a trick, yeah. But you have to, you have, they have to make you believe, suspend your disbelief. And I, uh, you know, we grew up in a world, I grew up in a world where, because I'm older, (laughs) but the, um, you know, model work and practical effects were, were so cool. They were. You know? I mean, well, I, I mean, every, every it seems like every like four to six months, I always get like a the image of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, uh, you know, the behind the scenes shot that that was an entire model, and I yep. always for some reason that comes across my Twitter feed, and it always warms my heart because Ghostbusters is my all, one of my all time favorite movies ever, and the fact that it's like, yeah, I mean, that's how they did it 
that back then. Now it's all going to be CGI. If the, I mean, we saw the little mini Stay Puffs with uh, Paul Rudd. I mean, obviously that's all, and it looked good. It was fine. It did look good. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like that's how they did it. They literally just built this fucking Stay Puff Marshmallow and on this model of the street, and it just boom, boom, and it's just, it just always warms my heart when I see that image. Yeah, and you know Richard Edlund was shooting his effects plates. They were shooting the effects in sixty-five millimeter. Yeah, you know, so they had that great look to them. Yep. That sort of, and you, you could you, you could tell the difference between like Richard Edlund's effects company and say ILM because ILM would shoot thirty-five VistaVision and and uh, um, Richard Edlund was shooting like anamorphic sixty-five millimeter, and you'd get a different look uh-huh. to the effects. Like Richard Edlund did the effects. Like in Die Hard, at the end when the top of the Nakatomi building blows and you see John McClane jump off the building and you see that Huey there, the Huey wasn't there. No. You know, and the, and the compositing, exactly. it's so great. You you look at that stuff and go, wow, those were like real seamless effects work that's a combination of, you know, composites, model work, and a real big explosion that they did practically. Yeah. And now everything is just, it's all CG. And and <laughs> I and I, I think when I you, you watch a movie like Tenet, there's no... You're not looking at digital shots. It's it's all there's some element of it that's always real, and yeah. you feel it in your soul. You do, you do. <laughs> you feel it right in your core. You just feel that rumble. I mean, yeah. When I and especially when we watch Tenant, I mean, I had a, I mean, I literally had a drive to San Diego to go watch it on, you know, in an IMAX. Me and my bride, I told my brother, I'm like, hey, because you know when it came out last summer, I was like, hey. Apparently San Diego has it. You want to go? And he was like, let's do it. So we, we trucked it all the way to San Diego about an hour and a half from where I'm at. And uh, yeah, just to watch it on IMAX. And my God, I mean, it was just so satisfying. I mean, I know some people were kind of like iffy about like, well, I don't exactly know what happened with it. You know, stuff like that. But like, yeah, but did you appreciate that Christopher Nolan just kind of just like, he just, you felt all the action sequences right here. You felt it. Yeah. You know, I know it was loud as shit, but still, you felt it right here, man. You felt it. I, I walked out and I felt like my abs were sore. <laughs> oh, no, no. Butt. And, you know, all that, when when they get on boats and go to a yes. yacht, it's like a real boat and a real yacht, you know, in a real bay somewhere. And, and you feel it. And I, you know, I think that, I mean, not to harp on this, but uh, the first two Star Wars movies. Yeah. You know, they went to Tunisia, you know, and they went to a glacier in Norway yes. or they went to the California Redwoods. And then when you watch like, yeah, in the Phantom Menace, they might have shot on Lake Cuomo. But so much of it when Lucas was developing that technology and you're filming against a green screen and everything, you feel it. You feel that it's it's not you're not there, you know, and 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 it might be something that you're subconsciously aware of. But I think it takes away from the experience you know yeah. the, mo- the movies don't make you where star wars the reason when it first came out especially it made you believe you know when you went to moss Eisley, that was like some shithole east texas truck stop somewhere in the dusty there's nothing you know in 100 miles it's the only place you stop yeah. and now with the special edition there's rontos around and there's jawas all over the place and shit's floating through the air and you're like i don't I don't believe this anymore because yeah. it used to look because it was real. You know, they, yeah. they built this stuff and it was real. And now when you go back and you watch it, the, the whole, you don't need to see his identification. It's, it's, well, there's so much else going on in the frame. The tension of what's ap- actually happening of Obi-Wan using the force is kind of diminished a little bit. And, and I, I it's kind of a bummer because you took something that I, as I like to say, had peak verisimilitude. And then by, by putting in CG where it didn't used to be, 
with technology that didn't even exist when Star Wars was first made, it shatters that illusion. And it, it was a bummer because I think the reason Star Wars, part of the reason it caught on for the first 20 years of its its existence before the special edition is because it made you believe, man. Really you it believe really that shit. And like those giant sets, like when you were on the Death Star, like that was a big set when the Millennium Falcon, there's like a, a Millennium Falcon on the set, you know, yeah. and they've built a set around it. So you're in the Death Star and you're like, man, this is awesome. And they, they would combine matte paintings and actual sets and it would be, the set wouldn't be virtual. It would be half and half or something. And the illusion was such that you're like, this is amazing. The Death Star is real. Yeah. They're, they went and shot there, man. They were up there. Like, seriously, it felt like it. No, yeah. And then I think like, uh, you know, and I, and I kind of appreciated that, you know, when JJ came for Force Awakens, I know he, they really made a, a, a point of like, hey, we're going to try to do as much practical effects as possible. Right. And, you know, for the most part, I think he did, you know, when it came to Force they, Awakens, when it comes to the new trilogy, I mean, I, that's my, that's the, that's my favorite out of the new trilogy. I think a lot of people might agree with that. But, uh, um, but I think he actually did a pretty good job of blending, you know, you know, the I, VFX, you know, CGI with practical i would agree uh, i yeah. just wish the script was better <laughs> yeah i, I wish mean, it I... wasn't i I mean, I mean if you're a kid let's say you're a kid born like you're five years old right now right yeah. and your dad or mom's gonna sit down and show you the star wars trilogy in order or the star the skywalker saga all nine movies and you know you're watching them like night after night and you go from return of the jedi to force awakens <laughs> And like, any kid's going to be like, well, wait a, yeah, wait a minute, what happened? Where's the First Order? They, who allowed them to build Starkiller Base? Why are our heroes such idiots? They, they, they toppled the Empire, and yet the next movie, there's this First Order, and they're within <laughs> striking distance of the... What? Yeah, who, what? The, what? Luke, that's, where, Han, that's, Leia. Where you just, that's where you just show the Mandalorian and be like, hey, here, this is something... Yeah, I, I mean, but it's, it's such a weird... To me, it was yeah. it's such a weird thing, because it's like, okay, it's 30 years later, Mm-hmm. you know in real time and yet you basically make all of our classic characters look like douchebags because they allowed the first order and everybody to come back like who allowed how long did it take to build star killer base <laughs> how much a little bit how I mean, many resources it would have been the biggest constru- base. <laughs> the biggest yeah. construction job in in the galaxy everybody would have known about it and yet yeah. uh and it, apparently the gun can only fire one direction <laughs> like yeah. i'm like Little uh, you know, the Death Star can move 365 degrees. So if you want to blow up a planet that's like down there, but if you're Starkiller base and apparently your beam weapon can now turn like it yeah. can fire this way, but somehow it changes direction where you watch it come this way in the sky. I'm like, wait a minute, bruh. <laughs> come on now. On here. You know, we're going to like a little, well, you, you know, those guys, they always have that little design flaw, you know, just like, just like they put that, they have that little vent, you know, in the in the whatchamacallit just to, you know that they could just fit you know two little torpedoes you know they always have a little design flaw in their uh yeah in their designs it seems but um um so what uh what i want to talk to you too about is like yes, now where where everything is uh kind of headed or where everything kind of well i mean it was always going to be headed to streaming services you know we we already kind of talked about this a little bit and plus uh Symfinity wanted me to also ask you about your hot toys collection apparently it's uh, amazing and I, i've heard about it too i heard you got a pretty good i mean obviously we could see stuff in your background but uh, of course he uh mentioned that like yeah you got a pretty good collection there so <laughs> it's funny the only the actually only hot toy that you can see behind me yeah is the james dean Right there, okay. And yeah, that James Dean. Everything else is from third parties or like the. There's a Michael Corleone right here that I recently got. 
And then there's a Green Goblin that's a third-party figure from the original movie that I recently got, and I got the other day that Maximus, nice. which is a great, great, great figure. But I don't have nearly the collection that some other people do like justin who i stream with justin he's he buys like every hot toy and i i i I probably have somewhere between two and three hundred yeah uh action figures yeah um and they're not all hot toys because i've been buying stuff for for a long time but i mean i it's interesting to me because i love um i i've always loved action figures since I was a little kid and I used, oh, yeah. cause I used to make up stories with them and play with them incessantly. And we all did. Uh, yeah, it was, it was like th- that thing, but the, now we get, when I was a kid, I was always disappointed. I've told this story so much, but <laughs> I was always like, why, why does this Han Solo not look like Han Solo? Yeah. Like why? And, 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 and even now with a hot toys face sculpt, if it's not good, I'm like, what, you couldn't get it right now. You couldn't do, but, but the toys that we have now yeah. are, they're amazing and as a middle-aged man with one foot in his grave i'm like well damn it i've had to wait this long get these awesome toys yeah you know what's funny is like you know going back to my childhood i got really into power rangers i remember when those figurines came out i mean they were this fucking big and they They were great figures dude they i mean those first round of power rangers that they had i mean they first off you couldn't find them anywhere they just when when they they put on the shelf you could not they were gone they were gone. I, I got lucky enough where I showed up at a Toys R Us and in like a cart. You know how like sometimes there's always like a random like cart that just has a pile of yep. shit in it yep. that, that needs to be shelved. Uh, yep. I walked in and there was a Dragonzoid with, you know, that came with a Green Ranger. And I saw it. And this was right before, of course, Christmas. And I took my mom like, mom, 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 mom. She goes, no, 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 no. It's co- too close to Christmas. So then I go and, you know, you know, just like you talked about, you know, action figures, I'd always make my way to the action figure row of Toys R Us or whatever. And I remember I came back. Guess what was missing from that cart? The uh-huh. Dragonzoid. And then, of course, that Christmas, guess what I got? And so I was lucky enough to actually get one of those. But, man, those figurines were like, I mean, they were big, and they had a lot of, I mean, everything moved. The fingers moved. Everything moved on those toys, man. Yeah, they, they were, were great. Yeah, they were absolutely great. But, yeah, like you said, it's yeah, it seems like some of the stuff has gotten a lot better, too. But uh, you know my my collection's not nearly as as elaborate. I mean, I'm a big Funko Pop guy, obviously. Yeah. Which a lot of people are, but I just thought I'd bring that up because uh, Infinity was like, "You got to ask him about his toy collection." Toy yeah, collection. I mean, I, I, but I, you know, I still because they inspire me in terms of because all the great toys were are usually I like characters from movies and TV shows, but they were yeah. all written by somebody, yeah. performed by somebody, the costume. Uh, the design team the costumer came up with the great costumes so a great like hot toys really they make star wars marvel some random movie figures dc figures yeah. and when you get them they represent they represent what's great about the movies yes or or tv shows and and they they're in, they're inspirational and um i had an old office where my desk was facing at this beautiful display case actually there's a video of it on my on the burnett work channel rmb's hot toys but i made it I made it actually for the hundredth episode of Heroes. I did it overnight one night, and I, mm-hmm. I showcased my figures. But I used to sit across from this giant display case that you can see, so I was always looking at them. And there were times when, you know, I would be like working on a project or something, and I'm thinking about, well, how do we surmount this? And I would look at one of the figures and go, oh yeah, like in that movie there was a scene where this happened. Yeah, and then it would, I'd be like, we should do something like that, and then you could 
plan something or cut something in the way that, and it was always very inspirational to look at those figures. Yeah. So. Yeah, indeed. Like, like one of the newest ones I got was like this Marty McFly figure right here. I mean, it's, it's got, I mean, it's got a skateboard, it's got his backpack. Is that the hot toys Marty McFly? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got like, and I want to get the uh, 2015 version too. And they have, of course, Doc, they have Biff. I kind of want to get them all, but I mean, like, I mean, it's funny too, because I have them propped up right here, but man, if I even shake this shelf a little bit, Man, yeah, that looks like fun. the ne- those look like the NECA version. Those aren't six scale. I can't even remember like what what exactly it was, but I think yeah, you might be right about. Yeah, that. they've they've got like I want to get the Hot Toys made a Delorean, a six scale Delorean. That's no shit. You know, like, and shoot. I I just never got it. I, they're yeah. re releasing the um the Tumblr from Batman Begins, Ooh. and uh, you know now there's third party figures. Like I just I've had it sitting back here, but I got my uh six scale Land Speeder from Star Wars. Nice. That's uh, it's it's and this this is made by um, uh, it's right here. Yeah, look at that. Look at and, that. Uh, I mean, it, nice. it's this is made by a a, a father and son that, team in the Netherlands. Awesome. Wow, it's, it's pretty cool, and um, they make a lot of they make a lot of great stuff. I'm waiting for uh, they've made a six scale Millennium Falcon cockpit. <laughs> and it's gigantic i mean it's yeah. it's huge and it fits it's it's absolutely uh almost perfectly screen accurate although it doesn't have the hanging han solo's hanging di- dice but people make those so you can put it in but i uh, you know it's it takes you, you take years to get that and i i think I, I i paid it off over a year and then it was paid off a year ago and then you have to wait until they get through the line and manufacture it because it's just two guys doing that and they're they're making like all kinds of sets like you can buy a uh uh the they have a gantry from empire strikes back where vader and luke battled when he gets his arm chopped off Uh and it's for it's for six scale figures so you got the gantry you can mount it to a wall and it you know the gantry things light up and you can you can (sighs) display it with the pieces intact or after vader's wiped through them and you know, I'm like, how can you not want that? You know, and you. Well, can- I mean, like when it comes to stuff like that, I mean, I feel like Hans Gruber when he, when he sees the models in Nakatomi, and he oh, just talks about like this detail. Beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, I used to make it. models retention when I was a boy. Yeah, retention to detail. You know, it's just stuff. I mean, like that's that's how I get when I see that shit. I'm just like, yeah, there's something about. When they scale it down, I mean, even though it still could be, it's just the, the details that go into that stuff. It's just, it's pretty damn, it's pretty damn gnarly. And uh, Eric Z wanted to ask you about, speaking of metal and hard rock, which of the most influential genre and which is your uh, personal favorite, Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, and or Deep Purple? Ooh. Oh, well, my favorite of those is Led Zeppelin, but I wouldn't think that, I wouldn't say that Led Zeppelin's the most metal. I think Black Sabbath no, is probably Black the Sabbath. most metal. Well, I mean, they kind of started it. I mean, we, you yeah. talk, when, if you, if, if anybody knows the history, I mean, to, Tony, like he was working at what, uh, a steel, a steel mill or whatever the hell. And he got put on like a, uh, to cut, to cut some, uh, I, I forgot exactly what he was doing, but he was cutting like steel or cutting like sheets of steel or something like that. And he cut off like the tips of his uh, fingers. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he had to like put this like rubber shit on. And so when it came to playing, he had to down tune his guitar to get that metal vibe. And that's pretty much where metal kind of came from, which is by, all by an accident. <laughs> yeah. And I, look, I think the most, when you talk about what's the most influential genre, I think, I think, I would say 
it's all kind of influential rock and roll right. in general because it all it all feeds into things and if you if you watch the evolution of rock and roll came out of the blues and then it sort of evolved into what was going on in the 50s and then in the 60s it really started to change and evolve and it became part of the counterculture movement and you know if you were going to drop acid or LSD, you know, take LSD, whatever, then you had acid rock and things like Jefferson Airplane. And then, of course, the Beatles and their transition from kind of this bubblegum pop band into the most influential, you know, rock band in the world. And then bands like Led Zeppelin when they began and then moving into the 70s and how all that changed. And so I think just rock and roll is yeah. is is all of it. And and the different subgenres like I, I consider metal a subgenre of rock and roll and just like alternative and even grunge and all that, it's still rock and roll. It still is. You know? and, and, and there's still some, you know, when you hear those riffs sometimes, I mean, yeah, like you said, when it comes to even grunge, you can even hear, I mean, I think even sound, I, w- I would say Soundgarden when it came to oh, yeah. grunge era, they were more, I mean, they started off more like, you know, Chris Cornell was all about you know, that kind of genre. And you can, you could hear that in some of their, their music i mean but you know when it comes to that kind of music i I think it's just you know when it comes to trends and everything you know it was all about hair bands and spandex and fucking makeup and then it was like all right now we're gonna go completely the other way now it's gonna be all not showering and fucking flannel shirts right (laughs) well it was you know it's such a strange thing because to me when you think of a lot of the hair metal bands were glam rock you know you know you came out of things like the new york dolls and and there was a lot of influence there but then it was it was a party vibe you know those hair metal bands were hot chicks yeah party on even pantera started off kind of like that direct if you could like look at like deep pantera before they got pantera they i mean you look at a a group shot they look like a almost like a hair like a 80s hair metal band i remember that blew me away when uh my friend was like oh yeah you should see like before you know before they you know in the 90s pantera when it was like that's the Pantera that everybody knows. They were trying to cut. I looked like they were trying to be that. And they were like, nope, that's not us. Let's try to right. be this, you know? And, uh, and, and then they became that. And it was just like, okay, yeah, that's, that's the metal that we remember. We don't want to, we don't need to see that group shot again, because it was, it was interesting to see that it blew my mind. Yeah. And that's no, why I, a lot of bands like Metallica, cause they were like totally against that. You know, they were like, no, we're not that we're going to wear, jean jackets and you know fucking you know jean uh all that stuff you know no and i i think that's that that was i i just i miss the days of any band that are playing rock and roll <laughs> you know people yeah. with instruments Seriously. Uh, you know you know you uh, it's funny people people say oh they're just like led zeppelin but i i'll watch greta van fleet and i'll be like all right it's uh it's a rock band you know yeah. and, and and it's i let they have a new album out and great i can i can rock out uh and i it, it's to me it's such a strange thing because that music you know we all listened to when we were growing up without the internet you had a favorite radio station you and your friends all listened to the same stuff yeah and and it really bonded everyone and then when they when whatever your favorite band would come to town. You'd all go to the concert together and it, it was cultural. And now I feel like everything is, there's so much now there's mm-hmm. so many things. It's kind of all fragmented and, and everybody's can be into their own thing and it can be wildly diverse and all that. But I feel like, you know, pop music, whether it was rock and roll, whether it was new wave, whether it was disco, whatever it was, it bonded people together. 
Yeah. And I think now they're uh, I'm uh, maybe because I'm older and don't see it, but you know, hip hop does that, but uh, it, there's so much to listen to now. And, and really I think is. younger people can, li- they're listening to things 50 years that are 50 years old. You know, they're going back and discovering Zeppelin or they're listening oh, yeah. to something. They're listening to all kinds of music because it's all available. You know, you hit uh, uh, shuffle on a Spotify, Spotify, and you just and you find never know. Them. Yeah, yeah. You you never know what you're gonna get. Yeah, and um, it, it's uh, I, you know, I kind of miss those days. I used to be really, really, really into music. Uh huh. And and I I'm just not anymore. Yeah, it, it's it, weird because it, I've gone back to like yeah. film soundtracks. You know, I used to listen to uh, as a kid. I listened to film soundtracks like after Star Wars came out. That's all uh-huh. I listened to. Then when I got into like junior high. Uh, and I had a paper route. I started listening to rock because I would make mixtapes on my Walkman, you know, and because it, it took me about an hour to do my paper route. So I have tapes 30 <laughs> minutes aside and I would make my paper route tapes. And it was usually like, here's a Rolling Stone mixtape or it was Pink Floyd or it was the Beatles or the Doors or something. And and those were those were bands that were not contemporary because they were before they were when I was younger, but I would listen to them. And then it led me, you know, I got into alternative and then college radio and, and all that. And all through the I was a huge Prince fan. And now it's gotten back to the point where, well, nope, I'm back to where I was between the time I was 10 years old and 13. All I listened to is movie soundtracks, which yeah. is an old movie that. soundtracks, too. Yeah. You know, where I've got my own Spotify playlist of, of uh, I have the Spotify playlist. I keep adding to it. It's like eight hours long now. It's <laughs> it's just it's just a compilation of different um movie movie soundtrack songs organized in sort of a strange way yeah it's funny because uh one of my one of my good buddies you know like every uh, you know every few weeks i I just go over to his house and you know of course we're drinking and everything like that and then it gets to the wee hours and all we do is just listen to music and he's like a big metal head so he'll just introduce me to somebody like somebody but like sometimes it's just like all right, show me something unique. And every now and again, yes, it's unique. Like he introduced me to Ghost, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's something. There's something very different about Ghost." And then it got to the point where, like, I've seen Ghost live now like twice. Where I'm going, <laughs> "Yeah, I, I'm digging the vibe here because it's not because some of the stuff he'll show me is just," and I'm like, "Okay, cool. I like it, but it just sounds like what you showed me before." Yeah, and like, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I appreciate that. I'm not a fan of like black metal, you yeah. know, or, or, or death metal, whatever, because to me, it's not, it, it, it kind of all, and I'm, again, I'm not a connoisseur of it. I, I, maybe I don't understand it if I knew, knew more about it, but it's not, it's not melodious. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's something that, that it, it, like you, you, you listen to a Zeppelin song, you know, or you listen to a, a pick your favorite, like Van Halen, uh-huh. you know, when you, when you hear a Van Halen riff, like you know, I don't know Panama or something. Yeah, I mean you can't help, uh, and I don't know. I've never read any reports on this, but a classic guitar riff, mm-hmm. um, like even Heart, like uh, Barracuda. That's what I just exactly the riff I went to right there because that's a riff that is so distinct that you go, oh yeah, Heart. Yeah, and and what's interesting about that you can't help but like. You know, it's like a, a groundhog on Groundhog Day when a groundhog sticks his head up and looks around. It's like when you hear a great guitar, if you just want to go, you know, it, it, oh, it, it's like you're like, yeah, man. Or, or uh, smells like teen spirit. You know, that was a guitar riff. Dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. You know, and you <laughs> and, and you can't help but be like, 
And I, I feel that that's something that has kind of been lost. Oh yeah. You know, and, and there was something, there's a form and function that, that, we, and I feel that way about a lot of things and, and not to be like, well, back in the old days, I don't think back that's, in my day when, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think that's what it is. It was like when you, when you, like I had friends in Seattle, I grew up in Seattle where, you know, grunge was born. And the reason people wore flannel was because everybody practiced in their garage. And during the winter <laughs> garage doors were left open mm-hmm. and you, you would, cause everyone would be getting hot, you know, as you're shredding and practicing and, so people wore flannel because it was warm and it was uh, easy to move around in. Yeah. So that just became something that people wore. And then when you go to, you know, you'd go to a grunge concert or your rock club or something in Seattle, it was just cold, man. So people were always wearing their flannel or, or they would just take their shirts off entirely, whatever, if yeah. the rock club was hot. And then it was so funny to me that that became like, come to JC Penney's and get your grunge flannel. <laughs> such a weird it's so weird you know <laughs> and uh uh but yeah i mean uh, but now i feel like when i was a, like in high school like in the 80s music was so diverse oh yeah because you know you go to the record store and i might pick up like a new order album or i get some prince and i get some van halen and or or berlin or something and you would you it would all be part of the same thing like yeah. i'd listen to i had a lot of goth records like bauhaus or christian death or something and i would i love that stuff yeah and you buy all kinds of different things because the music was so interesting uh, it, whether it was you know you went and bought 1999 or, or prince with his electronic drum sound that was very unique to to him and then you'd you'd buy a prince record or then you'd go buy go buy like a cocteau twins record or something some really alternative for on the 4ad label or uh and i liked it all you know it was it was it was so interesting and exciting and i i feel that i mean there's a lot of music still being made because people can self-distribute it but you don't it's hard to go you have to look you have to start scouring the internet and you can find a lot of interesting stuff but then it you know if you're not buying it that's you don't have thing. that artifact you're not taking well, home yeah. and puzzling it over it and and, and looking at it reading the liner notes oh, or whatever yeah. i remember i remember going to warehouse there was stores called the warehouse yep. kids um that you know you could go and just like hey like, you know purchase some music but then you know bringing it back to movies i mean <laughs> the days of my mom going let's go to the video store whether it was the local fox video that was right down the street or whether it was a blockbuster i mean especially a blockbuster blockbuster was like disneyland you walk into that shit you're like oh you know you're just you're seeing it all you're seeing the movie posters you're like oh my god what am i gonna get today you know and you were disappointed when you saw the cover you're like i want to get that but there was no little casing behind it because they were all rented out already yeah yeah. Well, and also no, too, you know, when you went to a video store, you went someplace, <laughs> and then you you made a choice. See? You know, you you were weighing things like you're like, man, eh, this isn't, and and so when you made your choice, this was up to you. You know, you made this choice, and you went home and you played it and you watched it, and everybody maybe you'd watch it twice or something. Yeah. Now, and and if if it if it wasn't as good as you thought, you still would power through it and watch the whole thing. Now, if something doesn't grab you in five minutes on streaming, you're like, man. Eh, I'll go to something else. Exactly. And, and, know, and there, there needs to be like a virtual reality like program, like an Oculus. They need to like put this thing where you're literally like instead of just like going boop and just placing that, you're literally walking into the video store, walking around and trying to find, you know, try to find like uh, you know, something like uh 
uh, um, hey, oh yeah, you know what? I want something old and eighties and sci-fi. Oh my God. Uh, from beyond. Yes. Let me get that movie. Uh, that looks weird. Look at the cover. You know, and what's great is you watch from beyond, you see beautiful Barbara Crampton, like a leather bustier doing some crazy shit. And then you can go find her on Twitter and say, I just watched from beyond. It's still <laughs> awesome. And she'll write you back. Yes, she so is right. very. Yes, I noticed that. Um, I forgot exactly where when, but I remember I was like looking. Uh, oh, yeah, she's very responsive when it comes to her, like when it comes to Twitter, she will respond to you. Yes, <laughs> and by the way, from beyond, if anybody has not seen that, do yourself a favor. That is a classic 80s uh horror sci fi that you should definitely watch. That has and, a lot uh, of crazy trans uh transgressive shit in it, too. Oh my god, <laughs> I, I watched that. I remember the first time I watched that was at my Nana's house. When I was a kid, we were visiting, yes, my Nana's house. We watched that. She was disgusted by it, of course. And for some reason, my dad just put it on, <laughs> whatever. And I remember just being frightened by it, but I was so intrigued by it just because like, I mean, literally there was like a part where like the guy is literally just, I'm just snacking on a human brain because I'm all fucked up. And my head, my head is bald because this creature that I summoned from the great beyond, like try to swallow me whole. And now I'm just, you know, hungry for brain. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And there's the, there's the sex too. Oh yeah. The sex too. And, and yeah. I, and I feel like, like in a way, in a way we're like a little bit an more awkward pure, game. We're puritanical now. It yeah. seems like things are more puritanical. Like you can't, there are places you can't go. Like, you know, I love modern. There's a lot of great modern horror. I think of movies like The Witch or oh, yeah. uh, Karen Kusama's The Invitation or The Ritual or, or stuff like that. But they're decidedly not sexy. Yeah. You know, where whereas like you, I, 1983, the Tony Scott's The Hunger, his first movie, it opens with Bauhaus playing Bella Lugosi's Dead, which is kind of the stairway to heaven of goth music. You know, and you've got you've got the Bauhaus that went on to become part of that band became Tones on Tail and then Love and Rockets. And then you've got Peter Murphy as the front man who, who went on and had his solo career. But, you know, you're you're in a, a goth club. And what happens in that opening scene? David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve pick up these two hot people, seduce them and kill them. And then, you know, and then, of course, Susan Sarandon gets seduced by Catherine Deneuve in that movie and this amazing, beautifully shot lesbian seduction, a vampire lesbian scene, which you can't go wrong with. Let's face it. You can't. I mean, all the way. And, and there was so much of that in the 70s. Yes. You know, everything well, from I mean, John Rowland and Daughters of Darkness and some Hammer films. I mean, we've lost all that. We've bled all of that because I guess we're, you know, it's part I mean, of one of my, one of my what, I mean, my bar none, my my favorite uh, uh, horror film is The Original Evil Dead. Um the scene where you know in the forest where oh the forest has has their way, you could not do that. <laughs> it literally it's just like and that final shot when oh, when the, the tree just goes. I mean, yeah. it's that is that is some. You know, it's funny when Evil Dead came out before I had seen it because it was hard to see. Stephen King had come out like in the pages of Fangoria and talked about the Evil Dead. Yeah. And how much how much you loved it, and how it was really hard hitting, and it was one of these things where you had to go see it, and and it it was you know it was scrappy and low budget, but it was it was fucking great. Oh, I so loved cool. Evil Dead because it was oh, just yeah. once it gets wound up, it's relentless, dude. Uh, I ended up working on Army of Darkness. I Did worked you? on Army. Yeah, I was oh, in. Shit. I worked for Tony Gardner uh, in makeup effects, and Tony nice. Gardner created all the Evil Ash stuff for uh, Bruce Campbell. That's cool. And it was, I mean, I was on that set in Acton where the castle was. It was amazing. I bet. 
I bet. It was great. Well, what's funny about that trilogy, though, and I always like, oh, like, it was always funny because anytime, you know, you got First Evil Dead, like I said, it was bare bones. It was so raw. And just what 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 Raimi did with that. I mean, he just utilized every little thing that he could. And like oh. I said, when it when it when it kicks in and, you know, you got Bruce Campbell just doing this, you know, just going through. I mean, all the way to the point where, like, you know, he goes up to the mirror and it's water. I mean, you could t- tell how they did that. But just to ha- just, oh. you just you appreciate the shots that he did. I mean, the, the, tr- the shots with the score and like you see the camera dragging with the score. Ramey did such a great job with that original. Oh, I love even things like the the ticking clock, yes. the grandfather Pops. clock, and and when you see the camera from the inside when it's going yeah. back, it's like <laughs> <laughs> the sound effects are so awesome. I mean, it's okay. Oh, I recently rewatched that uh, movie with my girlfriend Elizabeth, and it's mm-hmm. it's still great. Oh, it's I mean, creepy, it's man. so much fun to any, to, any, to watch. Anyone that I've shown that, like you know girlfriend wise they get freaked out you know with the whole it's like it's i mean i and 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 i think i even read too like sam raimi said like oh yeah we just strapped the camera to a fucking two by four and just ran through the fucking forest with that shot of the point of view of like the evil presence and it oh yeah works like at the beginning it opens with that shot over the water you know it's just like two dudes holding the camera it's like on a board yes like you know and they're just walking through the water but then the camera's like and they put the Uh sound effect on it it's i mean and then you you even appreciate the like the claymation the stop motion like uh, animation at the end where everything's going yeah it looks yeah nowadays to now standards but you appreciate it you appreciate it when you watch that now well it's and it's so gonzo because from one second to the next they're using all different kinds of techniques and throwing everything but the kitchen sink at you and it's just it's so much fun and sort of the lo-fi gonzo nature of it all and the and the demons they're just relentless yes you know when you see the little baby doll girl going you know i mean it's it's creepy and weird i mean she looks like a raggedy andy doll or and doll and it's and then the next minute you've got this demon coming up from the floor yeah she's smashing well, trying to smash I, open the that's chain that's what's so great about it is like the demons were different they weren't all the same you know you had like right. a, and then you had the oh, 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 you know and everything and i mean that's but what, what was also funny about that trilogy was the fact that you go to Evil Dead 2 and they do a recap and it was like, wait a minute, did you just retcon Evil Dead the first They Evil totally Dead? did. And I, you know what? It that always uh, look, I it love Evil me. Dead 2. I, I love Evil Dead 2. Yeah. But then they you know they it, they took it in this more overtly comedic oh, yeah. direction that oh, I know, yeah. but but as an Evil Dead fan, as an Evil Dead purist, I'm like, oh and I know first the Evil studio. Dead. The studio's like no one's seen the first Evil Dead, so you got to retell it. You got you got to tell the because it was I think it was De Laurentiis Entertainment mm-hmm. Group was doing it, and Universal was putting it out. And I'm like, when I saw it, I like Evil Dead too, but it's not Evil Dead one. No, not by a long shot. Because it's, yeah, it's, like you said, it gets the comedic, and then they even retcon that too. Because when he goes back in time and then blows away that the, the demon, and everybody cheers at him, and they're like, and that's how it ends. And then when you open with Army of Darkness, he's in chains. And it's like, wait right. a minute, did they just retcon it again? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but then we got Ash versus the Evil Dead. Now they're oh, talking about making a, a Evil Dead great. four. I just love that the franchise continues because Evil Dead came out like eighty one, crazy, you know. And you, you Classic, and, and and that was another thing. I mean, horror movies in the eighties too were all over the place. There's all different. Like you had slasher movies, yes, and within the slasher genre, you had like 
like Cropsy and the Burning, and then you had Fantasy Slasher with the Nightmare on Elm Street, and then mm-hmm. you had a series, which is actually the first five Nightmare on Elm Street movies are so much fun to watch because again, totally the fantasy sequences and the Birds kills, they're yeah. so much good. Yeah, Dream Warriors is oh, great. Dream Warriors. That's, so that's good. my favorite one. So my so good. Song. Something about that's a good it. song too. Dream yeah. Warriors. Um, <laughs> yeah. but then and then you had like obviously the Halloween films, which are more sort of grounded. And then the Friday, the 13th movies where Jason was unstoppable. And then as you moved into the eighties, we got Stuart Gordon doing reanimator, which is twisted and bizarre and, and goofy all at the same time. And, Uh and so there was a mention from beyond. You have like stuff like that where it's just, yeah. Yeah. And it was all, it was all part. And you couldn't, as a fan, if you loved horror, well, one day we're going to get an American werewolf and then you're going to get John Carpenter's the thing, you know, and you, you, there was so much diversity in the kind of horror films that we were getting. And that was, what was so cool. Like, like, you know, I was talking about the summer of 1982 mm-hmm. and in the space of May and June, all of these. So between May and June. So within the space of basically two months, you had Conan, the barbarian star Trek to the wrath of Khan poltergeist et the road warrior tron blade runner and the thing they all came out they actually all came out within 45 days of each other that is insane to think about that is i mean it 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 was and that was i mean you couldn't get enough no you know and and every time you went to the movies it was nowadays uh, it looks like it's it's so weird how people like that thing looks like it sucks but back then we didn't know what was happening you know you hadn't seen trailers weren't on the internet so you'd go into the theater and all you were was excited yep you know and then when you'd see something like like i knew the road warrior was a sequel to mad max because i'd seen mad max but nothing prepared me like i'm sitting in the theater i'm like this shit is dope i mean the the action scenes in there and it, it, it more it's much more post-apocalyptic than mad max was and i'm like this is incredible and then what are you gonna go see now well why don't we go see conan again Jeez. okay and this week what's opening well et is having a public sneak well what's that it's a new spielberg movie do you know anything about it no Let's and then you'd go, and by the end of it, you're crying like a baby. <laughs> now everybody knows everything about it. Yeah. You know, let's watch spoiler channels a year before the movie's going to come out. And by the time the movie comes out, I know all about this movie. I know. That's, that is that is a sad fact. And I'm as guilty as the next guy. I'm like, I know. So am I. The trailer drops at 9 a.m. I'm like, I got to I gotta see that shit right now. Yeah, exactly. Give it to no, me. We're, we're all there. We're all there. I mean, that's where we're at right now. I mean, um, I mean, but then you get like little surprise little hits like okay like wait all of a sudden everybody's talking about this like yesterday i i was like all right uh apparently the season finale is happening today i'm gonna binge everything invincible have you watched invincible yet <laughs> i've read the comics yeah okay you need to watch I, I, I have to catch up i have to watch the season finale but i know oh what, my god I, were you surprised oh my god yes <laughs> see that's the thing that's the thing i didn't read the comics so I was going in fresh and I kept hearing about it. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to like watch the whole thing now, just all the way to the end. And I stayed up till about midnight last night and watched the whole thing. And I mean, it was kind of funny because when it comes to Invincible, like the first episode is kind of run by the numbers, generic. And I yeah. think that's what they were going for because it was like, oh, yeah, you got this kid who's the son of, uh, you know, and he's going to learn his powers. And it was kind of like, all right. I kind of even like even halfway through, I went, all right, this is not as cracked up as I thought people were making. And then all of a sudden it ends or like it does a little, you know, like mid credit scene. And I'm like, oh, okay, 
this is the fucking <laughs> show right here. Okay, now I get it. And then the the show just took off, and I I could not stop watching. And I just was like, all right, I'm in it. I'm gonna watch the whole thing. And you know, you you you'll still get surprised by something like that every now. And it's so satisfying when that actually happens. And I was like, thank God. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I nowadays only because you know being on YouTube, you and doing like the John Campia show, you're covering all this stuff. Yes. Like you have to watch, but like I remember in '99, uh, the Matrix was coming out, mm. and I'm like, I'm like, ah, the, you know, the Wachowskis. I'd like, I liked Bound, but I was thinking, you know, Keanu Reeves was in this movie called Johnny Mnemonic, which was yes. a cyberpunk movie that was directed by Robert Longo, who's an artist, and I like, hey, it was not very good. Nah. And I'm like, okay, well, they're screening the Matrix on the Warner Brothers lot here, and I would go. It was in the new Steve Ross Theater. The theater uh-huh. kicked ass, so I'm like, all right, I'll go. You know, and I, I didn't, I, I think I'd seen the trailer, which looked cool, but I didn't know anything about it. I remember the but, first time I saw it was like it was a Super Bowl TV spot, and I was like, what is going on there? He's like dodging bullets. Holy yeah, I, 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 and I, but I didn't know what. So I go in. I was, I was watching this and i'm following it and you get to the red pill blue pill scene you know and when he wakes up and you realize he's a battery and you see the millions or thousands of people in the in the the big battery things that they're all letting you realize all of humanity it just blew my mind yeah like i'm like this is amazing like i because i had no idea and and it was the last time that i i think i ever went into a movie pretty much completely cold yeah, not having any idea what it was about, what the plot was going to be, and I miss those days. I miss so those I. days where I can and I, I like, I went in, I, 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 uh, purposefully stayed spoiler free from Infinity War. Oh, like dude. I didn't. Wow. And and so I went with John Schnepp, the late great John Schnepp, and oh, man. we both, That's we big, both, because you know Collider Heroes, and we were like, no. We did whatever we could to not know anything as, as as little as we could about Infinity War. And and I did the same actually with Endgame, but with Infinity War, uh, he and I were like two eight-year-old boys sitting next to each other because everything that happened <laughs> just just <laughs> when Doctor Strange is talking to Tony Stark at the beginning in the Sanctum Sanctorum, and I'm I'm like, I've wanted to see this shit since I was like four. Yeah. You know, and they're talking about uh, uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And I just, it was just, I'm looking at this and then did you just lean against the, I I, I just thought it was the great, it was, I was so wildly entertained. I like, I love the MCU. I don't care what anyone says. Cause I grew up reading yeah. Marvel comics and it's like, it, it is actually like the experience of reading comics, uh-huh. but writ large on the big screen. And, and I and n- never more so than infinity war. I'm like, this was like, when I was a kid waiting for a big summer crossover event. Yeah. And, and those two movies, while I, I don't think of course in end game gets a little convoluted, it's not perfect, no. but if you grew up reading comics there, I can't imagine anything better. Like watching those two movies, I just sit there and I can't, I, I couldn't believe the first Avengers movie. I, there were times I'm watching this movie. I'm like, I can't believe this movie even exists. Yeah. I never thought that I would yeah. ever see, because I'd be like, if someone said to me, bro, they're going to make Avengers movies. I'm like, no, they're not. You'd have to explain. You'd have to do a movie about Captain America. You'd have to do a movie about Thor. And they did it. You'd have to move. Yeah. And I'm like, that will <laughs> never happen. It's never going to happen. And, and then if you told me then, well, it will. And not only that, but they're going to make a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And an Eternals. I remember I was just like, I remember when, when that was announced and went, 
because I, you know, I was more of a DC guy growing up, and I went right, and, and I was like, Guard, I mean, I because I, I had friends that were Marvel guys, and I was like, wait a minute, Guardians of the f- what? They're gonna what? And I was like, I, I was totally going, no way, that why would they even do that? I mean, nobody knows about that, and then they did it and they pulled it off, and I was like, okay. Well, Never that's the mind. crazy. I mean, we live in this world now where we get all this stuff. And I look yes. at most of the things that I look at, I'm like, I can't believe I'm watching this. You know, well, and, mean, and and Kevin and Smith I, I, says that all the time. It's like great time to be alive. I mean, Jesus Christ, we're getting all this content. Uh, it's uh, and it's it's done with the the level of production value and the the it, you can do anything. I mean, we're getting we're getting the foundation. Well, a foundation TV series. I you know when I was a kid, Isaac Asimov's. I had got the Foundation trilogy. Uh-huh. It was in one volume from the Science Fiction Book Club when I was like 10. You know, and I, I'm like, I was like, they should make a movie of this. You know, after Star Wars came out, I'm like, if I think I ever do Foundation. And then, of course, Dune. I, I mean, I love Dune. So when Lynch's movie came out in 84, I was all totally stoked to see that. But now we're going to get a Foundation series and a new Dune movie in the same year that we're getting an Eternals movie and a Shang-Chi movie. Like I used to read Master of Kung Fu and I'm like, what, what we're and Tony Leung, one of my favorite Chinese actors is going to be Shang-Chi's father. Like what, what is going on? Like, I can't believe. And yet the internet is full of vitriol, which I understand because when they fuck things up these days, they fuck them up royally. Like, I'm like, how do you, how do you mess up? Like I am, as you might know, I am not a fan of modern Star Trek. Star Trek has been my favorite thing in my life. Oh, you don't I mean, like AJ Star Trek? What? I, I wrote and directed a movie with William Shatner that was all about my That's love right. of Star free Trek. Enterprise, right? Free Enterprise or something? Yeah, like and I, I call it the great Star Trek hostage crisis. Since 2009, <laughs> Star Trek has been, I mean, J.J. Abrams would go on his interviews to promote Star Trek and he'd be like, I never liked Star Trek. And I'm like, why the fuck did you direct a movie, motherfucker? Come on, like, what, what? Why do I have to sit through this? Why are you giving this to me? <laughs> oh, we're gonna put the Beastie Boys in. And I'm like, oh, there's the Bill of Paris Militude. You know, when I was a kid, I'm listening to music that's 300 years old. As I as I drive around, I'm going to be listening to harpsichord music. Although I probably would have, but I mean, I'm let's, I'm going to listen to Sabotage. And then, hey, then they're going to bring that sabotage song back to defeat the alien technology in Star Trek Beyond because that's believable. <laughs> that's oh yeah, Beyond. Oof, man, I, I, riding a dirt bike on. Hmm. I mean, I want to scoop out my eyeballs with a teaspoon and and eat them, so I never have to look at anything ever again after watching those movies. But, but I don't the question know. is, do you want to see the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek that he apparently? Yeah, I do because yeah. Quentin Tarantino understands archetypes and how to subvert those things, and he'll tell yeah. a good story. He probably whatever would. it would be. I so mean, diamond. I want to see that. So he, he's going to tell a good story, whatever that's going to be. I'm a big Quentin Tarantino fan. I mean, I don't think he walks on water, but I'm a big fan of his work all the way back to. I thought Reservoir Dogs was a knockout when I first saw it. You know, knockout. back in '92, when the independent film boom was happening, Soderbergh and Spike Lee had hit. Hit and then you had people like Kevin Smith and and mm-hmm. um, works yeah. Tarantino coming out and a bunch of other new new young exciting filmmakers that were doing all kinds of uh, great stuff and a lot of those people went on and and uh, are doing stuff even today. But I, I I just look at this what I feel I feel the people that are working on a lot of these franchise properties don't understand why they were made great in the first place and mm-hmm. and it's like I'm going to bring my agenda and i'm going to bring rather than honor the property 
and work within those parameters, they're going to change the property into what they want them to be. Yeah. And ultimately, I think that that is a failing formula. Because when, you know, classical storytelling is classical storytelling for a reason. And there's a reason why the great stories have been around and retold again and again and again. And nowadays, I feel like I have to whatever today's agenda happens to be, let's inject that into, into these stories. And the problem is the stories don't work. Yeah. You know, when I always say on my show, like Charlie's angels was designed <laughs> to be titillating hot girls, looking hot, playing with guns, being <laughs> cops. I mean, and then to turn Charlie's angels, if you're not, if you're not, uh, if you're trying to turn it into some, you know, empowered, whatever, it isn't Charlie's angels anymore. No, it doesn't work. And, and the whole thing is like when you, you, it's like you choose to make Charlie's angels without understanding what Charlie's angels is. And I think we're getting a lot of that. You know, we see a lot of that happening where no, no, we're going to tell these inclusive stories. I'm like, no man, it'd be like, can you imagine if somebody was making game of Thrones, for instance, and they're like, you know what? there's a lot of violence against women and uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of bloodletting children die. Like we can't do that anymore. And uh, like, yo man, did you ever read anything about medieval history? Like it's decidedly not a place that was very nice to people. They don't, they don't care about your feelings or what you believe they should. It was history. This is how human beings were never very nice to each other. We've never lived in some utopian civilization. And if you're going to tell these classic stories, people die horribly and awful things happen to good people. And that's what makes storytelling compelling. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people. It's very true. I mean, like, but, you know, when it comes to like, like you said, Game of Thrones and the way that stories were told, like, and the way things were, that makes sense. I think, like, I I somewhat disagree with you about the Star Trek thing because my dad was a big, you know, he's a big Trekkie. You know, but we actually do. I, I maybe not Star Trek Beyond so much, maybe, but the first one I was actually okay with. I was actually okay with like the updated version. You know, like I was actually um, okay with it. But I mean, I get what, what you're saying about like you know the use of like Sabbath, you know, and like the music. Well, it, there's, it, there's a lot of there's a lot. I, I, I if I if I were to if we were sitting down face to face, I would have you hating it in an hour. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can, I, I, I would can have you hating. That. I would have you hating into darkness even more. Like, damn you, JJ! I'd be screaming JJ like I was screaming God. But yeah. no, I mean, a lot of people like those movies, and I think one of the one of the good things about those about the the modern Star Trek films is it's led a lot of people back into the franchise. True, you know, and, and the Star Trek franchise will speak for itself. The original series, uh, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. I mean, look, if you stick with Deep Space Nine, and it's it's a very very rewarding uh, show, and right. and it's a show that also people talk about. Well, it's got to it has to have diversity and inclusion. Deep Space Nine did all that right. It had an incredibly There's diverse a way cast. To do it right. I mean, I know that's whatever. Yeah. See, that's the thing is like when they, when it comes to these stories and they're just totally like in your face. I mean, going back to the Charlie's Angels Elizabeth Banks version, it was just kind of like, I remember just going, okay, why? Okay. Does every guy need to be either a fucking bumbling idiot or an asshole? I mean, it was like every guy would, they even made Patrick Stewart just a piece of shit. I'm like, what are you doing to my boy, Patrick Stewart? You know, they and killed him. Yes. The end of Picard. Picard dies. And he get he gets resurrected in an and like yeah, okay. With, oh shit. If you're gonna if you're gonna resurrect somebody in an android body that's yeah. gonna that could why would you want to be resurrected in an android body that looks like your 96 year old self? 
that has it could it, it i mean uh, and by the way there's a there's an original series episode um that was made in 1966 mm-hmm. called what are it was in the first season of star trek called what are little girls made of which basically plays those same beats where mm-hmm. a scientist has used technology and is creating alien uh, android bodies okay. that you can be transported you can be moved into and uh-huh. it retains your personality and it's shown to be absolutely horrific because you lose your soul when you're put into an android body that that situation was taken was 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 addressed and it was moved past in in the first season of the original star trek cut to picard and at the end they kill him and put him in an android body if i was picard i'd be like well couldn't you made me like 30 years old if i'm to be in an android body why can't i be young and virile and look great like, why are you going to make me a doddering old 96-year-old when I could yeah, die at any time? Man. I mean, or they could have done something really interesting if they knew that Patrick Stewart was only going to do one season. I know they're making season two now, but you could have recast Picard as like a 25-year-old actor. Yeah. And 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 he's in an android body that's going to grow or something. But now, I mean, I love, I, I, I love that Q's going to come back. Like, Q's going to show up and go, oh... <laughs> You're not really Jean-Luc Picard. The real Jean-Luc Picard's dead. Maybe they'll maybe they'll retcon it or something. He'll just snap his fingers and bring the real Picard back to life. There it is. Something's gonna probably happen with that. Uh, yes, I, ha- I haven't watched Picard, and I was like, I, I wasn't. I heard things about it where it wasn't like, eh, you know, you know. So I didn't really like dive into it. So yeah. oh, you should. You should. Yeah. You should, should watch it because if you're a TNG fan or you're a fan of the characters, yeah. you'll you'll be like, wow, they really did everybody dirty on this show. <laughs> I mean, the, the people who they didn't kill, uh, they changed, they fundamentally changed all of their characteristics and they don't resemble the way they were written at all in any of the yeah. shows they previously existed in. See, see, I, I'm almost afraid to ask what you thought about the new Mortal Kombat movie now. <laughs> You know what? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. I, I have not watched. I mean, Mortal Kombat, I, I thought the first movie was a lot of fun. Yeah, 95, um, of course. Yeah, I mean, it was a hoot for what it was. Now, I I don't, I mean, I like the trailers. I just haven't, I haven't delved into it because it was never, it was not one of my touchstones. I mean, I like playing the game. Yeah. But it was not something that, you know, I could take it or leave it. But the first movie was fun. The second movie wasn't. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, we all know yeah, about that. Yeah. Yeah, says, yeah. Uh, Aaron Bailey says Picard wouldn't want to be immortal. That's how he is. Oh, is that? Yeah, he would want to die. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't want to be. I mean, if somebody puts him into an android body, he's like, "What the hell is this?" Oh, and now you're putting me into an android body. And you're telling me it could last <laughs> as long as I was going to last anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the 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 thing about that whole show is, I thought it. Com- Look, I get it. Like Patrick Stewart was like, I had a great experience doing Logan. And which I loved, I love Logan oh, so good. And and the portrayal of Charles Xavier um, was great. And the fact that he was losing his faculties and uh, yeah. his m- mental powers that was also horrifying, you know. And and it worked like it's because of the, the damage she could do. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I I felt like in in the Picard series, they basically tell you that Jean Luc Picard, when the going gets tough, he quit. And he goes home to his chateau to write books. And and right then I'm like, okay, you don't understand this character. And you are now, and I get it because they wanted to do that. They wanted to play that Logan beat. Yeah. And I, I understand that, but that's not what Star Trek is. No. You know, people in Star Trek don't, don't, they're, they're, you're dealing with the elite of the elite, the best of the best. Picard's one of the best Starship commanders ever. 
And there's no way you can ever have me believe that Starfleet is going to like, oh, well, we're going to drum you out of Starfleet and, and you're going to have Admiral say to Picard, sheer fucking hubris and all that. Like, give me a break. It was so anti-Star Trek because it's I also it's also dystopian. And what what's really mm-hmm. interesting to me is that at its core, Star Trek is aspirational. Mm-hmm. It's an aspirational show. And I'll tell you, if you want something that's really aspirational, you want to watch Ron Moore who worked on Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and Voyager and who co-created the new Battlestar Galactica, watch For All Mankind. Okay. For All Mankind, and at the end of the second season, it was a slow burn to get there. The end of the second season of For All Mankind, is it, it has one of the most barn burner final episodes I have ever seen on a TV show. And it was it was more Star Trek than anything Star Trek has put out since 2009. There it is. It was amazing. It was amazing. And then uh, Eric wanted to ask you about the Axnar. Uh, yes. I, well, I'm not familiar with that. So, yeah. Well, Axnar was a Star Trek fan film project I got involved with in 2014. Ah, okay. And when it was good, when everything was fine, um, you know, they asked me to do it. My friend Christian Gossett was directing it, and they asked me to edit this film, this Star Trek fan film. And the way they were doing it, they were going to do it like a documentary. And the idea was that they're going to make it a, a documentary from the 23rd century that was going to be based kind of on the documentary uh, that Band of Brothers had that they made when they did the HBO series Band of yeah. Brothers. And and they wanted it like that. I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah. And so I went, I was the editor and basically the post supervisor on it. And uh, it went off really well. Tony Todd's in it. You know, Candyman himself is in it. Nice. Richard Hatch, who played Apollo and Tom Zarek and Battlestar Galactica is in it. Um, JG Hertzler, who played Martok in, in Deep Space Nine is in it. And it was a great project and, and it was crowdfunded. They raised a hundred thousand dollars and we made it and we shot it. We raised the money, we shot it. Uh, and then it debuted at the San Diego Comic-Con in 2014 and everything went, went off really well. And then we raised uh, over a million and a half dollars and we were going to make a feature film. And then Christian stepped down and I became the director and I worked on it and it all went to hell because my, the guy that it was his project, he didn't, he didn't quite understand how movies are made. Like when you get money to make a movie, you have to make the movie. You can't keep the money for yourself. It's gotta be a very true. So, so it, even to this day, I mean, I directed one scene from it. If people want to know more about Axanar, I have made on my YouTube channel, I made three uh, documentary pieces about all the things that I was doing for the Axanar feature. I was I was pre-directing the visual effects before we shot the live action so we could better integrate. We would be able to see. So I did th- these three documentary pieces, and I also did two videos about Axanar that's on my uh, the Burnett Network YouTube page. And you can really see what I was trying to do with the feature. There you go. So, I mean, I it, I think it could have been great. Yeah. And they just, Jonathan Lane, this guy, this uh, journalist who has a fan film factor blog, he made a movie in the Axnar universe called Interlude that came out. It's a, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> it, it didn't have the same level of professional sheen that, that the prelude to Axnar movie had, but it's all right. And uh, other fan films, I mean, I think that some fan films are quite good. Like, I really liked Star Trek Continues, and I liked a lot of what James Colley did with New Voyages. I think there's a lot of 
great stuff there. And and there's a lot of cool Star Wars fan films and oh, Harry Potter fan films. There's a lot of cool fan films. And and I think fan films are a great way for people to start cutting their teeth and learning filmmaking, yeah. learning how to do visual effects, understanding how movies are made. I think it's a great way to get in. Um, I, I'm all for it. I think I think one of the I mean one of the best uh I mean I don't know it wasn't really a fan film but it was like a reimagining of the um the fight between Vader and Obi-Wan and New Hope. Yep. Oh my god, that thing that was, was rad. fucking amazing. I mean, I, I remember when I watched that I, I was like I couldn't I'm like you got to watch this. Look at this. Look at this. This is I mean, just the fact what they did with that and splicing in original footage in between that. I mean, my god, why that was just truly amazing what they did with that. Yeah, no, it was very, very cool. Wait, it was very cool. All right, I got a, a little fan question here from uh, Carrie. I'm going to try to uh, do this right here. This is we're going to start getting into uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League territory. Mm. So, which we, of course, we're going to get there eventually. But uh, here we go, right here. Hopefully, we can uh, hear it pretty good. Oh, crap! Can't hear it, huh? I can't hear it, but can they hear it on the stream? No, I don't know why it's not. Oh, you know what? Okay, hold on. Let me, uh, let's see here. Uh, right, if you're sharing, you got to click that little thing. You share your screen at the bottom left corner to add the audio. Uh, add the audio. Wow. L- like when you're sharing, you're sharing the screen, right? Yeah. When you hit, before you hit share screen on the bottom left corner, it says share audio. You got to click the little box. Wait, well, I'm hitting the wrong thing here. Hold on a sec. Here, let's see. No, it's not working. What the hell? Why because it, it, uh, if you unshare your screen, okay, what? unshare your screen, and now hit share screen, and before you click on the screen that you want to share, on the bottom left hand corner there should be a box that says add uh, share audio as well. Right. Sorry. You got to click yeah. that box. All right. Hit share screen. Wait. What? See, this is what this is what I don't understand about Streamyard sometimes. So share screen. Boop. All right. Oh, I, I'm thinking about how well it's 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 Zoom. Yeah. You oh should yeah. Be able- duh, duh, it's right here. Sorry. 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 Y- yeah. Sorry. Sorry. There was yeah. Totally forgot to check the box. That's yep. What that's what you got to do. All right, Robert. My name is Kerry, uh, and a fan of yours from the Schmodown as well as from Collider Heroes back in the day when uh, it was uh, hosted by the late great John Schnepp. Oh man. Yes. Uh, you were good friends with, uh, and that's my question. Uh, is about uh, Schnepp. And uh, wondered uh, on some your thoughts about him on a couple things. Uh, one, uh, I'm wondering what you believe uh, Schnepp would have thought about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, and two, uh, what do you think that Schnepp would have thought about the the Snyder Cut movement and the fan campaign to get it pushed? Uh, one of the things I always appreciate about him watching him on that show was he was always about the artist uh, and the creator getting the chance to make the stuff as if they were actively making stuff, something that they have the chance to put it out there. One of the mantras of the Snyder Cut movement was artistic integrity. So our belief was that Zach, but other artists as well, should have the chance to make the work, execute the vision that they have, uh, whatever it might be. Um, and so given that, that that was one of the major um, aspects of the Snyder Cut movement, and that was also a passion of Schnepp's, I'm very curious to hear some of your thoughts about how Schnepp would have thought about the Snyder Cut movement as well as the final product of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Thanks. Have a good day. There we go. Well, that, first of all, what a great question. Uh, thanks for asking. Yeah. Uh, first of all, John Schnepp was a, a great, great guy. Yes, he was. And, and he was 
a consummate fan, but one of the things he loved more than anything was like our, our viewer pointed out, he loved creative endeavor. He loved when people were making things. He loved it when fans made things. He loved it when professionals got to realize their dreams. He loved that. I mean, he yeah. thrived on that. And, you know, he was one of the first people that said, I think he might've even said it on heroes. He was like, you know, Maybe one day <laughs> that there will be a Snyder cut. No, thing. I think yeah, I think there was a video floating around because I mean, I, one of the things I remember about Schnepp was he he was not a fan of the BVS theatrical, but the no. night that he saw the ultimate cut and they did a immediate like review, he he pr- practically did a one eighty flip. He went, "Holy shit, this!" Yeah, is no, what, yeah, we talked about that a lot, and yeah. uh, uh, you know, I. I was always approaching it from an industry perspective in the sense that I'm like, I never thought there would be a Snyder cut because who was my whole thing was who's going to, there were two questions I had who would pay for it. Like, you know, people were, people always said, and people throw back in my face, well, Rob, you know, you said this was never going to happen. And I'm like, first of all, I, I always said that, that every movie has a cut. A movie has a cut the second day it's in production. So, and they had a long time. I mean, the movie had was all the way through principal. You're four months into post, but knowing how movies like that are made, they were a long way from ever being finished. And as we've subsequently found out, there was a cut of the movie that was uh, essentially there, but it was nowhere near ready to be shown. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the Snyder cut 2,600 visual effects shots had to be finished. Oh yeah, no. Oh, trust what, me, I, I got a lot of heat from some certain people. Who were like, "Oh, it's finished." I'm like, "No, no, no." no. And and I was I was always saying that, and I always said, I even said to people, "I go, I bet it's going to cost between fifty or a hundred million to finish." See, yeah, and so I, and I heard forty, and then I, and I, we got deemed like the forty club when it came to some thirty. Yeah, well, I mean, I understand. Look, I think that that in a way it was kind of religion. We wanted to believe. Yeah, and I I think oh. Schnepp always said it might have happened. And for me, I'm like, the problem is. The the movie already came out, so from a studio perspective, if they were going to create Zack Snyder's Snyder Cut or whatever, it wouldn't be like him doing three versions of Watchmen. It would be something, because it was completed, and they reshot a bunch of stuff. And if they wanted to restore his original vision, there were actors that weren't in the movie. You'd have to go back and, like, it's a new movie like it's a whole new thing from a legal and contractual perspective so i was like this is a nightmare it's a nightmare and i'm like it's never gonna happen yeah and i was thinking because there's no way for them to monetize it yeah there's no way for them to get their money back and and so i thought nah it's never gonna happen because no one's gonna put up 50 to 100 million dollars to do it and and it wasn't that and i also said it's not anywhere near being finished and people never understood that because I think, especially if you don't work in the movie business and you don't know how films are made. And like, look, I worked on Superman Returns. You know, I was on that. I was on the set every single day of principal photography and I covered it all the way through post. And I, you know, I made a three hour documentary on the making of that film that's on the Superman Returns Blu-ray, which you can get. But the the, you know, knowing how large effects films are made. And I did. I worked on Brian's. I worked on X-Men. And X Men Two, and I worked on Chronicles of Narnia and the Lord of the Rings movies, so I was on and you know you see how, exactly how these big movies, yeah, exactly. yeah, and did documentaries about that where I've literally spent years of my life asking people how do you do this, you know, and and did so, you have any involvement with the Superman Lives with John Schnepp? I mean, I was, yeah, I'm in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know you are, but you and know. um, 
Uh, yeah. Oh, I wish he. I wish he only shot me like this because I look pretty goofy wearing shorts and a sport coat. But whatever, you know. I, just threw this I, I, I love that. I love that documentary, and I want to see something like that for Justice League: Mortal, the George Miller. Oh yeah, I want to see. Schnepp was doing that. He was doing a whole yeah. thing. But so, so you know, I talked about the Snyder Cut a lot. Schnepp would have been the first person on board. Oh yeah, you, you know the Snyder Cut movement. He would have been all for that. But he also would have said, he would have said like, look you've got to approach this with an understanding of how the business works. Yep. The Snyder cut movement, they never put forth. Well, how is this going to make money? Mm-hmm. You know, cause it wasn't their job to, but you have to ask yourself because people think that studios are just sitting on piles of money and they're not, they yeah. borrow money to make movies. Yeah. And when they do that, that means you have to have some place where the money's going to come back to you. So if you spend 50 to hundred million, where's that money going to come back from? Now, I said on my show uh, back in November of 2019, when HBO Max was coming together, I said on my show, I said, you know what? Now the Snyder Cut could happen. Now, I had no idea that at the time, November of 2019, (laughs) I had no idea, no idea. But I said with HBO Max, because however they're going to do it and however it's now there's a place where they have a place where the money can go or come from where they're actually spending the money to create programming for HBO Max. And once that happened, I was like, you know what? I even said, I, I think it could happen now. Because obviously that there was enough uh, interest in the fan community. And the fans, you know, you got to give the Snyder Cut uh, movement a lot of credit. It would not have happened if there was no Snyder Cut movement. Nope. They literally, it, it's one of, one of the great epic wins for fandom. Really? You know, it, it, it really is. And... And there's a, but there's other things that people need to understand. The movie was mostly shot already. Yeah. So it's not like they had to, yeah, Zack Snyder went back and shot more of the nightmare sequence, but even some of that had already been shot. He just needed to get things that he needed to insert into the footage that was already there. Like Ben, Ben Affleck and, uh, uh, and uh, Jared Leto, they never met when they shot those sequences. It was two different days. Yeah. Two different days. So they shot like what, four minutes or something for that sequence but everything else was already shot it was in the can and that was another thing that made it uh doable is Mm -hmm. is that and you hear about and i believe me i've read every single interviews or listened to every single interview zach snyder's given i mean he had he had his black and white four and a half or four hour cut on his laptop that's what he had you know and and so he was able to, to look at that and what people don't understand is you could sit down and watch that from beginning to end you know, people say, oh, I've seen it. You know, it just needs to have a, a few effects done. It's like people don't understand what they're seeing. They don't get it. <laughs> I'm just telling you that even people in the industry, you're like, look, you try and explain to people like, look, you got to understand this movie's not, it's not finished. And then there'll be a scene where a phone won't ring in the cut that you'll show them. You forgot to put in the phone ringing or the, 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 the it just didn't render or whatever. And the first person, somebody who's in the industry will say when they watch your cut, they'll go, um, you're going to put a phone ringing in that place, aren't you? <laughs> oh no. I thought I was just going to leave it out. Of, yeah. of course of you course are. We're gonna put it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, so people don't quite get that. So he had that and it was all shot. Yeah. So once HBO Max is like, we need we need a way to convince people to come on our, uh, pe- sign up for our platform. And when they think about it, I mean, you read they thought it was going to be thirty million dollars or something. And then oh, imagine yeah. you you have to negotiate with the guilds, like the Writers Guild, the Directors Guild, 
Hayat. See, there's all, there's all, and then contracts. If you were cut out of the theatrical cut of Justice League, do you think that somebody's going to be like, oh, you're doing a new one? Just put me in, put me back in, coach. Oh, yeah, but yeah, like like this. Put me in, coach. Yeah. Nope. No. They ain't show they're... friends. It's show business. Pay yeah, me. Exactly. No, no. Like, um, you know, when it, when it, when it, when it came to all that, and then there was like the whole like uh, back and forth, like, is it going to be a series or is it going to be a movie? Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, well, like, uh, you know, people were going back and forth because I heard that, you know, I, I went out when I wasn't fully talking to Zach yet. I was talking to somebody who was in touch with him and he goes, yeah, he pitched it as a series because, you know, that does sound better when it comes to a streaming service. Yes. But then the whole logistics of paying these people for four episode, episodes. Exactly. You know, it's, it's a whole it's, different beast. It's a whole yeah, different it's like you're, 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 Wait, you're doing four episodes. Oh, that means you get paid four times, right? Exactly. Because each exactly. episode becomes its own thing, you know, from, from a contractual standpoint, from, and in, in terms of SAG and like people don't, the SAG is the screen actors guild. Yes. And there are rules that have to be followed. So yeah. I have to tell you, when I heard that negotiations started in November of 2019, I'm like, this had to have been one monumental pain in the ass. Oh yeah. I'm sure the, the fact, the fact like the studio and HBO max and everybody involved in making sure the Snyder cut happened. They really, they moved mountains. They did. That was a Herculean task. I mean, you think back to the scene where Ezra Miller saves well, the Iris West scene. <sighs> think about that. You've got the truck driver, Right, he wasn't in the movie. Nope. The 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 woman at the uh, dog store, the the pet store, she wasn't around. Yeah. She wasn't in the movie. The extras, well, they're not. The extras yeah. are day players, but these are all people that had. I guess Iris West didn't say anything, but but still, they were cut out of the movie. They were paid, and now they're <laughs> being put into a new. Yeah. The reason it's called Zack Snyder's Justice League is because it's not. Justice League. It's a different thing. It has a different copyright. For all intents and purposes, it is a different movie entirely. And what people forget to think about is because of that, the contracts are all different. You know, everything's nothing is the same. You have to go back and go in there and reclassify it. It has to be recopywritten. You know, and and there's all of these legal things that people don't ever think about, especially because why would they? If you're not, if you don't understand how movies are made from a business standpoint, you'd never think about this stuff. No, you would. So no, you just wouldn't. You wouldn't think about it. So yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and one of the things was like Snyder was. I mean, Zach was like really good at like you know what? I know I'm gonna you know he started posting images on Vero. Yeah. And then it got everything kind of riled up and he was like, you know what? I got a fan base here. It seems let's see what happens, you know? And then when SnyderCon happened, I mean, that that's one of the things that a lot of the fans went, Oh no, he said it's done. He said it's done. But even when you watch that video, you could tell it's like, well, he's, yeah, he's saying that he has a cut and a finished cut, but yeah, start to finish. There's a runtime. Sure. But there's going to be little things in the middle that you're, you know, that, like you said, previs. Yeah. Yeah. They've had to do, Deborah Snyder said, 2,600 yes. visual effect shots. I mean, that had to be, sick. that is, in, that is an enormous, I mean, to, to, to just to tell somebody to compare and contrast, Tenant had 300. <laughs> the Snyder cut had 2,600 because when you're shooting against green screen, it's all an effect yeah. shot. You know, it's an effect shot. Yeah. Just the littlest uh, thing I hear. And, and I'm, and, uh, 
I'm going to bring in one of my buddies, Mr. Scott McClellan, to uh, join the, the panel here. What's up? Hello, Scott. How are you doing, Scott? Hey. You, hey. you timed this perfectly. I just had a chance to finish watching Warrior before. Yeah. <laughs> Great movie. I saw that. I saw you tweeted about that. You guys were, uh, what, reviewing that or whatever the hell? We're going to do it for Squadcast movies tomorrow night. Yeah, that's going to be this week's episode is us talking about Warrior. My first time, Tim picked a movie. It's good stuff. It's a great movie. It's great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. 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 Preview. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, you should. You should. <laughs> but uh right now, yeah, we're just kind of talking about, of course, you know, it's shocking. We're talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League right now. No, really? Hey, uh, <laughs> you you talk you, Me? you talk about that talk about on, you talk about that yeah. on a Friday night? Really? Yeah, I know, hmm. right? Seriously. But you know, once to, look, I think one of the great feats, the fact that HBO got behind it. Uh, and it actually got done. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, it that's amazing. It, uh-huh. It's and by the way, I loved it. No, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, thing. I was it me- uh, was it metal? It was that. <laughs> well, that's what started the whole thing. I mean, like, I took. I, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be straight up honest with all of you. I'm okay. not the most metal guy in the world. <laughs> but 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 I appreciate the metal nature. Like I, when I say metal, metal is like a state of mind. But when I, I'm thinking like album covers you know that molly hatchet cover with frazetta's death dealer you know that classic cover of the 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 guy with the horned um, demon on a horse with his big axe yeah that there there is a sensibility that goes along with whether it's prog rock album covers from the 70s or boris vallejo paintings or frank frazetta paintings something that is decidedly metal meaning it's not just the color palette it's it's the whole attitude it's the whole storyline it's it's like, look, I love the 66 Batmobile. The 66 Batmobile is not metal, but the Justice Mobile from Batman v Superman and Justice League, that's fucking metal, dude. That's fucking metal. With those big guns and the, that, yeah. I mean, that shit is formidable and that becomes metal. I mean, Dark Side, the, the whole apocalypse and Granny Goodness and, and, uh, Good Lord, uh, right? You know, and, and uh, of course, Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf in Justice League is decidedly unmetal. But the Steppenwolf, the Steppenwolf in in uh, in in Zack Snyder's Justice League, metal, you know, and, and 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 which one would you rather see on a on a hard rock album cover? I would rather see the Steppenwolf that's in you want to Zack see Snyder, fucker, yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 that's what I used to, I started saying that about the Snyder cut, and people started throwing it back to me and saying, "Is that metal, Rob?" And I'm like, "It's fucking metal." <laughs> so I I just started one night doing this this metal midnight metal show that I do on my channel, which I'm going to do tonight. Yeah, where where you know it was kind of this free form thing, but I have to say that like you asked about John Schnepp, John Schnepp would have loved to have seen Zach's vision realized, and I think whether you like Zach Snyder's vision for these characters or not, he has a very distinct vision. And he's presenting a vision in a certain way. And I love the fact that he's embraced the mythic nature of the, you know, people always say that, well, the, the DC characters are gods and and uh, the Marvel characters are more men that have become demigods. But I've always liked that. And I think that there's this operatic grand scale to what Zack Snyder was doing that is unique to him. And so when you're seeing his version of Justice League, and I look, I loved it was so funny because people like you're just a hater, Rob. When I was saying that the Snyder Cut wasn't going to happen, and I'm <laughs> like, but I loved Man of Steel. 
Yeah. You know, I love Man of Steel and and uh I have the hot toys. And I I loved the <laughs> ultimate I didn't I mean I didn't I think the the Batman v Superman has it's overstuffed. Like I would have I would have watched a movie just with Batman and Superman having philosophical debates. I don't think they needed Doomsday. Mm. I think that the fight between them it would have been really interesting to see more of Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent go at each other in the real world and then at night Superman and Batman are going at each other, you know, and and it, it, they could have made a movie out of that. And Wonder Woman has to kind of come in and referee, but they could have done something more more philosophical. But I thought throwing in Doomsday was just a little too much. It just went. But I I do like the the especially the ultimate cut. There's a feel to it yes. that is very mythic and operatic, and it's very Wagner, like r- the Ring of the Nibelung cycle, like Gertrudama Rung and. All those, if, if you know Wagner, they use a lot of Wagner's music in Excalibur, and and it, it, I like that Snyder because likes like Wagner, yeah. It, well, it's like nothing else, man. It's it and it's his, and to see when you go back and you watch the the Snyder cut now, if I was as an editor myself, I probably would have speeded some. There are things about the Snyder cut overall. I love the Snyder cut, but there are things like, for instance, when Aquaman is going into the water. And you have the scenes where the girls are singing like it sounds like it's a hymn. They spend a lot of time on that song. And I would have done things like it uh, clearly because Aquaman's like a god. He's bringing fish to these people. They've known him for a long time. And him going into the sea, these, it, it, I really liked that. But I would have, instead of having the girls sing the song for so long, I would have had that song linger on, cut down the girls. But you would have heard the song go on into the next scene with... um Martha Kent, you know, driving away from the farm. And it I just would have done a little bit of compression. But for the most part, uh, that's just me. But I yeah. loved watching it. I mean, I, I the fact that I get to watch a four-hour Justice League movie. <laughs> right. I, I, I mean, this was a childhood dream Jesus made Christ. flesh. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm like, I with dark side in it. And, yeah. uh, y- you know, it, it was, it was, like I, and at the end, it was with granny goodness even though you see a glimpse the fact that even stuck that in there i'm like this this is amazing like what's not to love about all of this and and i i loved it you know and i'm and and look it's an acquired taste you know i might not like i can take my mom and my mom could go see captain america the first avenger and she'd love it oh it's the 40s i love this (laughs) i don't know if i would show my mom Zack snyder's justice league yeah I don't think she'd dig it as much as she would say, and that's fine. But I, I look, man, I've pre-ordered two different steelbook versions of the 4K, so I can't wait to uh, to get. It. But I look, you know what? I'm I'm like, if you don't think we live in amazing times, right? The Snyder Cut, the fact that it wasn't just the fans who stuck with it, you know, and 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 did all they could to get that done. The fact that Zack Snyder himself, when he started dropping stuff on social media, I'm like, this is genius because <laughs> because yeah. because come on, he knew exactly what he was doing, oh, Sto- stoking the flames and yeah. and 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 just you know, and I and God love another thing about Zack Snyder is God love what Netflix did for him, you know, Army of the Dead, dude. Now now the here's here's the 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 hundred million dollar question. Actually, it's probably a four hundred million dollar question. Should the Snyderverse be restored yeah that's, Not, that's what i was going to get to next i was going to get your opinion on that 
Well, I would say in a way it never w- went away uh-huh. because Zack Snyder cast Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. True. And and I think that the first Wonder Woman was very much in the vein of Snyder's yep. universe. Jason Momoa obviously made a billion dollars in his movie. But the real question is, would Zack Snyder come back or should he come back and do the conclusion of the other two movies in um, this saga? Yeah. And I, I would have to say the problem is, and I speak purely from a business standpoint, I don't think it will ever happen because it, unlike the Snyder Cut, which was already shot, yeah, they spent $300 million you know, making that movie. In order to do what people want done, you're looking at a probably a, a half a billion dollar investment. And I don't know if anyone's going to be making movies that are that expensive. And I don't, don't know, honestly, if Zack Snyder, he's got a good thing going with Netflix. You know, not only is Army of the Dead coming out in just a few weeks, they made a prequel series, they're doing an animated series. He's got, he's in business with Netflix. Does he want to even do, come back and do I mean, I could see him maybe coming back and doing a series or something, but what about all the other actors? There's so many things. There's that's, so many. I mean, are those act will those actors come back and 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 how much would they charge? I mean, it it's such an expensive proposition that from a from and I, I ask people, I implore people to try and think of it from a business perspective. How can they justify the cost of what it would take to make those movies? Yeah. And I don't know if you can. <clears throat> Scott. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, I'm I I I feel like I've expressed my opinion enough with, you know, over on DC Film Squadcast that it's I'm stuck at, I'm stuck in between a rock and a hard place of the things that I want as a fan. Yeah. But then the thing that I want personally for Zach, especially when we when Tim and I got to talk to him at Justice Con and we got to talk to him all about Army of the Dead, it was so much fun to get to talk to him about that and just to see the energy and the enthusiasm and to hear what Debbie and Wesley had to say about Netflix and what Zach had to say about Netflix. And I just know as a DC fan what a royal pain in the ass the last three years have been being a DC fan. Yeah. Be and being a DC fan that liked the flavor that I was getting with Zach's movies. Like it, it's it's not been fun the last three years. I don't enjoy having to argue and fight for someone to give me the product that I want to spend my money on. I I I, I don't psychologically get off on that it it, it, it it's an it's anathema to what i think the way it should work i'm telling you what i want to spend tons of money on as can be seen by how much stuff i have purchased over the last like three months it's it's insane oh, I, I i mean uh, you know uh i pre-ordered the hot toys nightmare batman and black suit superman Ooh. you know I, I, my first hot toy oh man my oh, yeah. first hot toy I ever mean, was that i'll tell you i'll tell you what i if what i want I want the Deathstroke, the Terminator versus Ben Affleck's Batman movie. See, that's what okay, okay, that's what I was going to get to. And, and I think that's a possibility. That that is a possibility. Uh, I think it's I, because because they were writing that script. Yes, you know, and I'm sure that there's iterations of that script that are pretty great. 
I would love to see Ben Affleck come back and direct it. He's made f- uh, four movies for Warner Brothers. He made Gone Baby Gone, The Town, Argo, which won Best Picture, and he made Live By Night. Live By Night was an expensive movie that didn't make much money. But his other three movies, uh, actually, it's still a, a, a very good, very handsomely made film. Seeing Joe Manganiello uh, uh, as Deathstroke, and even in the nightmare sequence that they added, I- I'm like... I want that movie so damn bad because, first of all, I'm an old-school Teen Titans fan. You know, Marv Wolfman <laughs> and George Perez. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite <clears throat> team books. And, you know, now it seems old hat to say, but when I was reading that shit, the Judas contract, I couldn't. I'm like, wait, what? Like, when I was reading that and you found out that Tara's, you know, she was working for Deathstroke and, like, she comes down in a little negligent. I'm like, what is going you know, on walking, here? Like, she's sleeping. With, I mean, like. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And, and I, I love the Terminator. I love Deathstroke. And and to see that iteration of Deathstroke go up against. And look, that's, to me, that's how they left that movie off. The the, the movie ended, Snyder's, Snyder's cut of that movie. That's what it was supposed it, to be, it, yeah. it, it, and And to me, I don't think we're going to get Zack Snyder's Justice League again. But in terms of if the Snyder verse continues, give me that Batman Terminator movie because I can see that actually happening. See, and that's that's what I'm talking about. We're going to be uh, also joined by uh, Mr. Chainsaw Reacts. What's up, sir? Hey, I was uh, watching the stream and I was just hearing Robert just talk about all this stuff, and I'm like, I got to get in on this. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I like he, he DM me, I was like, Hey, man, you want in? Let's do this. You know. Um, just speaking quickly about the Joe thing and Deathstroke. He's been talking so much about it, and I'm like, just do it. Just yeah. do it. Once once he mentioned Batgirl was going to be in the mix, I'm like, okay, you sold me. I'm, I'm I'm ready. Just give me that movie. And the fact that it ends with Lex is like, oh, by the way, is this, he's Bruce Wayne. Like, oh. So, like, and, that, and, and Robert, how- to your and to your point, uh, budget constraints-wise, mm. you know, that that's not going to cost what a Justice League 2 or 3 no. is going to no. cost. No. no, it won't. Because you know you do it like like it's not like Christopher Nolan's movies weren't expensive, but you shoot, go to Chicago and shoot it. Yeah. You know you don't you don't like when Zack Snyder is shooting against green screen, it is very very expensive when you're shooting a lot of green screen because every shot becomes an effect shot. Yeah, every shot has compositing to do. Every shot has to have a background created. So that the way he shoots and his visualization is a lot it's very reliant on vfx but if you like it and i'm sure the end but even look at the way it looks when he goes to talk to lex at the end when they're they're actually on a boat like that water that was was an actual boat (laughs) it was it was a real boat and and that's how you make the movie and keep the price down yes and i don't know what uh, look I, i don't know the dc universe and the marvel universe between all this multiverse stuff like the flash Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck and Ezra Miller. I mean, to me, that's that's also a continuation of the Snyderverse because these characters are yeah. are moving forward. And I I think that Zack Snyder should produce the Batman movie that Ben Affleck directs. See, and then another thing too is like, uh, and I've even ran this by you know the man himself. It's like, okay, so you have you had all this 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 you know just like two and three. You had this the rest of the the arc that you wanted for Superman. I mean, obviously you're you're busy because he, he, mind you, he's also got another sci-fi fucking franchise he's gonna pitch also too. He's gonna be pretty busy. I'm like, all right. So what if somebody were, if you were to like, hey, I'm not gonna be as hands-on. I'm not gonna be full-on director. If Justice League two and three were going to end up being, you know, something. 
Um, maybe you just were like, hey, I'm producer, blah, blah, blah. Maybe I'll direct the first episode, but then take the rain, somebody else. And he's like, yeah, totally. Totally. That's that's 100%. Yeah. Somebody take take on what I had planned. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. And I know some people are like, no, it's either going to be Zack Snyder or nothing. I'm like, no, you can't think of it like that because, you know, the man is not going to wait around for fucking Warner Media. Man, obviously, we still haven't even got like full fledged numbers from HBO Max. Um, he's not going to wait around. He's going to continue on. He's got Army of the Dead coming out. And he's going to start shooting horse platitudes, uh, horse, almost said platitudes, latitudes. Um, and, uh, Which should know, be great. I want to see that. Yes, exactly. I'm, 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 I'm actually craving a Zack Snyder non super, you know, green screen. V- so is he, he's like, yeah, finally I can make a film that doesn't have green screens everywhere. Well, it's like the stuff he did with man of steel, like with yeah. young Clark, you know, in the yeah. backyard and his father and stuff on, I mean, and that's the thing. I think people have to remember, you know, this is not exactly the happiest time in Zack Snyder's life. No. This whole, I mean, n- not now it probably is, but when he was doing this whole project and the fact that he got to finish it for him personally is a huge, I'm sure, a huge triumph creatively and personally and, and what it means to him. The fact that he, you know, he dedicates the film yeah. to his, his his daughter who passed away. And all, and I, if I were him, I would move on. You know, it's it's why jump back in. And I think as fans, I we're selfish, but I think like it was an epic win. Everybody got what they wanted and and let it go and support all of his future endeavors and see where he's going to take it. But then go and and be like, look, man, I think doing Ben Affleck doing because what I love about the idea of Terminator going up against Bruce Wayne is in a way they're equals. Yes. You know, the, in different ways. <laughs> you, 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 the Dark Knight detective, they're both brilliant guys. They're incredible fighters. And, and they could, you could have a movie where they're almost like the way the Joker is sort of a mirror image of Batman. The Deathstroke, Slade Wilson, is a mirror image of Bruce Wayne. You know, Slade Wilson is Slade Wilson, a rich, worldly guy, a mercenary, but he's also Deathstroke the Terminator. And he does different things. He's he's worked in different worlds than than Batman than Bruce Wayne does. I mean, Bruce Wayne's tied to Gotham, whereas Deathstroke is a man of the world. And and to watch those two guys go at each other, that could be one great. I movie. mean, and unlike it, it, anything that we've seen before, as far as superheroics are concerned, it, I mean, it could be a really good movie. And you heard like Joe talk about like uh, you know how he wanted to be like you know what I want to be as you know, I want to, I want to ground him, you know, I'm not, you know, let's not get into the super serum stuff yet. It's just, I want it to be, he's Batman's equal. And I mean, just everything that he's explained about it, like his pitch about it. And then Ben Affleck, you know, being so excited that, oh yeah, I'm going to have Deathstroke as my villain. So let's release this test footage as <laughs> before I get on a fucking plane. I love that. That's so awesome that Ben Affleck was like, you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to put this, I'm going to post this on Twitter Deathstroke test footage, and I'm gonna get on a plane and see what happens. And it blew. Did up. he do that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I. I. Well, I got Justice Con. I. Or no, I think he's even mentioned before. But Joe, I, I. I interviewed Joe, and he said, "Yeah, basically, Ben Affleck was like so excited, and he was like, you know what? I'm gonna post this on Twitter, and then I'm gonna get on a plane, turn my phone off, get on the plane." <laughs> ben Affleck did. <laughs> Crazy, right? It just shows you right there. Well, I, I love when uh, I love when talk about when, metal. When, oh yeah, I love when uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds was on the Graham Norton show explaining how Deadpool happened and how they tried for a long time to get it done, and and then he's explaining that somehow this test footage 
got on the internet and Graham Norton's like, Oh really? How it got on the internet and how and Ryan Reynolds is like, I don't know how it got on the internet. Yeah, I mean, okay. and what's, what's interesting is that's the, that's the, the, what, what's interesting about Hollywood now is more so than ever, everyone wants to make IPs and things because they want something to have been successful in one iteration first, whether it was a video game, whether it's a comic book, whether it's a novel, you know, whatever it is, it proves that there's already an audience for this thing because Hollywood is so risk averse because of how much money movies take to get made now. So that's why everyone's IP, IP, IP. It has to be something previously existing so we can throw money into it. Well, when you have something like Deathstroke, I mean, um, uh, Deadpool, if you look at Deadpool and the way that evolved, how they were going to make this and, and then they threw that footage out and they made the first Deadpool basically for $65 million, which seems really, it, it's still expensive. That's not chump change, but compared to other superhero movies, <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it was very satisfying and you had somebody like Tim Miller who had an effects company, you know, he did the injustice that, that great injustice movie with the justice league for the video game. It was like the video oh, game oh, promo. Oh. Well, even that, the, the Batman, uh, you know, origins when it showed like Bruce, you know, and then Bruce yeah. and then Bruce and then Bruce. I mean, it was so well made. I mean, by throwing that out there and seeing the resoundingly positive response to that Deadpool footage, I mean, yeah, the Deadpool footage, it's a way of manipulating and proving out there those analytics. You can look at how many times do people watch this on the internet? And it's like, ooh, let's say 50 million people watch it. Then they're like, well, if 50 million people watch this little video, this this test video, those same 50 million people might pay 10 bucks or 20 bucks to go see this movie. And you're looking at uh, half a billion or a billion dollar gross. And in the case of Deadpool, it was what, 750 million? Mm-hmm. So that's six. It costs sixty-five million marketing costs. However much, even if they had a great marketing budget, let's double that to one hundred and fifty million. So yeah. or or, or one hundred and thirty million, double, and they spent as much on marketing as they did in the movie. It still made seven hundred and fifty million. And if you go by Hollywood math, it you have to make four times what it cost, and you're still ahead of the game, you know, by a wide margin. So that was a big win. So if they do the same thing, I mean, if they were able to make a Batman movie for, say, 90 million, that would be an epic oh my win. God. And I think someone like Ben Affleck could do that. <sighs> and what, 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 I, what I find interesting is that, you know, there's not a lot of people don't think about cost cutting when they're making these big budget movies. They're like, well, they're going to cost 150 million to 200 million. But I would be like, you know what? You've got to pull back your thinking and a Deathstroke versus Batman movie. Uh, don't call it that, though, please. Um, <laughs> if you please don't. But yeah. you could do that movie. And if the philosophy behind it was like, OK, we're going to make this for less than $100 million. That way you're assured that's almost a slam dunk. And if you have Ben Affleck, who's already directed a best picture winner for Warner Brothers, if they don't see the value in doing something like that, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, because between between with that budget, then it becomes attractive where Warner Brothers was like, Bob, I can't say no to that because we'll put this out in theaters and we can make somewhere between 500 million and a billion dollars and then put it on HBO Max. I mean, that's a win win for everybody. But again, it it has to be you'd have to convince somebody. Could you make that movie for, say, 90 million dollars or 95 million dollars? Could you do it? And it's tough. 
it's it's a hard thing to do. And now there's you know there's all kinds of new technologies like we know that the the Mandalorian the Lucasfilm stagecraft technology that is being used they're using it on Thor, uh, Thor Love and Thunder, and I'm curious to see ultimately to find out how does that affect big budget superhero films? Does it bring the budget down significantly because you still have to generate what's behind you, you know, and, and you, it's it still, it, does it, does it hold, because you can tell that there are production limitations. Like even when you watch the Mandalorian, it's great technology, but there are still limitations to what can be done. Yes. And, um, uh, you, you'd have to see, uh, but we're getting more. That's what the great thing about film is. The technology is always advancing. Well, I was actually yeah. going to ask about the stagecraft yeah. thing, because that's something that's been brought up about if Zach was to do two and three, would stagecraft be a good way to go instead of traditional green screen? I mean, in general, Hollywood, I think if they're using a Thor love and thunder, if it's successful in terms of keeping costs down or just helping with locations, the MCU, like Kevin Feige could start going more in that direction for future films. Oh, I think everybody's going to go in that direction. I mean, it's, it's 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 going, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing technology, but again, it's just it's just another tool, it, and it really depends yeah. how it's how it's wielded, how it's utilized. Yeah, and we're also going to be joined by Mr. Uh, Enosh from Point Dexter Lounge. What's up, sir? What's up, guys? Hello there. How are you? Hey, Robert. Good man. How are you? Good to see you, man. Good to see you as well. Always good to hear you. I I just I could just sit in the back and listen to Robert talk all night long. I mean, well, I mean that's I mean that's what I'm probably that's pretty much what I've been doing all night. It's Absolutely, I mean, you know, I, for you, but, by the but, way. But luckily, we have like a love of like you know old film and old horror films that we you know, and then our love of like you know John Woo films that was kind of like you know where we kind of really connected. Where it's like, yeah, we both loved slow motion you know gunfights with doves. That's right. So <laughs> that's that's where we really connected, and I was like, there it is, right there, you know. You know? I have a great, a great six scale figure of Chow Yun Fat from A Better Tomorrow. Oh shit! So, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. What what you trying to pull out there, Scott? <laughs> I'm just, I just I had toys, Enoch. I mean, you see, that's on. the thing. That's the thing. We're like, I mean, you got toys. We, we're we're in the mix of like all these, you know, toy. Animals. I got one. Yeah, too. Oh, those, those, those are McFarland. Those are McFarlands, right? Yes, yeah. these are McFarland. Those I, are my, great. My John Stewart just came in uh, earlier this week, and my Batman Beyond is supposed to come in tomorrow. Oh, heck yes, <laughs> heck yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> I just I just unboxed this, much to the chagrin of somebody. I was like, dude, it's it's there's there they make millions of these, man. It's okay. It's it's well, right. it's, a McFarland and it's got figure. accessories and stands. Like, I know, man. It's like, take it out of the box. box. Yeah, I mean, I take my this, hot toys. Yeah. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> These are one of the ones you got to take out of the box, you know, and, and have some fun with. So. Exactly, exactly. Uh-oh, what do you got? Bring it oh, oh, look at that. Oh, Uh-oh. Nice. Look at that. Open it up. Oh. Uh, I should. You know what? I've really never taken this. I've never really opened this figure, to be honest. As a matter of fact, I, I, I have never opened oh, this figure. Oh, oh, oh an exclusive. I've, I've exclusive. Never, yeah. I mean, people have seen these before, but I, I have honestly, I've never opened this uh, figure up. Oh, I'm gonna make you like the main. <laughs> oh, Robert, we, we still got to do that toy show, man. We still yeah, we do. do that toy I'm show. telling oh, you because be Enosh, Enosh, I mean, geez, he'll match you. Uh, Look at this. I know. Let me yeah, hang on. I'm just glad for the for the zoom in because suddenly I get to see Vampirella over his shoulder. So oh, right. <laughs> so yeah, here here you here you is your hot toy. Uh, here's your wow. hot toy box. Look at that. And, and what's cool is the cape is actually coming through. Oh, nice. <laughs> there. So that's pretty cool. It, it's I've got so much stuff on my desk. <laughs> it's such an unruly mess. But um, by the way, what a great T-shirt. 
Oh, thank you. A lot of people like, what is that? I know. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. They, um, they don't know what that is, but no, no. Uh, what is the t-shirt? I didn't even notice. It's it's fr- it's this is the insignia of the alien invaders from the miniseries V from the eighties, yeah. oh, okay, okay, not the okay, Marina okay. Bacarin one. Nice. So wait, let me take this out. Uh, oh, take the oh, oh, you, you'll oh. be you'll be proud, uh, Robert. So wow, some, this some is, friends got together and they're actually they actually purchased me the uh, the Zack Snyder's Justice League set with black suit Superman. Oh, and oh yeah. it's my it's Look my first that. hot toy. It's my first hot toy. This, this figure is. Dope! I oh love this figure. Dude, look at the detail on that shit. Oh yeah, oh. I mean, look at look at this. I mean, this is I got to take all the foam out of here. But it also comes with uh, a different head sculpt, and I'm sure people already know yeah. this. Yeah. But the uh, the this lights up. Oh so, wow! Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's it's him using his heat vision. That's awesome. Um, but boy, do I love these figures. They uh, there's it comes with batteries. So you know, you know your your hot toys are great when it comes with these little uh, watch batteries, <laughs> so you can put in the head. Um, but yeah, and then of course all the different it comes with uh, different hands. Of course, yes. But this it's funny. I've I've had this figure for quite some time, and I've I've never, never taken it out. My God, this is a great figure. and what's interesting is is i have i i i didn't get the the um batman v superman figures but i have the man of steel superman but obviously this suit is much bluer it's it's much brighter um but wow i'm so happy to have this because i have i have all the the justice league figures that are Mm -hmm. that are out but i don't i hope they make a cyborg please of course please hot toys please make a cyborg Please do that because he is the heart of the story. Come on, I know that's <laughs> yeah. the dope figure. I'm excited. Yeah. To, I'm excited to get my first Hot Toys man with with that set, that black suit Superman oh. and Nightmare Batman. Like I was blown away yeah. when my friends told me they were getting that for me. So, oh, that but was... the problem is it doesn't come out till third quarter. I know, twenty two. <laughs> I know. So I got to wait. You know, but, the, you know. But the I'll best be part then. is, is that I can do a fifty dollar payment plan per month to make it very affordable. Yeah, that's <laughs> there you go. that's the beautiful go. thing about it. I uh, the beautiful thing. But that's a great. I mean, that's a really great two-pack and you know i didn't get that nightmare batman when they first made it available so i'm happy when hot toys reissues things and i can pick but them some up. things you got to wait for i mean like you know i convinced my wife to actually let me drop the money on the has labs uh razor crest you know and uh I, I was like so excited so excited and then the next week they blew up the freaking razor crest yeah but it's still awesome I mean, oh i know i know but I, I was watching it and so like some friends of ours use it as a drop because we were doing a watch party and all of a sudden i'm like no <laughs> that I, that was pretty painful oh it was it was i felt that one that was like the red wedding of the mandalorian <laughs> <laughs> they should have played the reigns of castamere over the end credits you know I'm, I'm still dealing with the fact that i've started my payments on that weta dark side statue yeah oh, you dude. got that right yeah i did oh man yeah I how did. awesome how awesome is that statue dude. it is amazing <laughs> How, how I'm you... just now starting to dabble into into like smaller statues, you know. I mean, like I, I got I got some GI Joe ones, you know, and uh, and so I started with like with Cobra Commander and like Serpentor from GI Joe and Destro and stuff. So I'm working my way up to bigger ones, but you know, but See, that, oh. that, yeah, that, See, I'll Enosh, be a while before I get something like that dark side, man. You gotta understand, Enosh. I've been working for years because like I have the entire like DC collectibles that are great. Would do great statues. So I've yeah. got like yeah. 
the designer series. I have every bombshell statue. Mm, like those all are the, great. Uh, yeah. I have every single one. The one that hurts me is that when AT&T closed down the collectibles line, there was a Huntress statue that was supposed to come out with her in like uh, like like in like leather pants with an electric guitar. She's going to be like a 50s like oh. rocker and that one's never coming out now. Mm. And it, it, it the pre-order hasn't been canceled yet, but I'm like, but dude, you guys aren't making it. So <laughs> stop teasing me like it's still right, something right. I'm going to get. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, there's, I mean, we live again in in a wondrous age of right. amazing stuff. Do you guys ever watch a channel, uh, Gem Mint Collectibles? No, I've seen I it. Not. I've seen it. Okay, he's this guy. I, I, I think he lives in Texas. He, I love this guy, and and he collects omnibuses, hardcover. He has an incredible. I, I, I mean, I love my omnibuses. So I have a lot, but I don't have nearly as many as. Like he has every one, every a DC, and every every omnibus that comes out. So he reviews omnibuses and everything, but he also reviews and collects statues. Mm. And I don't collect statues, but I watch his channel religiously because he does like Justin, who does Hot Toys figures. He reviews all the statues like Prime One statues. And, mm, yeah. and I love watching his channel living vicariously through him because <laughs> there is so many awesome like he gets in everything that's cool and you look at this and you're like oh my god where would i put that my girlfriend's (laughs) like you better not start buying statues hot toys figures is one thing but these things are like four feet tall man (laughs) and i'm like what can i say honey uh i got an i i need it Uh oh elizabeth bell my girlfriend is in this chat Uh she just said so many figures still in boxes free the toys so many are still in boxes she wants to open up all my toys oh yeah yeah see i'm one of those two where i'm like you know when i get a funko pop i mean you know some some people are like no don't 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 take it out of the box i'm like why why not why can't i take i mean they're fun they're fun i i want to take it out of the box but i know some people are like they frown upon that and it's like well you know the the idea of that is that it, it it you're supposed to be holding on to its value yeah, I you know, get like, that. But... And so the idea is you're actually then buying your toys because you're going to sell them one day and you're going to make how much money? Exactly. Why not buy Bitcoin or something or stocks or invest in real estate? Yes. You, you know, I mean, it's you're not going to make that. I mean, hot toys are pretty, pretty stable investment, but still. Yeah. You know. That's that's what I tell people. People come over to my house and they just walk through the house and they're just like, this is so amazing. You could sell all this stuff and make bank. And I'm just like. That's I, no, that's not why I collect. And like, I've got some cool stuff, but like, that's not you got to You got to collect it just because you love it, because you love being surrounded yeah, by it. Yeah. And it's 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 yes. And uh, that's it's it's a look. Yes, that's true. You can make certain yeah. some money on. But even if you let's say you buy a hot toys figure at at for 200 bucks and you can sell it for 600. Hey, you made 400 dollars. <laughs> I mean, that's not going to get you on a vacation to Tahiti. No, <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, you you you'd have to have like a hundred hot toys that you could sell for a profit of you know two hundred percent or something, and then you might have something. But then you would also have had to spend the money to have enough hot toys figures to make that worth your while. And I think now, even the hot toys that are worth, like if you go back and you look at vintage hot toys, uh, like ones they came out like fifteen years ago, they came out with. All of the alien uh, colonial marines from mm. aliens. Oh, but at the time they didn't have the likeness rights for the characters, so they made the colonial marines. But the faces, the the costumes were really cool, but the faces weren't 
like Apone did not look like Apone, and Michael <laughs> Bean to yeah. Hicks did not look like Hicks, and Hudson yeah. did not look like Hudson. They kind of did, but not really. Yeah. Um, and one of the one of I still have is I've got Ripley in the power loader, the Hot Toys Ripley in the power Ooh. loader. But they were going to redo that, but those are like worth money. But again, they're not as good as they could be. And at the end of the day, um, you know, just I don't know. I hope uh, toys are meant to be opened. Well, she, you know, th- see, I, I'm on both sides. <laughs> William, I saw, is in the chat, and he was giving me a hard time because uh, he's he's the one that I opened up the the Green Lantern on because I, you know, there are some toys that I have that I absolutely want to keep in the box just because. I, I love the packaging. I love yeah, the, yeah. I don't sure, and you should. And and some and some are meant to be displayed that way. And then some, you know, like like this, it's like if they're mass produced and I can just go get one at any time and it's not that big of a deal and it's a twenty dollar figure, like you know, I've got some now, all of my my Star Wars black series figures. I keep all those in the box. That's why I've got a whole wall full of them because I like the way that they display that way and they're yeah, cool they like look that. cool on I the can wall. See that. Yeah. But yeah. uh but you know, some stuff, you know, I just I just want to be able to have out and, and be able to you know, manipulate and play with and pose and, and do things. And my wife is funny. She collects as well. And so she's got all of her stuff up in our, uh, up in our room and she's got a side room that she's got stuff in. But uh, during last year she was officing from home. And so she had to use my office and she would just tell me, she's like, I get it. She's like, I always did get it, but now I get it even more. She's like, because even the roughest days that I, I've had during all of this, at, you know, working and everything, she's like, how can you, how can you stay down or be upset when like you look up and you're looking at star Wars and he man and wrestlers, I'm you know, right there with you, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it brings me joy. It brings me happiness. And so it's kind of like where right now where I'm positioned, I'm just looking at my bookshelves and I just see tons and tons of books. And that just makes me (laughs) other other people see a big cluttered mess. And I just see things that make me (laughs) happy, like books stacked everywhere. Just like I get to hold it. I get to smell it. I get to touch it. Like it's just nothing wrong with that. It's what some people have flowers. I have paperbacks. What can I say? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have to say, even like I look, I used to have books like right behind me and I had this idea. I'm like, you know, I have these, these seven samurai action figures from the movie that I bought 15 years ago. I hadn't taken them out of the box that they were in. I had them displayed in various places, but they hadn't been displayed here in a long time. You can't really see them all, but they're, they're right here. And I put them up. I like took them out and put them up. And I love seeing that. I have this, that I have, this is Toshio Mifune as Yojimbo. This is Tom Cruise's Nathan Algren from The Last Samurai. Mm-hmm. And then mm. I put um mm. I put uh Maximus. I recently got a really great third-party Maximus figure from Gladiator, and I think I might have to crack open my baby doll figure from Sucker Punch and, and put her with her samurai swords and put her yes. right next to you, Jimbo. Do um, it. I know, I think I will, but I like sitting here like when I'm when I'm doing my own show, I can just look behind me and go, God damn, those figures are cool. Yes. <laughs> you know, I recently got a Jimi Hendrix. Uh, so I got John Lennon here and there's Jimi Hendrix here. And I have, um, I have, a, uh, I ordered a head sculpt and an outfit. So it doesn't come with a body, but I bought the body separately for Freddie Mercury, you know, of queen. So I'm going to put Freddie Mercury like between them. Nice. <laughs> so it's like Hendrix and John, Le- uh, John Lennon are going to be backing up Freddie Mercury right there on my shelf. So nice. 
that, that, you know. that's my wife my wife is a huge queen fan i'm a huge queen fan but she's a huge queen fan so i had to buy her like all these you know action figures of uh freddie mercury and and everything and and, and some some of those start to get pricey too some, yeah uh, some of that stuff but uh but they're they're fun you know i think it's funny that she wants the rock stars and i'm the musician i just think it's crazy like i never had i never wanted like i never thought i wanted six scale figures and there was this company they 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 were unscrupulous they went under but the one figure that they actually put out was that john lennon figure and it's actually a really great figure the company was called molecule eight and they didn't pay they didn't pay the their sculptors who were designing things they were going to do a quarter scale Jack Burton from big trouble in little China that I really wanted. And the, the John Lennon was the only figure they made. And I thought, well, that's a cool, cause I like pop culture figures. I've got my Charlie Chaplin there and James Dean and Vampirella or whatever. And, and uh, I bought, I bought it and it was like such a great figure. And I was so bummed they went out of business. But when that, when um, Blitzway made a Jimi Hendrix, I'm like, Oh, I, I have to get that. Because it's got to go. He's got to go with John Lennon, of course. You know, and that's the kind of why, 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 why shouldn't you get that? Of course, of course, you should get that. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. And then, and then we're talking about this, and then I have my cute little plush Cthulhu doll that I hold on to, just <laughs> yeah. because you know we need the old ones, we need the elder gods watching yeah. over us while uh, we while we talk. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> I was not 100%. expecting that at all. That just came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I, really, I was not expecting like that. that. What what company made that? It's got the tag on it. What company makes that Cthulhu uh, doll? This is um it's an independent uh they're connected with Comics Tribe. This was a Kickstarter and they have a they had a alphabet book for children called C is for Cthulhu oh my and gosh. every letter of <laughs> oh the alphabet every letter of the alphabet <laughs> was a character from hp lovecraft oh wow <laughs> and since then they actually have a kickstarter wow. going on right now there's still a few days left because they've done c is for cthulhu they've done sweet dreams cthulhu that was like a good night book about like don't be scared of the monsters under your bed <laughs> and now they're doing one for coloring and counting that you can back on kickstarter Genius. i have kid. i have kids so <laughs> and you're my 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 eight my he's now eight and my five-year-old they each have their own cthulhu's and i used to read c is for cthulhu to them regularly at night and that was like a <laughs> daddy read me c is for cthulhu and they had a t-shirt they would wear to school and uh, yeah, my oh. kids don't have a chance. <laughs> oh my gosh! I think oh. you're raising them right. That's what you're doing. I oh, you this, are. This, no, this is the best one. This is the one that's really been a big one. This is one that it's a pillow <laughs> that comes with a blanket that's stored inside the pillow, and so it's a full size blanket with a Cthulhu pillow to rest your head on. Oh and goodness. it was my eight year old's like his whoopee like his, his like he had to like he'd walk around with the blanket like cover it up but it was like the blanket he did and so like i have kids who know who cthulhu is this is amazing this is what i've done to my children <laughs> you're inspiring me whenever i become a parent i love no, it you gotta no, the do deal, that's no you you i i always love being a nerd and a geek going i never i got older i grew up but i didn't ever lose what it was like to be a child and so i don't i love being able to go ahead and inspire that in my kids but giving them things to love that i think are like 
Yeah, sure, they love Spider-Man and Batman and Superman and all of that. But I also like doing the little quirky <laughs> things that go, but you're my kid. Mm-hmm. So you're actually going to know what this is. Like when I got to introduce them to like Voltron. It was oh, like, heck yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I was able to pull out like my OG Voltron from 1984. And it was like, here, you get to, yeah. play, you get to play with metal toys. No, not metal, but like actually metal, metal. Oh, yeah. and because i had all five lions from 84 nice. that like nice. built yeah. voltron and it was great you know, to go here toys. Yeah, yeah i was like that's nice that's awesome it's paladins yeah. yay heck yeah heck yeah baby i don't heck have anything yeah. to pull all i have is a ps5 controller that's all i got <laughs> it, it's it's okay i'm i'm just famous for my ability to pull random crap out no, that's, you yeah, know yeah, speaking of random crap i realized something this week you know i was I was on with uh, Cape Cast, who I met here. Uh, I met those guys on the Vodka yeah. stream here, and it was funny because we were we were going over uh, Justice League Part Five. We were just talking about like Zack Snyder's, you know, eye for detail, and I heard you guys talking about Steppenwolf, you know, and the spiky look and all that stuff. So here's my super. I got a whole stack of super old superpowers uh, action figures here. And oh, this is something dude, I. This is something Kirby, I did, man. This is oh, and oh those yeah, are I, great I, figures. I've, I've already too. showed you my my you know my dark nice. side here, but here's Steppenwolf, and I never even thought about this, but like if you look at this, like the even the old school one, he's got spikes all over him. Yes. He's got spikes all over him and I yep. never even thought about it. And like, I was literally, we were talking about it on the air and then I realized on the stream, I'm like, dang it all, man. Attention to detail. <laughs> Bring the spikes back. You know, that spikes dark side figure you showed was really cool though. That was awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, awesome. I, got, I got a bunch of these old ones. We were, uh, we were going on. I got an old brainiac. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. The old eighties brainiac. Well, that's, that's, that's the John Byrne brainiac, isn't yep, it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, sure is. I got uh, Hal Jordan there. Of course. Mm-hmm. Got to have Hal Jordan. Um, I've got uh, Green Arrow. Yeah. Old school Green Arrow there. And yeah. uh, of course, uh, of course, you got to have, you know, Superman. <laughs> and I got and I got I got Batman and Robin. I, I got a Batman. Do you have, Mar- do you have the Martian Manhunter, the superpowers Martian I Manhunter? Don't, I don't have that one, but I do have Dr. Fate. <laughs> Doctor, yeah, the, the, the Dr. Yes. Fate and the Martian Manhunter were my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are great, great, great figures. And I and I got Wonder Woman, and I I love her. Uh, <laughs> when I brought up uh, Aquaman, his leg was like sticking out like that <laughs> by accident. And I was like, I was like, look, it's Aquaman. Yeah, he <laughs> swims with one leg, yeah. right? But I, I love the Wonder Woman because they all had you know the action features, and I just love it. Like she's just like that's her saving Batman's ass. Yeah. Right, right. My my bat my Batman and Robin are out in the living room with the uh the Batmobile from Superpowers and uh and the Supermobile. But I got a Batman or I got a Batmobile collection, so I got pretty much every Batmobile that they made, but uh but that's out in the other room. So <laughs> that's in the other room. Just ain't it, yeah. No, but uh I mean you know, getting off the uh, the toys thing and stuff, talk about. I mean, and oh, Robert, if you need it, yeah, I don't know, we can still talk about toys if you want to. It's fine. I'm just saying. I was just getting back to the restore the Snyderverse thing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to get, actually get your opinion, uh, Robert. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to keep you if you have to. You know, I know you got to leave in a little bit. But... I do, yeah, because we have to walk our dogs first. But yes. I mean, I, I can't tell you. This has been. I love this stream. I can't believe we got on this stream two hours and what, Dude, it always 40 minutes flows. ago 
It's the greatest dream ever. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I wanted to get your opinion about the, uh, you know, of course we got restore the Snyderverse. We kind of talked about that, but you know, what's your opinion about the fact that HBO max is just like, they have yet to really go, Hey, Hey, here are the numbers right here of what happened with Zack Snyder's Justice League. We got Godzilla versus Kong. We got Mortal Kombat, but not really Zack Snyder's Justice League. Well, uh, look, the, the thing is, it's that's a, it with new movies. It's different. Yeah, because with new new movies, it's it you're you're reporting to a lot of other people Yeah, like legendary. Uh, that's a mm-hmm. legendary paid for most of that movie. So it's their movie. So they expect to get those numbers. Anybody would in terms of box office, worldwide box office, to see how it's going to perform. When it comes to Zack Snyder's Justice League, they don't have to tell anybody. You know, they, whether it was a success, a failure, whether it was disappointing, or whether it performed over their expectations, this is an internal HBO matter. So there's no reason they don't have to release those numbers. Whereas, other outside companies need to know what those numbers are because they're supplying it. Whereas it was an HBO max internal decision to do justice league, to uh. do Zack Snyder's justice league. So for them, it's, it's, we don't need to tell anybody. Mm. And, and I think that look at the end of the day, they're releasing it on physical media next month. So they they've got another revenue stream and I, I'm sure a lot of, it's probably going to sell well. As I said earlier, I ordered two different steelbooks. Where did you order those, by the way? I was curious. The first one I got was from, I got one, the, I love the one, uh, like the King Arthur one where everybody's holding up their, the, like Mm, the trident. And I got that from the UK. Mm. And then actually I got, I think both of them are coming from the UK. If I remember correctly. I'm like, I don't think they're exclusive to the US yet. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, and one of them I have to shout out to the lovely Emma Bannon, who is one of my viewers and a, a, a great member of the post-geek singularity. She was the one she's been getting me things uh, like from HMV when they release special editions. And I think that was an HMV special edition. I don't know if it's on Zavi, but I, I wanted that cover because I love Excalibur and I love that somebody did like all the, the, the you know, one land, one King it's and they're all holding up. Cover, man. Like, yeah. I was like, I got to have that. Dude, like, yeah. you know, bring bring that on and it's it's not that expensive you know it's just whatever the regular steelbook thing is so i had to get that and then i, I think the other one just has the characters on it okay so like, i think it's a black and white cover i think okay i, I, Robert, I was also curious talking about the uh, number reporting i mean it's also been positive that part of that is also them justifying the hybrid release and trying to basically go look you roasted us back in December, but it's actually worked out really well for us. I mean, you could, yeah. I mean, that's a great way to spin those numbers too. When Zack Snyder's Justice League is just, it's a Max original. And have they really, they've done it for like their documentaries, but think about some of the other Max original films. Well, if you're going to be objective about it, they really haven't touted the numbers of those either. So yeah, I mean, really streaming sort of, they they're not usually in the the they don't share like Netflix doesn't share its numbers. No. And and yeah. also, you know, one of the things about there there's something called the I don't know if you guys have heard about this before, but there's something called the long tail. And the long tail deals with like the value of of media and and when something first comes out, the value of it, you know, goes way up like your initial box office. But then as it peaks and crests, it goes down, but then eventually it hits 
what's called the long tail, where uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League will be watched forever. Mm -hmm. So, and it might not be watched as much as it's watched now, but it will continue on, and it'll it'll be something people are going to be watching ten years from now. Just like when you go back and like we're doing a rewatch of Game of Thrones, Elizabeth and I, and, and you go back, the first season of Game of Thrones is a decade old, and yet. People are probably watching that a lot too. So, Zack Snyder's Justice League will be will be an earner, an earner, so to speak, for for HBO Max forever. And also, it was huge in terms of advertising. The amount that that was discussed in terms of social media, in terms of the it was it was basically free advertising for HBO Max. They could even chalk it up to marketing costs. That it's a loss leader. So. Um, there's a lot of different ways that they could look at it and go that was successful. So, but I don't think they'll ever release the numbers. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and then we got new like Samba TV numbers. It said like you know from now or uh, from the release to now is like thirty-seven point something million views. I mean, we the thing the thing about the numbers. I mean. Yeah, we're not going to get those definitive numbers, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? And, you know, and I, and I'm going to scream this to the high heavens. I mean, the fact that Brad Paisley still fucking tweeted out, hashtag restore the Snyderverse, I will always scream that out. Like, just because it was so random, like Brad Paisley, really? Right. Just, just randomly goes, hashtag, you know, I don't know. There's just, I mean, the buzz that this created. I mean, that's what we got to take from this is like, it did create this crazy buzz. I mean, 1.5 you know, million tweets with the hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I love the fact that Robert, what you, what you said, it's like, well, I mean, I mean, uh, hopefully we get the air cut. I, I think that's almost a no brainer. I don't know what your thoughts about the air cut is Robert. I mean, it, it almost seems like, Hey, why not? I mean, I don't know. It, it's all about timing because yes, the oh. suicide squad coming out. It's like, what do you do? Do you release it before or do you release it after what, what happened? Uh, yeah, I, uh, look, I hated that movie. It, to me, yeah. as an editor, it was almost unwatchable. I, and I like David Ayer as a filmmaker. Yes. I'm like, there. I can't believe what happened to that movie and what they did to him. And exactly. Look, the, the whole, the, the, the real lesson that I think should be taken away from what happened to Zack Snyder and David Ayer was a complete failure of Warner Brothers management. Yes. They, they, had, they, they lost faith in their filmmakers because they're not Kevin Feige's. <laughs> they're, they're executives and they don't really know. And they were responding to external stimuli and running around like, wow, we have to change this or we have to do it like, uh, we have to. And I'm like, that's no way to run a film business. You basically cut your two great filmmakers. You cut them loose. You basically took your talent. And that's something you never want to do. They, they fucked them both. And Suicide Squad made more money than it was supposed to or than they thought it was. But that was a fluke. <laughs> that movie was uh, the, the fact that they had a trailer company cut it so bad. Everything that was on that movie could only be made better. But the problem with the air cut is it certainly doesn't have the groundswell of support. I mean, fans want to see it, but there was nobody that started a movement making money for you know suicide prevention to get that movie made. I, I think again, as a marketing tool, does David Ayer have? See, here's the thing: when you cut a movie together and you you cut it digitally. You 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 have it like somewhere it's archived. So Ayer's cut of the movie probably is archived somewhere where you can go plug the drives back in, turn it on, and watch the movie. And you you look at it and go, okay, well, how much is this going to cost? I'm sure it doesn't cost nearly as much money as Snyder's Justice League was going to cost because yeah. one, 
you're not going to have 2,600 effect shots because it's not four hours long. Okay. And so it, it's going to be half that. And maybe like, even if they only had right. to spend 40 or 50 million bucks, even that's marketing money for the original, you know, market James Gunn suicide squad. Well, you've seen gun suicide squad. Now go back and see a reimagining of the original, the way it was supposed to be in the first place. Wow. You know, they could do some really irreverent yeah. marketing thing and tie it in all together. That's and um, I, I think that would be, that would be a way, a way to go, you know, a way to do it. Thank um, but I, I uh, again, um, I mean, I, why not? The, they can only make the movie better, but it's not, you know, it's not show friends. It's show business. And the, the only way they would ever do it is if they figure out a way that they can make it economically feasible. And again, you've got a, the problem is the movie was finished. You know, Suicide Squad's done and it made a lot of money. You know, it made, what, 700 and something million dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like well, we already made our money. Like, why are we going to spend more? You know, it's not like the Snyder cut that Justice League turned out to be a trailer or a (laughs) trash fire or whatever, that it lost a bunch of money. So it's like, what can we do? We, uh, we can't, we can't fuck it up any more than we already did. So, I mean, it's tough. Again, it all comes down to economics that, that we might. and, And I think fans tend to forget that it all has to be, uh, economically motivated. So, I mean, I would, dude, I'd love to see Ayers kind of Suicide Squad. I think we all, we all, we're all clamoring for that. I mean, and uh, yeah, like you said, it's like, it, 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 I mean, you said it like it would be like a half, like half of what the Snyder Code would be. I, I even think it would be probably like a third or like maybe even a fourth yeah. of it because, yeah. like you said, it's like it, it was complete. There was, um, his cut was already, I mean, I, I remember there was talks about how like they were showing different, you know, test screenings and, you know, one of, you know, one of his, his actual cuts were like out there, like being test screened and blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, it yeah. probably wasn't finished though. I'm sure there was yeah. unfinished oh, effects sure. that have to change, but yeah. it, it, it was, and they'd have to do a new sound mix and everything. So again, I don't know. There's a lot of legal ramifications, contractual really? ramifications, money issues, things like that, that they would have to surmount, but they proved they could do it. I mean, the Snyder cut would be is way more difficult than I'm sure the um, uh, Ayers Suicide Squad cut would be. And I, I think, you know, again, it would be something that they could do. But then again, you know, I just hope people don't get into the habit of demanding because yeah. every movie is an iterative <laughs> process. Like you go through like what I would like, what I would really like. I talked to Brian. The JJ about cut. The JJ well, cut. <laughs> I want to go back and restore the friends and family cut of Superman Returns and put the original half an hour back. That yeah, was cut we out talked of that about movie. that. Yeah. 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 And I, 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 I like the film a lot more than what got released because, you know, people, there was no one talked in the first 20 minutes of the movie and kids didn't understand. Well, where are they flying through? What is this wrecked? What is this dome in the asteroids? I don't understand. You know, so they, they changed. Uh, 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 Cal Penn doesn't even speak in, in Superman Returns. And his character had an arc, you know, and I would love to see that. I mean, people, it'll never happen. And, I, you know, I talked to Brian about it. He's like, well, you know, I just like to see things move forward. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it'd be nice to, to have seen all that stuff because I thought it was a better movie. A lot of stuff was lost. But it is a fine line, too, in, in going back and trying to get you know, new cuts of films and stuff. And like, you know, how far do you take that? Exactly. I mean, you know, like you, because there's always going to be something, there's always going to be some complaint or whatever. And I mean, you know, people are, you know, clamoring for, 
you know, more George Lucas cuts of this and that and everything, you know, and it's just like, you gotta, you gotta be able to weigh it out and people got to understand like why these films specifically have been targeted for this, you know, that, that these things happened. This is why these fans felt this way. And these directors were treated in a certain way. And we would just want to see their works presented the way that they should have been in the first place. Yes. No, that's absolutely true. Uh, and it, but it's a slippery slope. It is, and and I think when fans want things, I, I would implore. I mean, I've been a fan my whole life, and um, people have fans should remember that there is a business component to all of this, and you know everybody like demands things and gets a little toxic to one another, and you know I've gotten in a lot <laughs> no, of fights with people online, yeah. but I but I think that that people have to remember you're talking about tens of millions of dollars. And ultimately, the things that we want cost money. And and you have to ask yourself, who would pay for this? And how would the studio possibly get paid back? And when you think about it, if HBO Max, they've got uh, money, say they want to do 10 million or $10 billion of production a year, some crazy number. Part of that money would have to go toward paying the Snyder uh, for the for the air cut of Suicide Squad. How are they going to get paid back by that? How many people are really going to watch that movie? And is it going to be worth it to HBO Max to spend the money? With the Snyder Cut, they felt because of the fan movement, and they could point, they can go, there's 15, there's 1.5 million, uh, it was trending, people tweeted, release the Snyder Cut or whatever. They can take that, and that's an analytic that they can go back and they can go, uh, this, this is 1.5 million people, or even more. Well, but I think like part of the uh, part of the uh, selling point when it comes to David Ayer's cut is like, I mean, when it was announced that Jared Leto was going to be part of Zack Snyder's Justice League, I mean, the fucking internet blew up. I mean, it was one of like the if you looked at the social media analytics of that, it was like everybody was talking about Jared Leto is going to be what he's going to be part <laughs> of this. So when it comes to the air cut, I mean, it's like. Hey, they cut out a lot of Joker. That's like a well, big yeah. I mean, part. I would agree with you. You go back and you look at the trailers for Suicide Squad. You're like, where's that movie? Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, where's... the first, the first, the, the Comic Con, the Comic Con, oh, 2000, Jesus, right? Yeah, the 2015. The I started a joke. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We live in a society where I was mm. entirely cut out of this movie. Let's make a new one. <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, I mean, that would be the selling point right there is the fact that it's like, hey, guess what? We have this other version that's got, hey, guess what? It's got about another half hour or something of of Jared Little's Joker. You know, that thing you were freaking out about when it came to uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I mean, that's where I think the selling point could be. And then, like you said, it's like, what do you do? Do you release, do you like uh, promote it before the Suicide Squad or after? I mean, that's always been, you know, yeah. question, but I think it's probably too late for before now, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I do have to go. I'm sorry yes. that I have to go. I'd stay here for another hour. I got my own midnight metal show to start. No, no, I get it, man. I got to go walk the dogs before walk I do that. Walk the dogs, man. No. no, I appreciate it, Robert, man. You're, you know, the door's open for uh the vodka stream i mean this has been great everybody's been enjoying the shit out of it chat's been lit up about it all and uh yeah man i appreciate you coming on you know oh, i was... appreciate you asking i mean thank yeah. you so much yeah you know it's I, one of the things that i've loved over the last year is is i've met so many great people that i've streamed with and talked to and yeah i love this 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 sort of 
uh, large online film pundit fan community that exists. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great. And I love, I love meeting people and streaming with everybody. It's great. It's been so much fun. It's good. All right. Go ahead and, uh, you know, plug yourself and then take off. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. wait, not that way. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Plug, plug. Uh, I'm that guy. No, uh, uh, well, uh, you can find me on on Twitter at Burnett RM. Find me on Instagram under my name, Robert Meyer Burnett. Come to my YouTube channel, The Burnett Work, where I do a live show all the time, like every day. And um, also, if you want to watch some of my work, well, one of the things I worked on is Dota Dragon's Blood, the anime series that's on Netflix now. And um, if you're on the East Coast, a movie that I... Um, produced and edited tango shalom <laughs> is playing at various festivals uh on the east coast now it's going to be uh, it's going to be at a there's going to be a drive-in event in washington dc nice on the 26th of may and uh, wednesday the 26th of may and you can go see it so if you've ever wanted to see a movie about a hasidic rabbi who believes god has told him he must learn to tango <laughs> well it's the movie for you and uh, I'm wow, that's I'm very the movie I've been waiting my entire life for. I'm telling I know, you, right? I'm there. Uh, oh, it's uh, it's fun for talk. the whole family. I like to call it a a Jewish spiritual quest indie dance comedy family fable. There so there is. you go. That's a good description. I love it. All right, <laughs> guys, Robert Meyer, uh, Burnett, man, thank you for uh, joining and uh, have a good show tonight. And uh, yeah, fucking metal, man. I mean, thank you, man, and uh, yeah. be seeing you as we yes, say. for sure. See you, man. Soon, sure, right. I'll see you. Yes, I love the fact that he's doing a metal show, man. I mean, come on, Chance. Yeah. I mean, jeez. I mean, you, yeah. you guys are talking metal. I'm like, oh shit, they're, they're mentioning Metallica. Oh, they're I know. Metallica. I was like, I had. I was like trying to like show him. Like, <laughs> what do you think? I didn't get like a full on thing. Like, what do you think about Metallica? And I mean, yeah. because I know like when next you time, showed up. Next time. Yeah, yeah. Next time, I want to talk more about because we could have went like totally big yes. time on that. Yes. But, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was good. So good. I just love hey, he's I just love a him. wealth of knowledge. I love he really just, he's, he's, he really is. And when he speaks, like even, you know, even if he says something that somebody doesn't necessarily agree with or something, he's he he just puts things in a way that it's like you can hear his his passion. You can hear his point of view and you understand why he thinks the way that he thinks a certain thing. So even if he thinks something a little different than you do or whatever, you know, I've seen people, you know, well, I disagree. I heard people say, well, I, I disagree with Robert Meyer Burnett, but like, man, I respect him. That, that That's, you know? that's how I felt about John Schnepp. It's like, there's, Oh yeah. Agreed, agreed with him about certain things. Mm-hmm. And then, but I was like, you know what? But I respect the fan. I, I respect the man. I mean, yeah, I, I, I him and John got uh, along so well because they they're they're like they're basically the same person. Yeah, <laughs> like they, they can talk for hours and you can just listen. I literally go back and listen to John Schnepp stuff all the time and oh, old yeah, heroes yeah. episodes and oh, their yeah. chemistry back and forth. I mean, that's it's it, it was it was amazing to hear. And remember those days? Remember those days? Uh, you know, like that that right there was you know the days that inspired me to even even think about having a youtube channel Me too. Or, or or doing anything was was those days man of those early movie talk days when you just tune in every day that was my thing man i i, I worked in my car pretty much all day i drove around i was in sales and and instead of listening to uh you know talk radio or sports radio or you know whatever man when i found that there were live shows every day that talked about this stuff that i love movies and nerd stuff i was it blew my mind and I would just put it on in the car. I'd plug it into the car and I just listened to it, man. Yeah. 
I thought it would never end. I thought that this, I like, know. Oh, this is so good. It's never going to stop and <sighs> crash and burn. But they're, yeah. like, they're still all there. You can go back and watch it. I mean, it's crazy yeah. to look back on certain things. Like like you were mentioning earlier, Dave, about that clip about John just talking about the Snyder Cutters or four-hour Justice League movie. Like he was dropping stuff. Well, dude, like, he told me. I mean, like, I mean, that was one of the things that like, you know, there was things I dis- disagreed with him when, you know, before. Prior to that, when it came to Schnapp, oh hi Callum, what's up, buddy? He's- yeah, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna let you guys finish off this night. <laughs> okay. This guy, this guy's teething, so it's gonna uh, be a it's gonna be a long night. A little rough, a little rough. Yeah, yeah but yeah, uh, good to see you guys. Yes, and uh, let you guys know um, we're not gonna be having a. Sadly, we're not gonna have Batman the Fanimated stream tomorrow because. A lot of birthdays are happening tomorrow for some reason. I don't know why there's like this crazy, like I have a buddy of mine who has a birthday tomorrow that I'm, you know, and then I have my aunt who has a birthday where I'm going to a barbecue and it's just, and then you, Scott, you have your, your wife, right? My Here, wife's birthday is Tuesday. So yeah, like so we're, we're doing, celebrating it. Yeah. we're celebrating it all weekend. Yeah. So. so we were trying to like Scott and I were going back and forth. Like, okay, maybe we could do it like this or then. And we, we just couldn't find a time tomorrow. So we're going to postpone the animated uh, stream till next week for, uh, uh, nothing to fear, right? That's yes, the, the first yeah. scarecrow episode. First scarecrow. And we know what's funny is I. You know what's funny is I watched it with my mom, uh, like last Sunday. She put oh. it on. She was like, you know what? Let's just put it on. And then like we just watched it. You know. So I'm like, I already have like notes like in my head about you know certain things I wanted to talk about it. But uh, yeah, we'll save it for next weekend. You know, just because this weekend's just too crazy. But uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Go ahead and plug, plug away like you okay. do. Well, of course, you can find me on Twitter at ScottDC27. You can find my podcast, the DC Film Squadcast, which this weekend will be Squadcast Movies as we talk about Gavin O'Connor's movie, Warrior. So that'll be this week. And of course, we're on Vero, Facebook, YouTube. You can find the entire network of shows at SquadcastMedia.com. There it is. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for participating. Thank you, guys. See you later. Take it easy. You know, oh, you were man. you were mentioning though, like you know that those days are gone. But you know, it's funny because I think that we've seen this kind of 180, and this kind of goes into what David's uh, said there in the chat about how it's kind of funny because all those shows kind of spawned all of us little YouTubers yeah. who yeah. were trying to figure our way through this whole thing, and you know, like didn't have any audience, didn't have any you know connections or anything. And then it's kind of funny because it's almost like it begat us. Where it's like now is that thing has now kind of faded away and people have lost their trust and their faith in mm-hmm. some of those personalities, yeah. uh, you know, and, and the quality of those uh, uh, shows and those things, you know, some of them have gone away and then the quality of some of them, you know, are questionable at times. But it's funny because the, the fans kind of rose up. And yeah. said, okay, we're going to do our due diligence. We're going to find out everything that we can. And we're going to still talk about this stuff because we love it. And I think, yeah. and, and, you know, and then the, you know, the, the innovation of like, you know, things like StreamYard and stuff like that, you know, made it, made it so that we could do stuff like this StreamYard and actually have everything. these, oh yeah. And have these legitimate, <laughs> have these legitimate conversations. I mean, like, you know, like it blew my mind. The first time I had Robert Meyer Burnett on the Poindexter Lounge. Cheers. <laughs> Play. uh that just blew my mind yeah. that just blew my mind i was like this is insane i am sitting here 
it, talking gotta, to Robert Meyer Burnett. Yeah, like, and you got to love the fact that he's just like, I don't care who I'm, you know, somebody yeah. wants to talk to me, let's do this. He, he didn't care like, oh yeah, oh, well, I'm not going to talk to like small YouTube channels. No, mm. he's all about just like, hey, let's just fucking talk about this. You know, let's talk about stuff. You know, you're yeah. inviting me on. Cool. And it was funny because like, I mean, for the longest he would show up in the in the vodka stream live chats, and then people would be like, "Dude, you got to get." I'm like, "Yes, it's yeah. it's in the cards, you know." And then finally, like like probably like a month ago, we started talking, and then we were just trying to figure out a perfect time. And then finally, it happened tonight, and I was like, "Cool, there it is." And, it was and awesome. I, I it hope was he great. comes back for sure, was, and I think yeah. he will. You know, and it's just oh, yeah. I knew he'd be a great guest. I knew. Like, yeah. Once I saw once I saw you put up like the premiere, like yeah. a little like patiently mm-hmm. waiting. I'm like, oh, that's a good, that's a good guest. That is awesome. Yeah. I was just I was listening pretty much the whole time. I'm like, man, he he could just talk forever, and I don't care. Yeah. He just just let. Well, him, just I let mean, it was funny too because. <laughs> Like for like the first 45 minutes, we talked nothing really about like superhero stuff. We were just strictly talking movies. And that's what I knew. I was like, you know what? I knew this was going to happen because he's got a love for movies. So do I. And we have similar tastes. We're talking about the Evil Dead. We're talking about John Woo movies. I'm like, yes, this is what I, I mean, I love the fact that he was, he had this same love, like 90s action movies. Yep. We were just going through all of that. And I, and I kept seeing people like, well, is this a John Woo podcast? I'm like, fuck <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, it, it could is. be. It is yes. now. Yes. And that's what I love when I, when I have like these guests, you know, guests that come on and we go off on like a tangent of like something that's not, yeah, I get, we all want to talk about, you know, the certain, the big things and everything like that, but you know, there's other interests when it comes to all this. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that like 45 minutes, almost (laughs) to an hour, we were just going like full on by like that, Dave. Yes. You could have him on every day of the week and have a different topic a different yep. thing. It would be just as informative. It would be just as entertaining and it would be just as riveting. And yet the time would go by just like that. I That's mean, exactly I mean, what happened. He covers so much topics per week on his oh. channel. I don't know how he keeps up with all of it, but he, he well, well, and, the, and he's also working on things too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Know? Yes. I, I, I joked with, I joked with him. I said, show. I was just glad. I was glad. Like when I when I when we had him on, I'm glad to see him like go on other people's streams and stuff like this because it gives him a chance to talk. Because I teased with him that it's like, you know, he's on with John Campia and John Campia will, oh, will like, like John Campia will keep teasing him. You know, it's like like, well, Robert, what do you think? I mean, well, I think this, you know, and, and then like he'll just keep going. It's like, you know, 12, 15 minutes later, it's like they keep going back to the shot of Robert kind of sitting there patiently side by side. Yeah. Just kind of waiting yeah. and stuff. And you know, but, uh, but it's great to hear him on streams like this because he is so filled with, with just pop culture wisdom that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's been in the biz. I mean, yeah, it, it's funny because I mean, just even like, uh, you know, trying to be like, all right, well, I need to find like a picture of him to put in my thumbnail. And you type in that in the images uh, yeah. and you find like these younger images of him, like from like mm-hmm. the first Batman movie and shit like that. You're like, holy shit, this guy is right around, man. Yes. You know, you forget about that. You forget that he has been around and, and that's why, and I, and I even, I think I even joked about it too. Like either it was like my little vlog I did for uh, my members or I even, uh, with the first the pre the pregame show, I said like, yeah, you know, Robert Burnett or Robert Burnett's going to be showing up. I mean, he might say some things you don't want to hear because he is part of the business. I mean, sadly, I mean, we all want to hope that yeah, restore the Snyderverse. Yes, we all want that. Yep. But yep. 
you know, he brought up some really good points about a lot of things. And you he's know? Made that, he made those points before, and it still yes. resonates. I mean, Netflix is trading Zach really good. Yeah. Warner mm-hmm. Brothers, they right after the Snyder Cut and Sarnoff's interview came out, which yeah, it's like, no, we're done. Like, right after the thing just released, really? Like, the <laughs> horrible timing of that. Um, well, they, yeah, they, I mean, yeah. he's he just has so much knowledge. It's crazy how much stuff he's worked on. But, but like, I, love, I think he's just a YouTuber. Like, no, like this yeah. is, he's just doing this yeah. now. Like he's, he's done so much more. No. Yeah. And I love the fact that he said like, you know, what's because, you know, there's, there's a point where it's like, okay, when it comes to justice league sequels, yes. I'm like, I'm fingers crossed. Keep the hope up. Even Snyder's going like, Hey, you know, things could happen. Yep. But at the same time, he's not waiting around. Zach is not waiting around. He's doing a lot of his own shit. He wants, you know, he's not going to wait around. Yeah, for sure. And neither are the actors. You know, they're not going to wait around. So, but I love the fact that Robert was like, you know what? What's more likely is a Ben Affleck Batman in the Deathstroke thing. I'm like, yes, that is more likely. If you're going to talk about restoring the Snyderverse, there's that's more likely than anything because doing like two crazy justice league sequels that would probably cost a combined of like 700 million dollars <laughs> who knows you know give or take you know whatever the hell yeah. you know it's i mean especially when we saw the storyboards of what it potentially could be and of course it's been rearranged but there's going to be elements on those storyboards that were probably going to be there um you know it's and then try to get all the actors back i mean it is it would be a feat it would be a feat but to do Ben Affleck's Batman, not so much, or Deathstroke, yeah. not so much. It yeah, I mean, anything, so anything that we that we see as far as in the vein of restoring the yeah, Snyderverse, exactly. I, I think people got to get get kind of the pie in the sky, like it's going to theaters, and we're all going to you know pack the theaters again to see a Justice League two or three or whatever. Like, I just I just don't see that. that Warner Brothers has made it very clear they don't they don't want yeah this property so anything that we do get is going to be reimagined you know if it has to be a series or it has to be you know something just kind of pulled back you know like but you know then there is that you know that's that uh, stagecraft technology and you know but there's limitations yeah. you know so there's like all these different things and like you said i mean even even zach teases it out but you know it's i i think i think for us right now is just understanding we gotta, we do have to be, and I, and I see our good friend in the, in the chat there. Like it, it just, we, we have to be realistic, right? We do have to be realistic. Uh, but at the same time, we can still be hopeful. We can still, yeah. we can still make our voice heard. Yes. Uh, and I still want to see a Ben Affleck, you know, uh, uh, series. I want, I, I want to see that death stroke thing. I want to see, I, I want to see this stuff. And if we really want to see this stuff and we really love the stuff, well, why would we just shut up about it? Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, we got to make our voices heard, but you know, but being positive about that, but in the meantime, being realistic and just supporting Zach at the end of the day, we're talking about a, a director who is still going to go off and make things. And if anything, he makes the case better for himself by making successful things. So support him, support him in his endeavors, go, you know, watch army of the dead, you oh, know, of course. you know, do things like that. And, uh, and then if we, if we get it, uh, you know, it's like, I've been saying like it, look, if we get more Snyderverse stuff, excellent we we can push for it together we got here together we've been together you know <laughs> and if we get it we'll celebrate together you know but uh but even if we don't even zach said you know 
if nobody had even seen the Snyder Cut, if nobody had ever even seen his movies, the fans have done great things and we've accomplished a lot. And it wasn't just about a movie. Yeah. You know, and so, um, yeah, so I think it's I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, <laughs> we won. I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, no matter yeah. what, we won. We got the Snyder Cut and it's full. I mean, twice as long as that piece of shit theatrical. Yes. A four hour Justice League movie that we can watch. And yes. And, and, like Robert said, it's here forever. They, they can't take it away. Forever. Once I get my hands on a physical media, it's there. Piece, it's mine. <laughs> and that's you know? Also, we have his preferred version. Justice is great. So we yes. have. Yes. Both. Yes. Mm. I mean, it's there. Like there's a total win that we got, you know, no, no matter what anybody is saying about Warner Brothers or whatever the hell, it's like, yeah, they're being dicks, whatever the fuck. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is we still got this movie and, you know, you never know what could happen. And, you know, and I've said it time and time again, it's like if it continues and somehow they can pull off some Justice League sequels, maybe Snyder's not involved as much as, you know, as a lot of people would hope, but Mm -hmm. they're still going to use his, his uh, schematic, you know, Mm -hmm. still use his storyboards, still use his outline. Let me ask you what you guys think of this, because, because this is, this is a question that I've had because, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of jarbled stuff when it comes to the flash movie, right? Like they're like, it's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked in the fact that it's Michael Keaton. I mean, because like that as a, as a nerd, as a nerd who who loves, who loved, who still loves 89 Batman. Well, did you see the image today? Apparently there was like a Wayne's manner. I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so you got that, you know, I mean, and, and Ezra is coming back, Ben's coming back, but you know, but I've been saying is the one thing that gives me a little bit of hope in all of this is a couple of things, as much as all the junk Dan Sarnoff said, you know, she was like, give us a minute because you may like something. I know we all got, frustrated with that because it's like shut up we know what we want you don't know what we want and we get mad about it and i understand that because i was right there um but the thing that kind of has gotten me thinking is you know ben didn't have to do this movie no there's nothing about you know people are like well he's got a contract um he didn't have to come back for this multiverse movie nope uh with everything that happened with everything else that happened he went back and did the reshoots with Zach at his house because he was excited to do it because he loves Zach. He loves Zach's vision. Like justice league. Look at what justice league did to Ben. Do you think, do you think that Ben is just like, Oh yeah, I want to go jump back in bed with all those people and go down that route again. Okay. No. So I don't believe for a second that Ben is just like chomping at the bit to go do another WB version thing like what happened debacle like happened before so it gives me hope to know that ben is signed on and even ezra i mean i feel like you know like ezra obviously doesn't have the clout of a of a ben affleck you know he's got a couple franchises you know he's trying to get they're trying to still get that fantastic beast thing to where everybody's happy but but even then like you know i get it he would still probably want to do it but i i when you look at the flash in in zack snyder's justice league literally saving everyone compared to hey i pushed a truck just outside of the (laughs) realm of uh danger however the far that was and got showed up by superman you know whatever uh 
I just I just feel like the fact that they're they're both signed on, you know, I know the obviously the Ray Fisher stuff and we all we're all going to have that in the back of our head. And and just, you know, the other things, you know, Warner Brothers being Warner Brothers. But it gives me a little bit of hope knowing that Ben is signed on, Ezra signed on, and I just don't feel like they would go and do this if it just craps all over Zach's work. I just, and, and I, I don't see the, I don't, I don't see the Muschietti's like doing that too. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, you know, I, you know, it sucks. I, you know, and through this whole, whole ordeal with the Ray Fisher stuff, you know, I've said time and time again, I'm like, you know what, guys, do not throw any shade at the Muschietti's because yeah. and I love oh, the yeah. fact, and I was like, thank God that Fisher, like Ray, he actually mentioned, like, I've talked to Andy, and we ha- we were like, we were like simpatico when it came to shit. And I was like, thank you. I was like, thank God that Ray Fisher said that because I always heard that the Muschietti's were on Ray Fisher's side. And then when Ray, when he said that, I was like, okay, that, that shows right there. The Muschietti's were always like, Hey, we want to have you in this movie. We want you to, but they're between, you know, a fucking, you know, a studio and a hard place. And that's what sucks. That's what sucks. And it's like, you know, with the flash, film it i mean let's face facts how long have we been waiting for this movie i mean right. how many directors, yeah. how many directors oh. and writers and shit oh my god we've been officially through three or four sets of directors I well there's rick there was yeah. oh no i think there was shane okay there was rick yeah. at first right but shane, i think there was shane a guy was, before rick i think there was well, was I, it shane graham smith i th- he well, was when they direct, announced the slate, he was Writing. When they announced the slate, I think they had somebody, and then he dropped, yeah. and then Rick came on, or it was Rick vice came on, and then it was going to be uh, Lord Miller, Miller, and uh, Lord, and, uh, Lord and Miller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they Lord were going to do it. Then that dropped, and then yeah, which then they left to go do solo. That's how long ago <laughs> that was. And then like, they get fired that puts that it one. in perspective, doesn't it? Like that's how long ago that was. They left it to go do solo. Jeez, and then they I got don't... off that movie even. So yeah. <laughs> But I yeah. mean, like all the different scripts too. I mean, there was a point where Ezra Miller and Grant Morrison were writing a script. Oh, yeah. I wonder what that. I, mean, I wonder what they did with that, though. I'm curious. That's what that I, I. I know it's like. Please leak that script. Can I? See, can we see <laughs> what that was going to be about, please? Yeah. Because yeah. my God, I mean, I mean, everybody wants to see what Grant Morrison was going to give oh. us. Mixed in with Ezra Miller, I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean, Grant, I mean, Grant Morrison so respected that even Chris Terrio, like when he was on Justice Con or whatever the hell, he even mentioned like, hey, yeah, Grant Morrison, yeah, that's that's a guy you want to look at right there. Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. I mean, that just shows you the credibility that Grant Morrison has. I mean, I think we all when we saw that picture of Ezra Miller and Grant. Just back to back, like you know, we were like, okay, this is gonna be something great, and then, yep. pluh, <laughs> like, what yeah. happened? <sighs> what happened I, to that? I that sounds like Warner Brothers came in and like, um, we got you under contract. Do you really want to fight us on this? Because oh, I know, because I, I mean, because he was saying he didn't he didn't like the tone of the script before this one, yeah. before that one. So he's like, I'm gonna do another. I'm gonna do my own script, and yeah. he's gonna pitch it. And it's like, okay, let's see. And then all of a sudden, now everything's fine. So I guess they found a duality of what they want and what he wants. Because he wants more of like what Zach was doing with his character in the Snyder Cut. So I don't know. I'm guessing what they wanted to do I mean, was like a complete and, opposite. And that and that's what that and that's what Muschietti is going to have like a little bit of trouble with is because I mean, 
the Flash is a fucking all star in the Snyder Cut. I mean, I know. I mean, I I can't I I can't watch that scene without getting choked up. Okay, being a Flash fan and the fact that like when the 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 unity happens and he fucking starts phasing. I mean, I mean, I just immediately go, you know, and I'm just, I just, in the music and everything, just fucking, it just gets me every time. I've watched it like 15 times. Chills, chills. I I watched, I watched it Monday, man. And I just was like, oh, yeah, you you just, you just stop. You just, it's like he stops you, (laughs) you know, when you're watching, it's like time literally feels like it stops. And 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 then his monologue there even. Oh my I god! I mean, it's just it's all right now. Oh. It's all totally, right now. totally such a such a different perspective on the Flash. Mm-hmm. From I mean, even that picture you know that that went out you know that that's on the uh, the thing for the Justice League 4K trailer, oh, okay. like that's got him like like even his demeanor is different in Zach's mm-hmm. version of the film, where it's like you take him seriously, where he doesn't have that just that kind of silly grin you know or it's like hey i'm gonna tell a joke but it's gonna be awkward and you're not gonna it get it i'm gonna go fall over somebody and be Ugh. scared of go doing battle you know and it's like man no he's in there going you know dad what i mean i mean what's funny is is like Sons what's so surprising defense. like you know because everybody was always going like all right flash of course he's always going to be a comic relief and when he watched justice it's like they overdid it so bad oh yeah but then, like, you watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I think we were all shocked about how much humor he had. Yes. Like, you know, and when I've shown it to friends, they were fucking laughing their asses off at him. Like, just just little things. Like, you know, from his first appearance when he's just like, oh, yeah, my resume. Oh, oh that's not good. Hey, oh, paper, <laughs> you're hungry. You know, just something yeah. like that. I mean, it was like, Wow. But like the, I, I was, we were so amazed of like you know because everybody always goes, oh yeah, Zack Snyder, it's always somber and fucking not funny and blah blah blah, and it's like, look at that, he was like, hey, I'm gonna give you a flash that's pretty, you know, to, yeah. to the character, but I'm not gonna overdo it and slap you in the fucking face with it, like right. like like, <laughs> like they wanted me to, because you know you know he they wanted. Joke after joke after joke after joke. They were feeding that, but Zach they didn't want right him now. to have a character arc. They just wanted him to see, keep making jokes. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Falling like over, falling over stuff, laying on top of Wonder Woman. Like I even love the fact that Zach still had him, like having a little bit of a crush on Wonder Woman, having what? that you know thing, like digging the digging the grave, and you know, and he's you know asking the question. And then there's that joke, you know, about do you think she'll go for younger guys? You know, it's like. You know, she's 5,000 years old. Of course, you know, everybody. That was my favorite joke. That's a good line. Dude, I laughed my ass off the first time. I I still laugh because, because, you know, Victor says it so fucking straight. Oh, yeah. So straight. Because it's like, yeah. And it's just, it's so straight that it just makes me crack up. Because I'm like, yeah, that's the humor right there. Like, when when everybody's, like, wanting Zack Snyder to be like, oh, you got to have humor, humor, humor. He has he has a different way of looking at humor. I mean, we go back to man of steel when, when Zod punches fucking, you know, Superman into the, you know, when they're on the construction site and it says so many days since a yeah. accident. I mean, that is straight up like, okay, that's great. That's so, I mean, you look at that 
and you might not catch it the first time, but the second time you're laughing your ass off because, oh, yeah, he just ran into the, you know, mm. so-and-so days of an accident. And it's like, yeah, it's subtle shit like or that. Even, or even like when they're when they're pulling up uh, to uh, to the crash site and, you know, and Barry is wearing, you know, that uniform and he's, yeah. he's, showing, he's showing Arthur the hats. And, he, you yeah. know, he's got a beret and he's got the cap and he's just like, here's A. He's yeah. like, oh no, definitely not A. And he's like, yeah. okay. And he puts on the yeah. beret and he's like, show me A again. Show me A again. <laughs> you know, it's just and it's subtle and it just goes, it just keeps going because it's yeah. not, it's not in it, your face. It, it's not in your face. It's not, it's not like depending upon you, like kind of pushing at you or poking at you, saying, get the joke. Do you get this? Do you see that we're doing something funny here? We're doing something funny. You're supposed to be laughing about this. And it's also, you know, we I talked about it this week with uh with the guys from from Cape Cast. We were talking about the fact that like in Zach's movie, the humor is allowed to breathe. It's at the right moments because you have these serious beats. You have these serious beats, and then you have it back off a little bit with with a proper joke, with a with a joke that is funny, but it doesn't take you out of the movie. It doesn't take you out of the scene. It just it allows it to breathe, and then it goes back into something else. With with Justice League, it it's not just the fact that there's so many jokes in it, or or that there's jokes in it at all. Or that it's, you know, or that it is pushing you like that. It's it's literally that you're just getting bombarded yeah. with jokes. And, and they're in the most inopportune times. And it's like, you never have a minute to take the movie seriously. Yeah. You you know, like there's these serious moments that do happen. But it's like when everything is, is people reacting in ways that they would never react. And that's the thing. Like you you have Barry and, and, uh, and Cyborg digging the grave to get clark out right which is yeah. a serious thing to do they're they're first of all they're respecting you know superman and the fact that they're you know the flash could have him out in a second cyborg could have him out in a second and they're taking the time to literally dig the grave and and yet they're having a conversation that has some humor in it because that's what happens. People, even at funerals, they, they, they tell stories and they have jokes and stuff that help them through these serious times. And those things are fine. But if you just have stupid jokes, just for, on top of stupid joke, on top of stupid joke, it doesn't make it feel like this is a real thing anymore that you need to be concerned about, or that you need to even pay attention to. It's just jokey. It's just, it, you might as well go to a stand, see a stand-up comic because you're not going to take it seriously. Nope. And that's that's my biggest problem with the fact that with with going forward, even is is thinking is thinking that Justice League is the canon film. Like, you know what I mean? That they're basing this stuff off of because it just sets a tone and it sets the wrong tone. Yeah. You know, it sets the wrong tone for whatever you want to do. I mean, these other movies could be fantastic. If you if that's the tone you're you're jumping off from, it's very problematic. It's very problematic. It really is. And, dis because, and disappointing. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny too, because one of the gripes that I had after that Anne Sarnoff article was like she just completely put the kibosh on like everything. But it was like all she had to do is basically just be like, you know, instead of doing that, just be like, hey, I don't know. The numbers right now, we don't know the numbers, but hey, we do have the Flash film that's coming out with the Flash that Zack Snyder cast, and that's going to be going on. Hopefully, you guys enjoy that. You know, she could have just been like that person to be like, hey, you know, like 
a lot of people are talking about the Snyderverse even before it came out. I mean, come on. The buzz for this thing has been around for a while. Yep. And instead of just her going like, hey, you know what? We ha- we do have the, you know, Andy Muschietti, you know, that guy that you like that mm-hmm. did those It movies. He did a good job, right? Well, he's doing a Flash movie that has Ezra Miller, who's Zack Snyder cast. That's part of his cast. So, you know, do that. And we but instead, she was just like, three, nope, you know. nope, nope, nope. And it was like, what are you guys doing? That's I, not smart. <laughs> this was brought up. I don't know. I don't think this ever be confirmed. People think that interview was done before the Snyder Cut was released. Oh, it was. I, 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 I have a very strong suspicion that oh, it was, it, it was like, too much it, on the nose. It had to be like a week. Like the, t- the timing of it was just oh, really yeah. Oh, yeah. bizarre. No, 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 no. it totally after. was. It was told yeah. that 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 interview probably. I'm I'm saying at least a week before or something, or maybe the week of, like leading to the release. But yeah, it was all planned. But it's just like, what were you thinking when you thought about that? Because it's like, you know, that there's like a big time buzz. I mean, so much that, you know, back in 2019, when Zach and Deborah were like, hey, look at this. And they looked at analytics and HBO Max and Jason Kylar and all those were like, okay, there's something here. We're going to invest $70 million into this. It's like, okay, I get that you guys, okay, and you you want to do something else. You know, you have all this other shit that's going on. I get that. But don't just immediately just close the door on something that is hot right I now. That's in, out there in the fuck, that is like, that is like mainstream. I mean, how many times have we heard release the so-and-so, release the fill in the blank? That is so mainstream now. It's like, okay, play into that. Be smart about it. Don't completely... You know, put the kibosh on all of it. Just like, like I said, yeah. just you know, try to capitalize on it. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do as a CEO. I mean, well, and it didn't even feel like an interview because it almost felt like that they just put out a press release oh, about yeah. the stuff that they wanted to say. I oh, mean, yeah. they, they might as well just put out a press release instead of acting like it was an interview because it was like, like you said, it was literally everything. It, it was like, okay, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, we were so happy to allow him to to do his movie. We 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 championed it almost. You know, I mean, like we were so excited that bullcrap. You fought him tooth and nail every step of the way and you're not happy about it, but okay. So you got that. And then it was, you know, uh, you know, we're, we will not give in to, to any, you know, hashtags or campaigns, you know, to restore the Snyderverse. That is not what we're about. Toxic fandom. We're against toxic fandom. We're going to just, you know, dispute that. Oh, that, that Ray Fisher stuff. None of that happened. You know, it's like, let me just go down the line pretty much, you know, Oh, and the air cut not going to happen. We have absolutely no interest in that. Uh, (laughs) Is is there anything else that you guys like that I can literally just cut your balls off for? I mean, would that be okay? I mean, I, I, I'm like, I'm I'm like getting scared for like Matt Reeves and the Batman because right. everybody's liking that. And they, like, they get, wait, they're, they're like a shark. They're like, do we smell blood in the water? Do they do they like this? Oh, like, we please. have to ruin this now. Yeah, I'm like, uh, please do not do anything to the Batman, and like, everybody's loving that. And Jeez. says all that. Yeah, but then literally the year before, DC fandom is heavily promoting the multiverse. Yes, and it's like, wait a minute, you're promoting this multiverse angle. You have all these different projects set in different Earths and everything, and you're trying to show you have multiple versions of these characters. You're having Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck both in a Flash movie playing different versions of Bruce Wayne slash Batman, and now you're saying 
eh, we don't everybody but zach's that, that's that that's what yeah. ticked me off most of it. it was was just you know hey we got a multiverse and and i and much to the chagrin of uh of matt jarbo i love multiverse <laughs> ideas I, I, I'm all together because I'm, I'm a longtime DC fan and I am all together with, with, with that. Look, I even watched, you know, the CW's crisis on infinite earth. I watched a lot of those shows and stuff and, and I, I was geeked. I was so geeked for it. And, and even though the execution wasn't flawless and there was a lot of stuff that was like, Oh, I wish it was better. There was still a lot of stuff that I just totally geeked out, man. Like, look, when Ezra Miller showed up, I want to see the opposite side of that in this flash movie of how he got there. You know, like I I'm all for, I mean, when you got to see uh Brandon Routh's Superman, uh, in the come Superman. Oh so my good. gosh. Like so that, good. what, what an amazing thing. And then there's some, you know, some things that were a little bit like, Oh, I wish this would have been better or whatever. But beyond that, I'm a huge fan of multiverse because it just opens up so many possibilities i was waiting for that cw thing man i i I so wish i so wish it would have happened and who knows maybe it could even happen in this because you know all bets are off but i was waiting as they were going from earth to earth and showing them how from earth to earth i wanted a moment where you heard meanwhile at the hall of justice and it's all animated (laughs) and it's like and it's like and it's like earth 72 where it's like you know like back saturday morning cartoons you know the super super friends friends, you know heck yeah you know like that would have been amazing and they're and they just walk in they're all animated that would have been fantastic uh so i'm all i'm all down with that uh but when you sit there and you literally go hey we're saying that because because annie musietti said Everything that you've seen up to this point happened uh-huh. is what the quote was. Everything that you've seen, everything that's happened, happened. So they're embracing every DC property that's ever been filmed, animated, whatever. Everything's on the table. And then he said everything that that happens from here happens. So you're saying that it encompasses everything, yet you're trying to act like Zack Snyder's world is this pocket universe that doesn't interact with any of it. Yet you literally have his flash, his Batman, his Aquaman, his wonder woman. No, that doesn't make any sense that that, and it's insulting. It really is insulting, you know, or it's like everything exists except for this. It feels like they want to use his characters, but they don't want him involved in terms of well i mean i mean look at wonder woman 84 i mean it it, i mean as much as like you know like it's not entirely bad yeah but but but, i mean it it, what puzzles me about that is you look at the first wonder woman that patty jenkins made and it was like okay that's in the vein of yeah this that and this this yes and even though we were all like okay you know let's let's give this some um you know let, let's back up this she doesn't need a sword she needs a shield we get that but then you watch the whole thing and you kind of go huh what exactly were they trying to accomplish here with this because it's like when you first see wonder woman it's like yeah it's it it, it is just like a complete flip from the first Wonder Woman, and, it, and it's the same director. That's what puzzles yeah. me. Like, yeah. now, like, like when I go back to it, I kind of go, "Well, wait a minute here. Like, how is it? How is this like a complete, like almost a one eighty flip in tone 
from Wonder Woman, the first one to this one, it's almost like they were just like, hey, we need you to fucking just totally just, tr- you know, this Wonder Woman, we need a we need a different tone. We need to just like get away from the Snyderverse. And she was like, all right, let's see what I can do. And that was it because it just didn't seem like it was thought out. And it yeah. was like, well, the 80s motif, like I, I, you know, I grew up in the 80s, you know, like I can appreciate the 80s motif. Yeah. I can appreciate that it was a period piece, just like Wonder Woman one was a period piece. But, but, you know, when you go from Wonder Woman shows up in BVS and she's just, man, she's kicking butt, taking names. She's, yeah. she's talking about how she's fought things from other worlds before. Uh, she's taking it right to doomsday for God's sake. You know, she's getting knocked down and smiling and getting right back up. And then you see Wonder Woman in that movie and she's taking on an army by herself, basically. And, you know, and doing all these things. And then it's like you get to the 80s and she's just like, I'm going to win with love. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And then you watch Zack Snyder's Justice League and like at the end, she's just like, nah, I'm going to flip. I don't have to do this, but I'm just going to flip and cut this guy's head off just for the fun <laughs> of it because of his insult to me and my sisters. Just, like, to, make a, just to make a yeah. point to dark side. Here you go. Yeah. There you go. Send that packing. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is kind of crazy because it's just like same director. And I was yeah. trying to be like hopeful. I was like, no, she doesn't need a sword. She's taking on humans. I get that. She can use the lasso. Cool. And I was totally about that. But then like now just after watching it a couple times and now seeing, like you said, Zack Snyder's just like where it's all full back to that warrior Diana. And it's just kind of going, man, it almost seems like the powers that be were like, hey, we really want to change. We want to flip this on its side and totally go a different direction. And yeah, I mean, we like Gal Gadot, <laughs> we, you know, we like Jason yeah. Momoa, even though we we wanted this, you know, the studio wanted this uh, what this this original, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed Aquaman, <laughs> you know, Zack Snyder, as Zack Snyder gives him freaking Jason Momoa. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, we'll we'll keep him because that was popular and made us a billion dollars. But, you know. Yeah, I know. Even even going back it's and watching Aquaman, I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Even going back and watching Aquaman, I was kind of like, oof, man. After watching uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, I was like, man, this is a yeah, this is also a different tone. I'm like, man, they were really trying to, uh, you know, course correct as they, they would say. But it's like, I almost kind of wonder, like, you know, you almost want to get Patty Jenkins and uh, James Wan in a room. It's like, is that the movie that you actually really were going for? Yeah. You know, because as much as like, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, with Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman 84, I'm kind of going like, man, it seems like you, you were just trying to like, it was like a, a bunch of people were going like, hey, do this, do this, do this. It was a it was a it was a, a movie by committee kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, James Wan, maybe not so much because there is I mean, I, there's still very there's great yeah. things in Aquaman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, there's some great I mean, some spectacular visuals and some spectacular stuff, but there's little things in there too, where it's like, was that, uh, did somebody ask you to put the fucking, you know, these little jokes and little like light tone shit in there? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'm waiting for the reveal of, of, you know, Warner brothers, you know, new Superman. If they choose to, if they truly choose to walk away from Henry Cavill, you know, cause it's going to be something like that. <laughs> you know, 
for Homer. sure. <laughs> <laughs> this this Homer, you know, yeah. Simpson type of Superman. I don't yeah, know. I mean, and then I mean, you look at, I mean, thank you, Jason, for the donation. Uh, the Wonder Woman eighteen fifty four. You know, image. Yeah. I mean, what's funny about that? It was like, yeah, it was a placeholder, but Zack Snyder just doesn't do a placeholder. He goes, okay, here's the placeholder, and then here's the backstory. And he yeah, exactly, had, yeah, he has so an cool entire backstory. Right. So cool. I mean, uh, you know, it's funny because it's like, you know, the image existed has existed for like, you know, ever since BBS was conjured up, you know, it was always a placeholder, but he goes as far as go, okay, we have to have backstory for that placeholder. And I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was a wonder woman that was ruthless and said, Hey, you know what? I got to find Aries and I'm going to fight all the fucking bloody wars till I find him. And she collected heads. She collected, I mean, I mean, she was not an innocent wonder woman at It's all. what she does too. Yes. That's, you know, you know, Dave, that's that. I think that's my biggest, uh, was, I mean, it's what, I mean, there's, there's so many layers, of right? Course. Like to all this, like, cause I, as I, cause I keep feeling like every, every, every time something's mentioned, it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's a thing that I'm upset about. And it's like, then it's like another layer and then it's like, but yeah, well, this is the thing that I'm upset about here, but it's, when it comes to stuff like that, like with like with Wonder Woman and and uh, you know Batman and Superman, you know it's like, well, Wonder Woman, you know, I don't want to see her cutting off heads. That's not what Wonder Woman does, but she does. And then it's like Superman, well, he doesn't kill people like Zod and do things like that, but he does. Bat Batman doesn't have guns and and you know hurt people like that and kill people like that, but he does. <laughs> like pick up a comic book. Do something for God's sake! You're gonna read it like as as a joke. I I I did a giveaway where like I gave away the entire like death and return of Superman thing, and I just threw a bunch of other fun stuff in when we did it for uh, for Zach, the premiere of Zack Snyder's Justice League. It was like all these comics and stuff, and I threw in there just like some Zack Snyder specials. I, I threw in you know where Superman kills Zod for the fun of it, and you know and like you know and it's like it just Wonder Woman cuts off heads and stuff. It's like it's there if you if you if you actually read the material yeah i mean and, and there's nothing wrong with like trying to you know i mean it was funny because even though snyder like put this whole backstory with the 18 you know 54 thing it's like but did he think that that was going to actually be the case no he worked with patty and said okay yeah. this is what it's going to be and end up being Sure. You know, and that, and that was totally fine. And Zach was okay with that. He knew like, okay, you want to do it like this, do it like that. And he worked with her and it all worked out really great. And that's why, you know, when, when, you know, leading up to Zack Snyder's Justice League, when people are like, well, okay, so I should watch Man of Steel, BVS. And I'm like, well, also watch Wonder Woman because that's part of it too, because, you know, it was very much a part of it. Yeah. It's not the 1854 version. And maybe Zach kind of goes like, you know, that would have been my preferred version, but Hey, I'm going to work with another filmmaker and be like, Hey, okay, this is where, this is her origin right here. And uh, I'm okay with that. Even though it's not going to be like that R rated cut the head up, heads off and, yeah, blah, 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 right. and whatever the hell, you know, she's still a badass, and she's still going to do like, you know, she's still got, she's still that warrior. And that's what I'm going to show in justice league. And he did. 100%, you know, her getting the final death blow when it came to Steppenwolf and yes. chopping off the head. And I mean, just, I mean, even that, it's just funny because when you watch that opening scene with Wonder Woman, you go, holy shit, Wonder Woman 84 just got thrown out the window. 
Yep. <laughs> With that opening scene, yep. because she's just like, bam, bam, fuck you, fuck you. I'm going to throw you <laughs> against the wall. I don't care. You wanted to die. I'm going to kill you. And then the last yep. guy, I'm going to blow you out. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. brutal. Well, you know, too, Zach knows the rules, though, of creating these properties. Anytime yeah. you create something, uh, and, and I'm this way, too, like when, I, when I've written things and, and shot things with people, is you always, when you're coming up with the stories and you're coming up with what you, what you think you want to do, you put out the craziest ideas. You, you, you put it all out there, man. You know, you, you, you throw out these, these ideas that you never expect to actually see through. But in doing so, in in pushing out the, the extreme, by the time it gets made, you understand it's going to get reeled back a little bit and it's going to end up being something awesome, right? That's going to push the envelope a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's going to be something amazing. If you start here and you start safe, like where you think you want to be, yeah. it's still going to get reeled back. And then it's going to be right. end up be homogenized and it's going to be... You know, uh, you know, so if, if you start out here with this R rated, she's killing people. She's for the fun of it. She's just a warrior princess who's just murdering people left and right, chopping them down, holding heads up like, you know, loving every minute of it, drinking their blood out of their skulls, you know, <laughs> and then it's like, OK, so you get that back and it's like, no, nah, she's just walking out on the battlefield. She's blocking some stuff. She's, you know, beating some people up. She's, you know, taking care of business. And at the end of the day, she's fighting, you know, the, what she needs to fight. But if you start safe, then you end up with her, you know, saying, you know, oh, I'm, I'm you know, we're going to fight you with love. And, you know, and it's just, <laughs> you know, and, and then nobody's happy. You yeah. know, that's the crazy thing is nobody's happy. No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you got to like. Go, go, you know, balls out. Just go balls out and see what happens. I mean, we're in such a, a crazy time when it comes to all this because, you know, I mean, as much as like superhero shows and movies have been around forever, I mean, I mean, it really got big time when it came to Iron Man, obviously, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe when that started in 2008. And now, now we're like, what, how many years later? And I mean, I just I binge watched Invincible yesterday and blown away, blown away. I don't. I mean, yeah, I watched the first. I've watched the first three episodes. Okay, because we started with the we started with the family, good family, wholesome show for us all to watch, and uh, and it's it's been good. Like it's been good, and they all loved it. My boys loved it, and so but like we got to episode three, and then we got everybody was getting tired, and so then we we're not going to watch the rest of it until we can. No, 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 yeah, I know. We won't spoil anything for you because you definitely don't need it. But I mean, it is Mm. insane. Like, I mean, it was funny because. I know. I think I even said this with uh with Robert was the fact that it's like when it started off, I kind of went like the first episode. I was kind of going, "All right, this is kind of generic. This is kind of uh, run by the numbers." Like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, we know this, this, this. The pieces are there, and I'm kind of going, "All right, everybody keeps on like you know, <laughs> when I look at social media. Everybody's going, oh my god, this this show, this show.'" And I was kind of going. The first episode, I was going, this is run by the numbers right here. But then in that first episode, boom, that's where the series actually fucking started. And yeah. I was like, oh, holy. Yep. And then it just keeps going and going. And, you know, you're in for a fucking. Mm. I can't wait. I can't wait because I've loved I've loved the first three the episodes. season finale is. I mean, it, I, I, I was to the point. <laughs> I, love, I, like, I love his face. He's like, yeah. I yeah I won't I won't say what it is. Dave will know what it is. 
after the moment underground yeah, I literally I, was in my reaction. I'm, I'm looking off the side like this. I'm just like trying to process. I'm like, okay. Yes. That just happened. And mm. that to me is more brutal than the ending of the first episode. To me. Yeah. Wow. Because there, of, the, of the story impact oof. building up to that moment and how brutal mm. that is. There, um, there is. I, I sat there and I'm like, the opening of it, I'm like, Holy crap! Okay, so there's the White House, and we see this the Guardians of the Globe. Like, this is awesome. Okay, the version of Justice League, and Omni Man. I'm thinking, okay, at first I'm like, is Omni Man with them? Because he's with them, and like, yeah, is he Superman of this group essentially? And then you're like, oh, he's not a part of them. Okay, and all of a sudden, he's destroying them in like that. Yeah, and is this okay? People are making comparison. Would Superman be able to do this to the to the league? And I'm thinking. Possibly, if he was to have ulterior mode, like just I don't know. And it and it almost makes mm. it even better. Like when I watch stuff like that, it makes it even more so that I love Batman v Superman because mm. it, because it it gives so much more weight to things like Batman saying if there's a one percent chance. Yeah, yeah. Then you start understanding Bruce, like why he was being such a dick. He's like, thinking oh. about things like this. That's yes. why, like I I know there's some people who don't like it, but I love Brightburn. Oh, I, I, I love Brightburn. Oh, so good, man. Brightburn, man. I from the moment I saw it in the theater, I was like, "Oh my god, I want more of this." I, I you know, like I want more of that. And and again, I came out just going, "Man, this makes Batman v Superman even that much more relevant." To say, who's going to fight somebody off like this? This mm. is a kid. This is a kid doing this stuff. Can you imagine a full-on Superman just going, screw you all? And then that's what we see in the nightmare sequence. It's like Superman's just like, yep, yep. You didn't save Lois? Guess what? You all die. It's like the whole thing of that fight itself, the actual fight that goes down. He's like, I understand. He pushes him, just lightly touches him and flies. But he still gets up and fights. But also shows that even though he's he's hit with kryptonite, Superman holds back. He doesn't want to kill him. I know. He oh, yeah. killed Zod. Dude, so, I mean, like, that's... Let's see, that moment with Omni-Man, that's what would happen if Superman did not hold back. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, which, which is kind of funny because we accidentally uh, started... Uh, what was it? We, we started um, episode two first. Uh-huh. So we were completely oh. lost, right? We're like... Oh, shit. What the heck is going on here? Like, what did this is episode one? Because I had it on episode one, but I apparently didn't have it highlighted right. And so, like, with the remote, and I, and I was like, everybody's dead. Uh, what that'd be a way to start off a show. Oh, yeah. Like, All it these was like, well, like... at first, and it, with every with the reaction, everybody, I was thinking, well, maybe that is how this started off. And then I just hit pause and it's like, oh, this is episode two. Okay. Well, we only watched like, you know, the first, you know, couple minutes of it and so I was like, mm. oh, we'll go back and watch that makes a whole lot more sense now okay it, yeah okay. you're in for a ride if you've only seen the first oh, three episodes man. there's so and much I'm, more yeah. and i'm telling you that 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 last episode was like oh, what it was just and they pack so much story within each episode that is what makes it so good dude to me there's no filler it, it, i feel like it, there's always something going on and i even like I, I even said this to somebody i was like you know i was like the first like i said the first episode is so run by the numbers and so just like, oh, yeah, that's how this would mm-hmm. go. And then, you know, then, but then I was like, yeah, but then you get to that ending and you go, oh, this is where the fucking story starts. They were just yep. establishing like, yeah, this is how normally 
a generic like uh superhero with the you know with the uh oh, look he's superhero. teaching his son to fly yeah. and oh, you, would, you would totally just be like okay this is how it starts and then all of a sudden it just takes a like a full-on 90 degree left turn at mm. 120 miles an hour you go yeah you're like, oh, this is where it's gonna go. And I think that's go, oh. the beauty of the show. Because yes. if, if that didn't yeah. happen, oh, I think people would be like, that's eh, a pretty solid show. But that, that's why I respected that the, the yeah. first episode. That's you know, what everyone was talking was about when that episode yeah. dropped. I was like, what in the hell is this show? Because I had no idea what it was, and I watched yeah. it. I'm like, yeah, this is what this is. Because yeah. I'm sitting there going, oh, I mean, it's, it's a it's an art, it's a TVMA show. Oh yeah, yeah I, 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 I Justice League, and then they're wiped out. What I've said is like it's it's uh, kick ass meets the boys, but wow. it's also unique in its own. I don't know. There's something unique in its own like uh, thing, but uh, but just to compare it to other you know stories, I'm like kick ass meets the boys. I would I would kind of say like mm. a little bit of that because you know it's got the kick ass element. I think they even yeah. make kind of a joke about that. There's a a little joke about that in uh, one of the episodes. Uh, um, I think even like uh, Mark says something about like, you know, he, 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 I think there was like a loose joke about it, but yeah, I think it's kind of like mixed in with that. It's like kick-ass meets the boys, but then there's just also just like, maybe because it's animated and they just have unlimited, like, Hey, we could do whatever, yeah. you know, really. Yeah. I think that's what helps. I mean, yeah. as much as like, you know, we, everybody's going like, well, what would a live action be? And everybody's going like, well, Ryan Porter, who's, course you know be you know in uh titans it's like yeah you would cast him because he seems like the perfect choice but at the same time it's like yeah but would it lose something live action it seems like the fact that it's animation it's just kind of a movie if it was to cover say these eight episodes Mm -hmm. a lot of it would be cut yeah time because these episodes about like 40 something minutes long we're talking about a two-hour movie ish yeah so yeah See, that's the thing. There's so many, know. so many variables when it comes to like, because everybody, and it's like, no, let's not start talking about the last. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, Ryan Porter. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be Potter, Potter, not Porter, Potter, right? Yeah. The guy who played, you know, yeah. yeah um, I'm like, no, it, let's not jump the gun. As much as like, yeah, I, I mean, when I first watched the first episode, I thought, yeah, he'd be perfect for, for Mark. Yeah, uh, obviously, but at the same time, I'm going, let's not jump the gun though, mm-hmm. because. Yeah, let's. It would let's, work better as a live action series if they didn't do the animation first. Yeah, I feel like now you've done the animation, that yeah. film was going to have a harder time establishing itself because the animation I think did a great job, even though not knowing the source material. But if you would do a live action series, you're able to cover more ground. But with a movie, yeah. it's harder to do because yeah, it would have to be serious. It would have to yeah, be they, they, they would have to cut like major storylines. I think out to yeah. have it in the two hour window, but I don't think it'd make the same impact. Because all those stories intertwine in some way that pushes the the actual main narrative of the Guardians of the Globe and what happened, what's going on with Omni-Man, all that. And then all these other things kind of tie in. If you start cutting all that out for the movie, it's like it's not the same story. Do you think do you think because, you know, uh, because I know a few of us have talked about this over time, but, uh, you know, there Batman v Superman has aged very well. Oh, yeah. people, people are discovering Batman v Superman. And, and especially now after after Justice League came out, people are now revisiting Batman v Superman and going, wow. Oh, well, that's yeah. why Bruce was a dick. Yeah, now he's yeah right. Like like all of us, all of us, you know, who were who already knew this, you know, we were like, 
yeah no yeah yeah we know we we were there we we yeah. watched it and that's we get, why we, we get were it. like that's same. why we were all excited back then uh <laughs> even even at the theatrical version because you know it was it was still there uh but i i, I wonder if now like after bvs and and some of this stuff you know there's kind of this deconstruction of these superheroes, you know, right? There's these stories, there's stories like Brightburn, there's these stories uh, like, you know, um, the boys there's, you know, there's this, there's this show uh, invincible, you know, you know, like, like, do you, do you think that that's why people are kind of now looking back on, on BBS and kind of maybe taking another look at it a little bit because they're, they're enjoying these other things. They're, they're actually learning to appreciate that superheroes have issues and and they can have issues and things can go terribly wrong and we've never wanted to look at superman that way we've never wanted to look at batman or any of these other characters that way that they could you know get to that point even though it's been explored heavily in comics now that we're getting more shows and movies and things like that that are dealing with these things you know i wonder if if that's why part of why this even goes to even like uh, Superman and Lois. I'm actually enjoying yeah. that show where I was like, yeah. wow. I mean, like when I saw like the other stuff with Tyler Hoechlin, whatever the hell his name yeah. is, I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm not really. But now watching Superman and Lois, they, they have gone like to be like, okay, what if, you know, Superman had some kids, they're teenagers, you know, maybe they have some powers. Who knows? They're going to move to Smallville because certain things and everything. Mm. And I was kind of going, all right, you have my attention and you still have my attention. What, what, what's happening with the script? It just seems like now. Yeah. And I mean, again, how many times have we said that Zack Snyder is like ahead of his time and look mm-hmm. at Watchmen, look at Watchmen. I mean, oh, people yeah. are going back to that and going, Oh, okay. I get it. I get what he was trying to do right there. It's like, yeah. I, yeah. To, I think to kind of, I've been thinking about your question. I think a lot of people saw the theatrical cut of BVS mm. when the ultimate cut came out, ultimate edition. They didn't, a lot of people didn't see it because yeah. you had to get on Blu-ray. You couldn't just go watch it somewhere. Yeah. There's like one night screening they had in theaters and that was it. Then the theatrical cut of justly came out. And I think that turned off everybody that was like, okay, I'll give it another shot. And then because everyone yeah. was hearing Zack Snyder is director of this movie. they, there was a lot of people that weren't paying too much attention to behind the scenes stuff at that time. Yeah. So with the, with the Snyder cut out. And then of course, everything you were mentioning of other stuff that has been really changing the genre of superhero and really putting on uh, another spin on it and deconstructing everything. They see the Snyder cut and then they go, okay. And they go to HBO max and they see the ultimate edition and they click that one or they or they do a little research was okay this is his version his director's cut of the of Batman versus Superman let's watch this now and i think that's cuz the theatrical cut and and the ultimate edition i think are very different in terms oh, yeah. of how oh, they yeah. were cutting it for the theatrical cut certain things i think that were omitted really make that film very different in terms of tone and how it comes across sure. story wise so i yeah i think that's probably what it is hopefully cuz people are now understanding what he was trying to do, uh-huh. which is awesome. I know. And that's what I love to see is like when you see on the timeline. Well, first off, I don't know how many times I've seen, you know, tweets that said like, hey, I was wrong about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> I really enjoyed his Justice League movie. And now I'm going to go back and revisit BVS and Man of Steel. And oh my God, I get it now. He was trying to like work up to this. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, yep. sometimes the heroes need to just be challenged before they could be the version that, you know, we all like have come to yeah. love. And that's, I mean, when, when, uh, when Superman just shows up and Zack Snyder Justice League just to stop the ax and he's just like not impressed. And then he yep. does a little ice breath thing, which is, I mean, it's so funny because you, when you go back to, you know, justice and he does the, it's like, that is totally bad because it's like, Oh, we don't mm. do that. But Snyder was like, no, we could do the ice breath. But he's gonna do it in like a cool way where he just goes like that. He just goes like that. He just that's it. I mean, it was like because I remember a lot of times we always made fun of us, like, how did he know he had the ice breath? When the fuck, you know, when this, that, and this. And now even in the Snyder version, he does have the ice breath, but he just does it in such a casual, like, you know? Yep. And then yep. boom, and then I'm gonna kick your ass. You know, well, and he's so much stronger. Like, the, I, I feel like they tried to make Superman that in the Justice League one, where it's like he just comes in and he's just like, Is "This guy bothering you," you know, and stuff. Yeah. And, but it's, but it doesn't feel earned. It doesn't feel, yeah. it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel organic. It doesn't feel just like that. It makes sense. But yet, Superman coming in in Zack Snyder's movie, it feels real and it feels more heroic and it feels like. Like, yeah, you're going to root for this guy. And he's and he's not just, I don't know, Superman just has such a, a weird um, state of being in, in the Justice League movie. I mean, he just, you know, he's he's and trading barbs with with, you know, the Flash and he's carrying whole, you know, buildings, you know, <laughs> and which makes no physical sense whatsoever. <laughs> You know, he's he's coming in, you know, I mean, but like in Zack Snyder's Justice League, man, he's coming in. He's he's heat visioning off Steppenwolf's horn. Yeah. He's, you know, he's he's, you know, beating him. I That was one thing like in watching it, this, you know, you watch you watch this movie over and over and over again. And I and I, I don't even know how many times now I've watched this movie, because by the time that I've sat down and actually watched the thing all the way through, just had it on, watched it in segments. Uh, just had it on in the background like you you know there's just stuff that like you just keep coming back to and it was funny because when I watched it uh, this week uh, one of the things that really stood out to me is when Superman comes in and he's standing atop Steppenwolf and he's and you know he's already laser laser you know laser eyed is uh, his he is uh, yeah whatever that is off (laughs) and uh, and then he starts punching him and you hear the whole silo reverberating there's gong gong it's almost like the opposite of the bell has been rung because yeah. it's just superman <laughs> just like just nailing him and then i love it because then it goes up to batman up on top you know and you still hear yeah. that going on down there and and it, i don't know it just I, I, it probably means nothing to anybody but like no, no, i was no, just no. sitting there just like just going I love that too. Oh, I love oh that my too. gosh, this is like so cool. Like, why yes. am I like so? Why am I so just excited about listening to Superman beat some guy off screen? You know, yeah. like you know, just just pummel him. I no, don't know, it, man. It, no, it's it's fantastic. And and then the, but but then what's also cool about that too is like yeah, you hear that the you know the background of that, but also Batman's going. Wait a minute, things are not as. They should be. I mean, yeah, we should be winning, but there's something off. And then all of a sudden the boom tube happens. You see Darkseid, 
He's going to show up and blah, blah, blah. And then I love the look of Superman when he's like, you know, and he's done, he's looking at the boom tube. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, things aren't right. Like I came in and yeah. saved the day, but wait, maybe I didn't. And the look on Superman's face when he just looks back at Cyborg and goes, oh shit. You know, because the whole thing about him coming back was him like, hey, they gave me a second chance. I cannot waste this. They brought me back for a reason. And, you know, he was totally primed and like, I'm here. I'm, I'm going to F this guy up. I got this, guys. I'm going to help this out, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, that look on his face when he turns back to look at Cyborg yes. and that concern, he goes, oh, wait. Oh, shit. I, I, I messed up. This is not happening. And it was like, I love this, that he, It wasn't just a big bad guy. Yeah. It, well, like, it wasn't just Superman a bad guy. Realized he was more than just beating up the big guy with the axe. It was like, wait, yeah, I took him down, but it was more than just that. And he, you know, and so you see that look on his face where he goes, oh, shit, it was more than just this. That's one of the things I, lo I love that look uh, on Superman's face when he just looks back at that. I'm like, oh, man, he, right there. He realizes it was more than just beating up the big guy. That's all it was. Like he thought, OK, I got this. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden it was like, oh, no, it was more than just that. And it was more than he can actually, you know, even think about, oh, this is why they, oh, shit, you know? Yep. There's just something about that look that he gives when he looks back. I, I love that. I absolutely love that so much. And then when it, go, of course, gets all reversed and then Cyborg yells out for Superman. Oh, yeah, boom. I mean, I yep. do wish there was a little more interaction with the league with Superman, but, you know, it's, it's fine. There's yeah. a, that hero shot. It's good. But I just kind of wish that there was like a, you know, Barry talking to Superman because that was his hero and maybe, you know, blah, blah. Sure. But, I, but, but I get it. You know, it's like end it with that hero shot and what. Oh, and, I, and I've even said, man, like, you know, as, as a big fan of like, I, I, I loved every time in the comics where Superman raced the Flash. Yeah. Right. So, so just seeing that, even, even have, though, even, even one of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so like, I, you know, like I, I even said, like, that's going to be one of those things that like, even though it wasn't executed perfectly. I, you know, knowing that that was a, a, a justice league scene, you know, it's like, okay, you know, but I, I, I gladly trade it for what, what we, you know, definitely got in, uh, in Zack Snyder's justice league, because I, well, I, I think there's so much more there. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think that Snyder knew that element of it and that's why with the resurrection scene, I mean, that's, what's so great about that scene is like, he established that like, yeah, Superman can move as fast as the flash. I mean, yeah, that's why like when flash is like running and then all of a sudden Superman just gives him that fucking oh. side. Look. I mean, that is just so, I mean, I don't know why it just works so much better with like Zach's. I, I don't know if it's, I know. Like, it just works so much better because when you watch it with justice, it's kind of like, it seems like it's quicker. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like maybe they just like trimmed it down. They, they try to trim as much as possible, but with Zack Snyder's Justice League, it's like, it just works so much better. I mean, to the point where it's like, wow. I mean, anytime I've watched it with somebody new, they go like, oh my God. They just like, la they laugh at Flash's face, first off, because Flash is like, holy oh, shit, he can right. see me. You right. know? Yeah. I mean, they laugh, and then it's just like, and then they're mesmerized. They're like, oh yeah, Superman can move pretty fast and he and look at that i mean that whole thing where he like leaps and he's like trying to put a fucking elbow like in his face and they yeah. both move at the same time i don't think that was injustice 
where he kind of like does that thing. I don't know if that yeah, was no, there. no, that and you know, and I noticed that exact same thing, Dave, because there's yeah. like a there's a weird element there between with that like section with him yeah. and the flash because because like before, yeah, they kind of got into thing, but the flash kind of trips over himself and he just falls, and and then the, there is a moment there, but I yeah, I all of that stuff is not in there because he falls into Clark. Like, yeah. you know, at one point because he's trying to dodge and weave and everything. And uh, that that whole that whole thing is, is so much better. I mean, he, he literally, you know, when he throws off the league and and he just goes after him. And, and you know what? One thing that I, I love, too, is I, I love the interaction uh, between Superman and Batman because he sees Batman, you know, down the way. Uh, and it's like he's like, oh, it's you, on. you. you. And he starts walking towards him, and the whole league tries to intercept him. And he's just like, "Nope." He like, "Oh, dude!" He, I mean, he, he, that, that definitely was not injustice. Where like the Flash mm-mm. was like, "Boo!" And then Aquaman's behind him, and he just goes, "Whoop!" And that, I mean, that was like when I saw that, I went, yes! "He basically he basically yes! matadored him. He what? he waved the red cape at him without oh waving the red God. cape. He's just like, "Olay!" There yeah. you go. And and what I love is is that you know he goes after Batman, and even though even though I'll admit the 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 callback to Batman v Superman with you know like you won't let me die, you won't let me live, uh, you know, whatever you know, uh, you know, do you bleed or whatever? Um, I you know it. You can make the argument that it works. You know what I mean because of their because of their last interaction. Not, not, not with the delivery when he's like, I know, I know. Not need. I mean, it was almost like not, not with, like, not with missing half line. his lip there. You know, not no, without no, the you know, missing half his lip. The way that Cavill delivers that delivers that line, I'm like, was he even serious? Like, right, right. I mean, the line itself. Yeah. But what's great is when he goes after Batman, and and it's funny because he's going after like at that point, Batman has had a change of heart because the last time they went at it, Batman was armored up. Batman yeah. was prepped. He was ready. Batman went into this like, but you notice Batman didn't bring a, a, a tactical suit. He didn't bring like any of that stuff. He's he just, just there. <laughs> yeah. He had gauntlets and like, and that was it. And like that saved his bacon because he was able to put up a gauntlet and then he had to throw one off and here comes the other gauntlet. And then the, the dynamic of literally in BVS, Batman's going to kill Superman and Lois steps in and saves Superman. Yeah. It's and then Superman. Yeah. And then, and then Superman's going to kill Batman and Lois steps in intervenes. Yeah. And intervenes. I mean, it's just, it's right there guys. Right. Oh, so good. So good. So So powerful. I mean, literally, literally like, like Robert Meyer Burnett said, this movie will forever be here. We will forever be unpacking new things and knowing zach zach will forever be just like like talking about it unveiling little nuggets about it you know uh things that like you never thought of before just just like the day that he you know announced the snyder cut was coming you know watching man of steel and he's just like oh yeah that moon back there you know doomsday took that out i was like what (laughs) like you said he has a backstory for everything yes you know what? He's probably got a backstory for the, the the fucking cop that Lois gives coffee to, who played Jimmy Olsen in the original. Oh, scene. I know. What? What? You know backstory. what? 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 What a better role for him too. Right? I was. I, what, what more? Oh, of dude, a, when a, I was watching that with my dad, he totally loved that. Oh, like, oh yeah, it is the it is Jimmy Olsen. He totally loved that. He's like, he's all. I love it when they bring actors back and i was like yeah there because he didn't know i was like yeah you realize that's jimmy olsen from the original superman right and he goes 
oh my god holy shit it is and i was like yeah much is. more respectful even than just having him behind the counter there oh, you know god. where the flash comes and 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 that scene that scene oh my gosh i don't know that scene kind of takes me off because it like it looks like it's cut weird it yeah. doesn't it doesn't feel i mean it just doesn't feel real it almost feels like a, a misstep where like you know he marks on the guy's face it's just oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird one. Oh, thank yeah. God for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, that, that's, a good, that's a good way to end the stream right here, guys. And I, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys uh, joining in. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's man. been a fun night. Definitely been a fun night. Um, thank you to, uh, you know, everybody, you know, Samantha Wynn, you know, for the earlier stream. She was a delight. She was great. And then, of course, uh, Robert uh, Meyer. Burnett, you know, hopefully, I mean, I, I, I want to talk to that guy so many, like I said, I mean, it could have been a whole stream of not even talking about comic book stuff. We were like, I mean, I, I kept looking at the time. I'm like, holy shit, we're like 45 minutes and we haven't talked about nothing. Zack Snyder's just like, I know people want to know his opinion and shit. Ooh, man. But I was, I was loving it because I was like, yeah, this guy gets it. He's in movies and like, we're sharing a love for John. Woo. We're sharing a love for evil dead. It was so great. And then, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys for uh, joining in. Um, definitely a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, of course the door is always open for you. Let's uh, go around the horn. Uh, go ahead and plug yourself. Mr. Chainsaw reacts. It's three in the morning. I should be asleep. But yes, I know. Everything... I'm bad for you. <laughs> chainsaw reacts twitter youtube all that um it was awesome to come back on the it's been a while we have yeah it has been a while stuff. and i've been wanting to bring yeah. it back because you know we share a love of, love of metallica for sure and i was like oof, we gotta talk more about that yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially yeah. after talking to joe Magnell, and i was like oh mm. yeah i, I mean I you know, like when it came to justice time. con when i was like oh wait joe is a metallica fan that was my niche i was like that's gonna be our non-comic booky connection and when i brought that up i think that kind of because you know it was a little rough but to start with the audio issues and he's kind of you know you know a little bit and then when i when i brought up metallica i was like and, and then my last question to him before i brought you know the questions and i was like what would uh slade wilson's favorite metallica song be and i you know i shit you not i was like it was my Yes, moment. I don't know if you saw me because I was like, I think it would be Disposable Heroes from Master of Puppets because, you know, with Soldiers of War and blah, blah, blah. And that's exactly what Joe said. And I went, yes, that's exactly what I thought it would be. That or Damage Incorporated. And I was yeah. like, yes. Good choice there too, yeah. Yes. And it was just, you know, and that even being like, you know, Joe said his favorite album was Ride the Lightning. That's why he had it Heck on the, yeah. Yeah, the back, the back of his... uh vest in uh, his latest movie because that's how i was like breaking the ice i'm like all right so the first time we see you you are wearing that boom and that's where we started talking about metallica and stuff like that and i was like nice. there it is well, i'm i'm a huge metallica fan i mean i've been yeah. a guitar i've been a guitar player since see? i was 15 okay, so now, and uh so my, one of the first songs one of the first songs i ever learned was fade to black yes, and nice. uh and and look as a church boy <laughs> i used to be able to i was i would sit in church and like play lightly under things that were going on and like all my friends all my friends knew that i was playing metallica licks and stuff like that nobody Wait. ever none of the gray hairs ever knew because enosh was just playing some pretty little thing man you know and it's like okay. oh, oh what 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 is that oh oh is, is that one that might be one uh See? just saying <laughs> i'm telling you i mean one of these days we're just gonna have to have a stream where we just nerd yeah. out about metallica Heck See yeah, now, man. i did not know that about you you know oh, i know yeah. 
Yeah, and man. Like, oh man, I, I learned the, I learned the entire Black album when it came uh, out. Geez. Oh man, dude. Yeah, I we we would do uh, we would play see? that stuff live. I mean, so, still yet, still yet. Like we we bust out Metallica songs in my band every once in a while now. Like we we see? have we have a female singer. Her and I trade off uh, lead vocals, and and uh, it's really funny because I keep joking with her like about it. I'm like, you know, cause she's a rock singer. But it's like some of that stuff, man. You just got to get that. Yeah, yeah. You know. Oh. Yeah. 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 James, yeah, yeah. You have to. You have to. Ooh, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, we're going to have to have a Metallica stream one of these days, man. Yeah. yeah. Man. I mean, count, that's what count I, me yeah. in. Count dude, me in. Dude, I mean, in, well, well yeah, I mean, when, when <laughs> the first time you had you on, it was like, yeah, it was like we talked about that a lot. I mean, like, and I even joked about that with Joe. I'm like, we could totally have a Metallica like you know panel right now, guys. But it's all about you know this, you know. And then it was just yeah. And but the fact that Joe was like, oh yeah, disposable heroes would be slates. So I'm like, there it is. I'm like, I knew. I was like, that was my. I was like, yes. Because so I my even question to you, Dave. My question to you, oh. Dave, was was Cole and Megan in your back room studio, in your backstage studio, like saying, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Army no. of the Dead. They they were joking with me because when yeah. Batista started talking about Star Wars toys, yeah. they're they like they're like back, bring it back, you know. Well, you know what? Okay. I'm like, okay. He started talking about Star Wars toys. Huh? No, no. The only difference, the difference was you had Netflix on your guys' ass. Yes, yes. That's the thing. Netflix was all about. Hey, keep it Army of the oh, Dead. Yes. Oh yes. I, yeah. I had free range to talk about what. Oh, that's awesome. See, that's, awesome. That's, that's the difference. That's the difference because yeah. I know I know there was a Netflix rep that was like you know helping yeah. out day two, and luckily that wasn't me. I, I mean I, I I think I even joked with with Wonder Meg. I was like because she was like oh yeah they wanted to keep it strictly Army of the Dead. I'm like well I'm glad that Enosh asked about you know you know bane and other dc characters i'm glad he did she like, well he did you know that. we had we had like a half hour 40 minutes but the oh, thing I know. Was, was like was like was like i knew off the bat because we talked about it like before it like he yeah. couldn't get into all this stuff about army of the dead and so i'm like yes, if i could come out the gate with so about army of the dead now well, i can't you tell can't. you anything about that yeah well how, it was nice talking you to you <laughs> look at late night look at look at interviews press truck junkets or late night interviews a, a person talks about the movie for what five ten minutes yeah okay yep, yep. you have to feel like an hour there's no way that it. you could just talk about the movie for an hour maybe for like 20 minutes half hour sure but you gotta put in some other shit in there man well you gotta you gotta develop interviews, they don't even talk about the movie for like two minutes and the rest is just random crap well that's the thing yeah. you gotta develop a rapport with somebody too because they gotta yeah. feel comfortable with you yeah. that they can tell a story about maybe what happened on the set or something like that. And you got to work, you got to work that way. And, and they were just teasing me back there, but it, oh, it was, sure, it was yeah. funny, but it was funny. No, we joked about it later. It was, it was just funny though, because like, he's, he's like talking about his Ewok village and I'm like, dude, I, I dude, did not, you know I did not steer him in that direction at well, all. But again, but again, it, they, they did, you know, they, they nailed it when it came to pairing people with oh, absolutely. You know, certain people. Absolutely, like yeah. when they told me Joe Mang, I was like, all right, let's see, you know, and then the fact that I when I was like, okay, he's a Metallica fan. Okay, that's where I'm going to get him, mm. you know. And then he the first thing that he mentioned when he joined before we went live, he went he was like, "Oh, I see you have uh the Spider-Man poster with the uh the Twin Towers in his eye, in his eyes. That's rare." And I was like, "Oh, you know about that?" He's like, "Oh yeah." And I was like, "Okay, we'll talk about that." 
on the panel. Don't worry. And we did because, yeah, this is a rare poster that it has the, yeah. the Twin Towers reflecting in his eye. And he mentioned that how like, yeah, he has a poster of that. And then he even said Sam Raimi or nobody from the film will sign that poster because it's so rare. He's all, yeah. And I was like, mm. there it was. So I had two things. I was like, I did not. I was hoping that he would recognize that because obviously he was in the movie. But yeah. the fact that he, the, that was the first thing he noticed when he came backstage and he was like, oh, you have one of those posters. And I was like, yep. <laughs> by, the, yeah. by the way, Dave, and I don't think I've, I've had a chance to tell you this uh, since then, but uh, man, great job on, on the recovery. Of, oh, geez. Uh, I know when he kept on saying caterpillar sound and I was like, I was like, oh shit. And the only thing, the only notes that, that uh they gave me behind the scenes was don't move. For some reason, when you move, I, I think that's what's causing yeah. the audio thing. And I was like, really? You're telling me not to move? <laughs> <laughs> I, I even joked about that when we were done. Like when we were done and you know, Joe was, you know, done, and I was like, whew. And he was like, and I even joked, I'm like, you guys told me not to move. <laughs> that's hard for me not to be, you know. We were having the same issues with Dave right before we went on because oh, like, yeah. his, guy, his guy, yeah, his guy came in and like at first we couldn't hardly hear him, and yeah. once he turned it up, cranked it up, like it was like the sound kept happening, and then yeah, it kept fluttering in and out, and then Dave came in, and then Dave was fluttering in and out, and you know they were trying all these kind of different things, like are we going to just use the laptop audio and everything? It's like what are we going to do? And then it was good, and then yeah. it stayed good, and I was just That's, like, oh, thank God, I know. I know when, yeah, I was like, man, I was like trying my best to be like, hey, and then Joe sometimes would be like, mm, your audio just, but the fact that he was on his iPad, I was like, that's it. Ah. That's it right there. That's it. Because, because listening back to it, you guys sounded fine the whole oh, yeah. time. Even even they were like backstage going like, you sound fine to me. And I was like, yeah, I think it's, and then, and then they asked, so like, is he on an iPad? And I asked him, I was like, are you on an iPad? He goes, yep. And I was like, oh, shit. That's why. Right. That's stream. StreamYard does not like iPads. My my laptop melted. Uh, the the yeah. hard drive crashed a few a uh, couple months ago, and mm. and I had to use an iPad for like a couple of weeks at least. Yeah. And and it was just it was it's frustrating on an iPad. And people yeah. don't people all of you at home you don't see what we see. Like <laughs> yeah. like when the chat just starts going and stuff, and people are like, "Wait, you missed my super chat," and it's like I can't even find your super chat anymore. Oh, like yeah. I'm I'm trying, you know. So yeah, kudos to you, man. Because like I said, I we dealt with a little bit of that before going on but the fact that you had that happen live and you and you brought it back man you nailed it and it and it was great man well i mean like when, when it comes to those moments i mean that's where i just kind of go like of course and then i just i just immediately go into joke status and i'm like you know what you know let's just make a joke out of it you gotta know recover, gotta you recover. Know? yeah exactly it's like yeah you know what? It's not, it's out of my hands. Let's just joke about it. And you know, it was a little rough. And then, then we got into the whole thing and then it ended with uh, Joe raising up his, uh, his Chihuahua and saying, Hey, there's bubbles right there. And he was mm -hmm. like, bam. And I was like, there you go. And then, you know, it was all about like trying to make, trying to connect. Cause I know he was a big D and D fan. I'm yeah. not a big D and D guy. And I was like, yeah. who knows D and D. And that, that's why I would hit up Steve. And I'm like, are you into D and D? He goes, no, but I listen to a podcast weekly about it. And I was like, good enough, Steven, you're coming in. You're going to ask a D and D question. And nice. when he did, all of a sudden Joe lit up and was like yep. talking about his game and the people involved. And I was like, there it is. That's what it is, man. That's yes. what it, well, as soon as I asked Dave about his family, 
Yes. Because like, he came in and he was like, you know, like, I just got my shot. I'm, you know, yeah. feeling a little down and everything. And it's like, oh, wait, this guy is going to ask me about my family. Well, oh, I mean, well, yeah. Really? Heck yeah. And then it was, you know, and then the good parts, you know, of, of his wrestling career and, you know, and all that stuff. I mean, well, even good. with uh, even the day one with Patrick Totopoulos, I mean, yeah. the fact that you had images of you with the Batmobile, I was like, when you brought up those, I was like, boom. I was like. There you go. That's why Enosh was good for Patrick right there because yeah. you actually took pictures with the Batmobile. You actually, I mean, both days. I mean, it seemed because you had, you know, also you're a fan of wrestling when it came to Batista. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it, it just kind of all just kind of worked out, even with all the fucking glitches or whatever the hell, you know? Yeah. So, it was, it was good, man. It was good. But yeah, yeah. It went yeah, really well. Job. Anyways. All right, let's go back around to uh, plugging. Sorry, I know it's. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, it's it's three thirty for me too. Uh, yeah. No, Poindexter Lounge. You can find me on all the all the places, all the stuff at Poindexter Lounge. Uh, we're here on YouTube, and we do fun streams, and we do these epic uh, four hour streams as well, four or five hour streams, and know, and uh, and talk about all this stuff, you know, in, in my little echo chamber, apparently of Snyderverse, but uh, but we talk about other things too. And so, cool. uh, come on over and nerd out with us. We have a good there time. There it is. Make sure you subscribe to both of these guys right here chainsaw reacts point dexter lounge you guys know what to do with me hit that like thumbs up before you leave hit that notification bell so you know when i'm doing this stuff you want to join film junkie do that i'm starting to do like you know after all the lives i do a post show video for the members i did a little in between between the two vodka streams i think that's what i'm going to be doing now if you want to join the patreon that's where i kind of show what i'm working on all that stuff so join that and then of course the film junkie closet with uh you know all the merchandise stuff new merchandise is going to be showing up fairly soon and uh yeah guys appreciate uh everybody who joined um like i said uh uh robert uh meyer burnett thank you for joining hopefully he shows back up samantha win earlier with the uh the pre-game show she was a delight for sure and uh you know what guys you know this has been a fun night and uh yeah appreciate you guys we'll talk to you later